ladies and gentlemen, mesdames and messieurs, welcome to a brand new Two Bit Podcast, uh, friend or fed episode. This week we are taking on the subject of James Lindsay, who, uh, as we all know, just uh, got perma banned off Twitter. Let me see if we can share this. I did not know that. You did not know that? Well, there you go, Mark. No. Learn something new every day. Oops. Yep, James Lindsay, America's top Christian nationalist. Uh, his account was suspended. Uh, apparently, he got multi-flagged by uh, some liberal um, who uh, just like flagged a lot of his tweets. And eventually, Twitter's like, "Yep, you're right. That's uh, that's above. That's too much for Twitter. Too spicy for Twitter." And he got booted. Uh, of course, James Lindsay, or we should say, Doctor James A. Lindsay. I did include the A. Because uh, the A is gay for reasons I'll I'll get into. Um, he was known professionally. So James Stephen Lindsay uh, is known professionally. This is from his Wikipedia. So take that with a grain of salt. Uh, known professionally as James A. Lindsay is an American mathematician, author, and cultural critic. He's also known for his involvement in the Grievance Studies affair with Peter Bogosian and Helen Puckrose. Uh, with a letter of who he co-authored a nonfiction book, Cynical Theories, which we will cover a little bit in this episode. Uh, so the A and James A. Lindsay uh, is a uh, is a pseudonym he uses for his writing. It's basically to denote atheist, uh, which again like, is fucking gay. Um, <laughs> fed right there. Um, and uh, you know, so anyone who's known about James is like he's uh, he's taken on woke culture. Uh, he's punching from the left, which is uh, almost heresy in some circles. And uh, and yeah, has uh, has has been. Adding to the discourse, let's say, uh, with his uh, with his uh, YouTube show and uh, and multiple interviews. Uh, before I let everyone introduce themselves and cast their first votes, I'll do some little definitional terms. Uh, friend in this term, in this in this context, we we're still trying to land on a really standard definition, but uh, I would say friend in this in this in this context is someone who is aiding and abetting the dissident voices. Uh, uh, in the interweb space, uh, and a fed is someone who's feeding them into a more status quo style narrative. Uh, so we will figure out if James A. Lindsay is a friend or a fed. Oh, wait, I have a, I've, uh, is a friend. Say hello to my little friend. <laughs> or a fed. There we go. <laughs> Production values, folks. We're getting there. <laughs> All right, we're going to start. We're going to start to my right, uh, as always, with Trey. Uh, Trey Fifty Daniel, please introduce yourselves and uh, introduce yourself and uh, cast your first vote on James Lindsay. Yeah, so I'm Trey Fifty Daniel, a frequent tweeter and Twitch streamer, uh, occasionally. <laughs> so um, I would say for James Lindsay, my preliminary vote is going to be Fed. Reason? Uh, reason because there was uh, I forget I, I couldn't find the exact tweet I was going to send it to you guys, but uh, there I, I do remember a tweet getting screen grabbed and I, I think he ended up deleting it. But basically, what he was saying is like, hey, uh, like oh, there's a there's a rise in the in the right and like hyper Christian, you know, basically it's like the the '90s right is rising again, kind of thing, or, or, or like some wording. Like I, I don't remember the specific wording, but it's basically like, oh, the, there's like a hyper Christian uh, right rising again. So now I'm going to be turn my focus from the left to focus on the right, and I need to, you know, I need to 
adjust my view or whatever. But then he delayed. I think he deleted it like almost. Yeah, it lasted twenty four hours. He 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 deleted it. Lost two thousand followers overnight, and then deleted it and went back to to uh, to attacking the woke. We'll, we'll 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 get there. Well, don't worry. That's it's part of my notes. I got I got notes, folks. I got I took notes this time. Look at me. We're uh, we're moving up in the world. Okay, Mike Corbell, please. Hey everyone, Mike Corbell. Uh, you can find me at the Invictus Mind podcast, the Invictus Mind on Twitter. I I, I talk about uh, spiritual freedom, political freedom, and financial freedom. I've got two votes here for uh, Lindsay, and I'm going to say Fed for both reasons. <laughs> First one, I share your sentiment, Jason, that because he's an atheist, he's a Fed. I don't. I don't really mm, that's not that. my sentiment. That's not my sentiment. But I you, we were. You said that's that. part of it. <laughs> no, I was part of a Twitter conversation where someone said that, and I actually said that I don't believe that we should be making the 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 line in the sand shouldn't be religious. Um, I mean, like what Curtis? So Curtis Yarvin is an atheist. He's automatically fed, yeah. <laughs> well, no, because it, actually the dis- the discussion was about whether an atheist can be a right winger, um, and then I think um, uh, uh, Peter Q uh, chimed in and said like, "What Hoppe?" isn't isn't right wing like you know like i think that distinction um and not to and, and be clear i don't think just because you're a right winger you're a friend like you could be an ally without being a friend um but yeah no i don't i don't make that distinction between with a, with atheism but sorry mike not uh, not not to fair not, enough not to, not to not to throw a monkey wrench in your thing i just you know want to clarify well I, I, I actually so i'm actually on the other side of that Oh, well, if you can, if you can change my mind, I guess we'll we'll see. But that's that's the first one. The second reason why I say he's a Fed is just because I think his voice sucks, and I, I can't stand his podcast. So <laughs> I, I can't listen to for more than like ten minutes to his podcast. So that's you know that's my second reason. Be that a shallow reason that you know changed my mind. So <laughs> everyone has their reasons. LB. Good morning, good evening, good night, wherever and whenever you are. My name is LB Muniz. I'm the proprietor of BeenAwake.com, where I talk about news, philosophy, and mindset. I'm very interested in this conversation, as always, because of how we define our terms, but also the people that we talk about. I have tried hard to come up with the arguments for him being a Fed, and I have not been able to convince myself. We could we could finally discover some sentimentality about myself uh, in in the course of today's episode. But uh, I have to say where I stand currently with James Lindsay is friend. And I think if I think just from an educational standpoint, he has created a resource for a lot of people to grasp some of the farther left, uh, well, just to understand and actually classify left-wing thought. And I don't think that existed 10, 15 years ago in the mainstream consciousness. And it's made... Well, I think it's made proving the case against the radical, chaotic left that much easier because of it. So we'll get into the specifics of the argument, but uh, that's kind of where I sit. Fair enough. Mark? Yeah, um, I'm Mark, co-host of this special podcast. Um, I'm going to kind of agree with LB. I think uh, I'm definitely on the friend side. I understand some of the Surprising arguments. nobody, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm a shameless fanboy. Um, I, I think that his... Sorry, I think that his contribution is invaluable for, you know, I, I call him basically a, a leftist archaeologist. I think he's one of the guys who actually goes and does the digging. He's definitely, you know, um, cl- helped clarify a lot of the confusion for a lot of people who are kind of like, what's going on? Where did this come from? Why is this happening? Um, he, he really helps explain that and, and, and provides 
shareable material for people who are maybe trying to explain it to people around them. Um, I think there's kind of a, for me, there's a bit of a similarity between him and, and Jordan Peterson in that I think, uh, personally, I think he's almost like a, uh, a Christian warrior who's out there actually fighting the fight, even though he might not be aware of it. And I do share sympathies with him in his, um, in his sort of the, the fights that he will get in with the Christian right, because I spent a lot of my life in that same position um, rebelling against the excesses of the uh, Christian right when I uh, became a dissident um, from them. So I think, I think you can be, um, you could be critical of the, the left and the right at the same time without necessarily being an enemy of uh, true conservatism. So that's my quick spiel. Carlos, or is he? Hey, what's up, amigos? Uh, my name's Carlos from Los Libertinos Podcast, and uh, I basically uh, just talk about tacos on my show. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, I think this vato's a, uh, he's a friend. Because I'm starting to look at these shows, man. Like, if like if he was hanging out with us, would we, would we look at him sideways as a fed? Or would we, or, or would we be interested in what he's saying as a, as a friend? And I would think that we would be interested in what he's saying as a friend. So I, I, I'm, I'm breaking it down that easy, man. So that's that, that's my my vote. And of course, I am Jason Marinchuk, the uh, creator, co-host, the uh, uh, man from down under, um, and uh, obviously Fed. Um, I, I don't even know why we're having this conversation, even. Um, however. <laughs> However, I will say this. I will say this. Okay, let me, let, me, let me put it this way. So this show is not about what we like or dislike. Um, it's not about... Uh, it's, it's, this show is about examining priors, essentially. Taking prior assumptions, uh, affiliations, ideas, uh, and re-examining them because I think oftentimes what happens is we get, we get lazy, right? Mentally lazy, ideologically lazy, whatever have you. There's a lot of information out there. There's a war on for attention. Oftentimes you'll you'll slot someone into a friendly category like yes everything that James I, I like what James said ten years ago or five years ago or, or six months ago I like James right he gets put into friend slot and we don't think about what he's saying other than that because there's other things going on in our lives and there's other people to listen to um, so what the 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 goal of the show essentially has become is taking those people and reexamining them and essentially saying this is again this is not about whether we like him or dislike him. Sorry, Mike. Uh, personally, personally, I'm, I'm with you, Mike. I can't stand James Lindsay. Like, I, I really want to punch him in his face, kind of thing. <laughs> uh, it's just something about him, man. In, in Minecraft. In, in Minecraft. Oh, in Minecraft. I mean, no, no. None in real life. I'm just, uh, I'm just simply saying. It's, 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 there's something about uh, his presentation. I've been in conversations and in rooms with guys like that. I, I, I know that person. Um, uh, and it's uh like he's asserting authority where where he you know otherwise wouldn't have it like he doesn't no 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 it's just it's just that kind of diarrhea academic thing um that i'm allergic to now i'm biased right like and i'm gonna say that right away like that's my own internal bias and and that's what makes me a little allergic to to him however i do can i I can also say along with what lb said is that i think that he's making major contributions to, to the way people can can articulate and uh, and see this thing from 
uh, from at least an academic standpoint. And I want to get into that about the failures of the failures of the, of the academic uh, language or presentation. Um, so I would maybe put him into the ally category. And then, of course, he just did this amazing talk uh, on Courtney Turner's uh, channel uh, with Jay, with Jay Dyer, where they where they basically uh, get into the idea that uh, that wokeism has its roots in Gnostic faith, which is you know stretching back to like Genesis three, and we're, so we're talking about a an order of you know that's you know thousands and thousands of years old that that, that are, that's basically informing and structuralizing these 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 ideas um you know i i remember listening to that and i, I listened to it three times i talked to Kurt, courtney on her show with, with with tommy sammons uh we've unpacked that i think this is really really important for people to really kind of conceptualize that we are in a spiritual war and this isn't just like me being crazy little orthodox motherfucker it's like this is this is this is real um and I think that's important that people like Lindsay are finally, you know, died in the wool atheist who I don't think is, who is, I think is unapologetic about it, um, is finally cottoning onto that and seeing it for really what it is. It isn't just an academic problem. It's, it's a spiritual issue. So conversations around that, and so now obviously, obviously now I'm into friend territory. The thing that I can't get past, uh, and, this is my sticking point and this is why I'm, I'm, I'm saying fed is that James Lindsay is a liberal. He's a liberal of a liberal of a liberal of a liberal. And I believe that what James really wants is to restore us back to 1995 and without, without dealing with the cancer that, that brings us to this. I think James has made a distinction between critical theory and liberalism and so he so that he can attack so he's basically attacking left which is you're not supposed to do gauche, right uh you know the leftist is never supposed to attack left but he's doing it because he can make that distinction that that, that critical theory isn't really liberalism it's something else mm-hmm. and we'll get to that when we get when we read a little bit of cynical uh, parts of cynical theory and because of that they then he they, then he can take shots at the nrx crew and at the far right and so that people who <laughs> Who are basically in a position to use his stuff to the, to its maximum effectiveness, if if he's not just shitting on them and trying to gatekeep them out of the, out of the conversation. So for that reason, I think ultimately his goal is Fed. You know, even though he might be acting in a friendly fashion right now, the the direction ultimately is Fed. Um, and there, there you go. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that with that summation in, in the sense that it kind of reminds me of what I've always said about someone like a Bernie Sanders or a socialist, where they'll diagnose the right problem, but then their prescriptions are terrible. Hmm. And so when 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 Lindsay attacks the left, and he's sort of you know I I watched that interview with uh, where, I don't know, the interview with the discussion with with Jay Dyer, and it's interesting how he he he's he's kind of seeing how almost all of leftism is a religion. And once you view it through that lens, you really understand it. But then he, you know, he says, well, the cure is liberalism. And that's where, the, you know, but I, again, I, I, I grant people the opportunity to take their time to, you know, it, are, his, are his steps progressively in a more correct direction, which I think is, you know, obviously if, if this is a spiritual battle and the enemy is, you know, um, the religion of Gnosticism, atheism, leftism, whatever you want to call it, then obviously um, the cure isn't more of, of the center. It would be something uh, more like Christianity. And, you know, he's just, but I think at the same time, I think his actions, his actions contradict 
his words. And I think his words might be very anti-Christian, but even if he's not, not self-aware enough to realize it, he is acting out um, something that is. Well, uh, I, I think true. that the, like the, the idea that he's going after is like, we, we don't like the sort of woke religion. And, and then, you know, if, if someone brings up, you know, sort of uh, a Christian or whatever, you know, even, Muslim, he, he doesn't he doesn't really engage with that at all. But he he does say like, oh well, like he he can recognize that the woke is, is religion, and he can go like, oh you know this critical race theory and like diagnose it, and dissect it. But then he doesn't he doesn't go to like, okay, well, you know, <clears throat> he doesn't go to the actual solutions that would that would fix some of uh, some of the problems. Like, okay, well, you know, we need to just take an axe to it to 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 way the way the, the school systems are handled, or uh, you know, take taking like taking an act to these things or, or restructuring them in a way that would actually be in a friendly manner. But he, mm -hmm. he just wants to like kind of roll it back. Okay. Well, if we just take the woke, it woke out of the schools like that, that'll fix the schools or something like that. It, it doesn't, it doesn't actually fix the, the, the real source of, of what is, what is going on whenever the, the school is set up to, to be in this way for, for, to design to, to indoctrinate people into something. And the only thing that it's going to, uh, as we know, it's, it swims left, so it's going to leftism. So, if yeah, it's you like Sam don't... Harris on Sam Harris on Islam. It's like, okay, great. So I, I want to clarify yeah. a, a question here, Jason, because uh, you you know when Mark said that you know taking it back to 1995 with classical liberalism. I mean, so he said, Mark, you said that uh, you know he kind of reminds you of Jordan Peterson in a, in a way that uh, he wants to he wants to keep the old world, if you would, and you know and. Is classical liberalism is that moving towards Fed or is that front territory? I just I want to know for this conversation because I have my thoughts about that whole uh, ideology. But uh, when you say liberalism, I'm, are we I'm talking about modern left? Or are we talking well, about uh, like classical liberalism that America's been for like two hundred years? <laughs> I'm still struggling with that, and I think that's the one of the sort of things that makes our podcast interesting is that me and Jason have a very kind of different perspective on that. In that, I think I think that classical I, I pin classical liberalism. Um, same as libertarianism, and because I think they're almost inseparable, I've, I put them in the friend category only because I think that they are an one element of what it takes to have a healthy society. I don't think that they are God. I don't think they should be worshipped. I think that if you have a God and you worship that God, it's the same as this, you know the founding fathers said that this is a system for a moral people, mm. and that when you have the, the correct other structures, then you then you have classical liberalism so it's it's a piece of a healthy society but it's not it you have to have the right piece at the top in order to have those and that correct piece is, yeah, is, but is I mean, god but see and this is this is where we have a disagreement because i mean and i wouldn't have disagreed with you un until basically the last like three four years when i started reading carlisle uh one of the more one of the more amazing things if you read latter-day papers which i recommend anyone read um one because carlisle uses the using the english language in like this it's like a weapon. It's beautiful. <laughs> but uh, but aside from all that, it's like he's talking in what basically became late stage British Empire, right? He's talking, I forget the exact dates he was publishing, but like uh, 1850, 1860, somewhere around there. Um, and what he's describing is us now. Like if you could, I mean, and obviously his his starting position is is different, slightly different from ours. But when he's talking about prison reform, um, you know, he's bemoaning the idea that like, they're giving all these guys like these 
you know, clean cells and so that. I mean, if he showed him Xboxes being presented to prisoners, his, his mind would just get blown. But actually, I think he would be like, yeah, well, logical progression. What's amazing to me when you start looking at the 19th century, especially uh, thinkers from, you know, let's say right-wing dissident figures of the, of the time, they're telling us in very clear language, hey, this is leading to some bad things. And they were dealing with very, what we would consider uh, pure classic liberalism. So, you know, n- not fettered in with whatever else happened in the American experiment. You know, this is pre- pre-World Wars. So when they're diagnosing these issues as far back as something, you know, it's 19th, 17th, uh, 18th century, then you're like, oh, okay, this has been a problem for a long time. We've just not been aware of it because we have been the frogs in the, in, in the, in, in the, in the slowly warming pot. Like, that's why a lot of people want to go back to 95 because, and I look, I agree with you. 95 was amazing. We've, we've talked about this on the podcast, Mark, where like, mm. you know, 95 was a, was a, was a peak humanity was a, <laughs> or yeah. seemed like this, the facade yeah, of peak humanity. Hey, hey. The, the chronic was out for a year already. Ain't nothing but a G <laughs> thing. But those like, like 1995 was fucking badass. But those, Hey, the era of big government is over. That's what Clinton said. Right. Hey, that, that year was fucking yeah. dope. Why are you talking yeah, shit well. about 95? I agree. I, yeah. I graduated high school in 95 and I was officially an adult on my own. So, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I was probably just starting to walk. So <laughs> I say, I'm a baby in this conversation. <laughs> I think, I think I, I, think, I was uh, I just, I had just graduated from high school. So, I mean, it was a, it was a pretty good year. Like I was, I was, I was fucking, it was, it was good. You know, it was, <laughs> um, but uh, I was 15. Huh? Well, I was gonna say, was Jason, it? like, uh, like you said, it's like a, like a spiritual battle, but I don't know if it's spiritual, man. I think it really is between who's fucking and who's not. The, <laughs> the that really is the battle, you know, like who's fucking and who's not. That's and the why ones the that aren't fucking party's having so much trouble. <laughs> they're not fucking, dude. That's that's why the LPMC is doomed for failure. There's just not enough people fucking in the LPMC, man. Just like there's a there's a there's a there's a, a fuck a fuck gap. That has to be closed somehow. Like, you know. Okay. Well, you gotta else. repopulate the earth somehow, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Elon, Elon's doing yeah. it single handedly, guys. Okay, Gen X. <laughs> Thanks. I'm not sure. <laughs> love, love it. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I graduated high school in the midst of a recession. So bugger off. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Sad day. Oh. Here, Do what I what I enjoy about this segment is the reexamination of one's priors and putting terms into like into a good context. And bef- I, I want to save some of my commentary for for what I'm sure going to be clips where you know like important flashpoints in in his work. Uh, but I'll say but I'll say this in brief, which is which is uh, the word pedigree, right? He has a pedigree that a lot of people can't ignore. Not only did he go, he, he made it, and, and, and in fact, the system, the liberal system, if you will, worked for him very, very well. And I think, given, our, given the natural incentive structure, you don't really get to a point of questioning liberalism in a profound sense unless, in some ways, things aren't, haven't worked out exactly. I, I think there's a correlation between things not working out or the, or, you know, or like the set system, right, of go to, go to school for 12 years, then college for four, then graduate, get the corporate job, climb up the ladder, you know, pay off your student debt, get, get the house, get the, get the dog, get the wife, get the kids, right? If they, 
it's I think I think before you end up in quote unquote dissident thought, if you will, it, it you have things have to like, you know, not not go great for you in one in one in one sense or another. That doesn't that doesn't mean you're that doesn't mean you can't have success, obviously. It's just I think it's just a matter of um I think it's just a matter of like how's the circumstances lay out in front of you. The point being somebody like James Lindsay came from basically like, well, everything kind of worked out. He got a PhD in mathematics, you know, and then and then academia started to get weird. And so that's where he started his journey from. And so and and it's taken, I mean, gosh, he's been on the scene for six well how long has it been six seven years since we had the the whole idw flashpoint about that right it's been six or seven years and now he's now he's the guy who's going after people like a right-wing troll calling them all groomers sorry if this gets us you know oh good we're 24 minutes in i think we're the g word (laughs) but but to the point you know well it's and it's a problem that he did that um and sorry there that's better i think for the for the ai um (laughs) <laughs> but to my to my point though is you know it, there is a sta- there is there is the story of how where somebody was and where they are and there's frustration you can feel when you're farther along what you see is a very obvious course of logic what i find um what i what i what i try to do with that frustration is i try to package that in a way that can be uh, that can appeal to as many people as possible and it turns out when there's not a frame of reference like you're talking about the 20 you know the the late british you know late british empire right-wing dissidents that there is i mean there's people don't even people don't even learn about somebody is somebody like uh hayek or milton friedman unless they have a teacher who is like marginally conservative growing up if you know if they happen to get one right so they won't even so you have or thomas soul or thomas soul you have somebody yeah. who will learn that at 30 40 years old because they've literally never been exposed to the idea i've had conversations with phds mm-hmm. Who have literally never heard of a cert, heard of somebody from like the Austrian school, which is somebody, which is a school that I discovered when I was like 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. So, so to put it in perspective, I think that's an, I think that's going to be an interesting part of this conversation as well and how you classify mm-hmm. someone. And certainly, um, certainly I don't, I think, I think people who, people who reject progressivism are primed to go even further. That path is, that path just isn't well laid out. It's actually being laid out right now for the for the broad for a broader group of people to come in, which is this post liberal push, uh, and that's mm. and that's that's I think that's I think where the cutting edge is right now, and certainly where I kind of have spent a lot of my mind faculties examining and trying to how to trying to figure out how to contextualize that in a way that more people can understand. Hey, LB. Like Sorry, it, it sounds like if you're speaking of like uh, uh like like uh, uh it's all relative to the individual. But when I interview you, when I interviewed you, when I brought up like uh, a relativism, you kind of like pushed back on me at that point. You had said I was trying to say like everybody has a story behind them, and because everybody does, you can't really know everybody's like. Uh, I mean, you can't. This goes back to like. Like, is there really demons and is it really spiritual? And I know like a lot of like, you know, I know I know a lot of homies, you know, you guys are homies. Oh, there's actual demons. Yes. And there there are like fucked up people and all that. But it's all relative. It's all relative to to the individual. And the more story you have behind the end of the individual and the story, the more you can relate to them, put yourselves in their shoes and, 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 and kind of get a, a different feel for why they think the way they think. So yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you, LB. But like you know, uh, you know, we just got to be careful on how 
we always kind of view everybody like I'm sure if we had a show on each one of us, a friend or fed, we, we can all end up in different sides of that line, you know, depending on how we look at things, you know. So so I'm down, dude. I just like to like hang out and drink with everybody and then and then really get a feel for how everybody like kind of like uh, thinks about the world. But I would I would think that everybody wants the best for themselves, their kids, their family, their their community. But like, yeah, you're right. Some people have never even heard of these ideas that we talk about and shit like that. And, you know, that's what we're trying to do. Right. We're trying to like kind of talk about this stuff. And, you know, so I don't know, man, I'm just kind of like uh, freestyling a little bit. But anyway, yeah, that's it. No, no, that's good. <laughs> the, li- the, line, the line between friend or fed runs down the heart of every man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, you know, that's what makes see, it an interesting conversation, so, certainly. Just briefly, sorry. It's it, the, the point isn't about I, I talk about like the subject, the subjective nature of human existence. But part of human existence is also overcoming subjectivity, which is why I don't which is why I don't <clears throat> take a relativist position. Like there's a difference between mm-hmm. the subjective interpretation of the individual, you might say, versus per se, everything is relative. Yeah, I mean, what what I would say, what I would say on that, and we'll, we'll get to Trey and Mike in a second. But what I would say about that is that we are subjective beings. Yeah. Um, but we place objective standards and practices outside of ourselves. Well, and as social, order, sorry, as, as social creatures, we have to create that objective, or not, not even create the objective, but discover it or come to consensus. Which, you know, anyway. So yeah. No, exactly. But that's the thing is, like, even if let's let's just say for for shits and giggles that objectivism as as we could understand it doesn't actually exist let's just say it's a mind it's a mind whistle waddle it's still better to have it and to and to apply it even if it's not real uh because it gives us something to work against uh it gives us something to work towards or work against or 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 be able to judge our subjective experience against something that is that is not us i mean this is the this is the, the the quintessential uh uh, you know, positivism for religion is that look. It's almost like believe- what, what would Jesus do? Like the, the idea of yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's it, why the hierarchy, but the more hierarchy deeper, needs, like Pas- deeper. Pascal's white wager. Right, the hierarchy needs a needs a needs a head that's uh, that's so far beyond us in some ways that we're always judging ourselves against that highest ideal. Um, and I mean, God seems to be the the best best way to do that. Uh, because we've 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 tried doing it with with more materialistic kind of kind of uh, versions of it, and it's failed spectacularly, and and probably killed hundreds of millions of people. So, you know, there's there's that trade off. Um, sorry, uh, Trey or, or Mike, want to chime in? At the time that uh, um, Carlos was talking, I was just I was thinking of two things. Number one, uh, some of my best friends are what we we in this group would call normies, and I think there's a uh, there's a beauty in the innocence of normies because you know even in the system as we see it, there's many problems. But I know many people who are successful and happy, and they don't really care <laughs> to the extent that we do as what's going on because they make life much more personal. Wait, than, did, they, did they did they graduate high school in a in a depression? Was that what? In a, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I just, <laughs> I just feel like that that might be like a cement shoes for them, my man. Like, I think you know. part of my downfall, and I'm not going to say that, you know, tongue, I'm going to say that tongue in cheek when I say downfall is, is you know, ever since be, I became aware and not woke, because there's a difference there between woke and aware of what's going on. I, I paid attention to, you know, uh, discourses like this, and I'm like, okay, so I look at the world from a black pill perspective more than I probably should to be healthy. <laughs> and so like 
that's why I said there's a beauty in the innocence of, uh, of you know, even blue pill people, if you would, if you want to use that vernacular. I, I hate the pills, by the way, so, you know, I'm not going to use it that much. But, uh, you know, I, I look at people who don't really care about what's going on in the world. They just kind of go along to get along. And, you know, not everybody is going to sit there and, and fight every single thing like like I would or some of us in this podcast might. And they're just happy. And so I try to introduce them to this kind of discourse. And they're like, whoa, I, I just don't care. It's just I want to live my life and raise my family. And I think there's a beauty in that. Yeah. But well, I think yeah, I know that. The best advice I would ever give someone is like, don't go down this road. <laughs> like, <if you> can, <laughs> yeah, it's innocent. You can avoid, you can avoid bliss, this, do right? that. Yeah. But I, I find there's also a level of degrees. And it, at least in my personal experience, you know, you have, I guess I would go, I would call it woke, normie, and based. Well, sort of the three options. And the normie category seems to be shrinking, whether it's being, you know, woke or based. Yeah. Left, or that it seems to be, you know, a very small minority. I mean, even. A lot of my friend group who two, three years ago, completely oblivious, didn't care, are now coming up to me and going like, holy shit, man, what the fuck? Uh, <laughs> explain that. I, I know. And that's, and that's the, you know, because I'll, I'll I, you know, I, I'm still on Facebook. I have some minor social media presence. And, uh, you know, I'm, I don't really preach on that way. But um, the, the hints are out there that they know that I'm the guy to come and talk to that who mm. kind of has been into the, you know, looking into this stuff and they'll be like, okay, explain it. Cause oh, this is crazy. You know, whether it's cause their kids finally went to college or, you know, their job is now pushing DEI stuff on them. You know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, the, the classic line is you can, you can avoid politics, but it's not going to avoid you, especially in, uh, something like the current era, you know, I think that's kind of why we'd maybe wish for the nineties. Cause it, you kind of could be not involved and believe that things are being taken care of by responsible people, but it's becoming glaringly obvious now that um, things are not being taken care of by responsible people. There are malevolent actors at every level and uh, you got, you got, we got to start getting involved because this is getting, right, but, but, this is getting but, but actually those, dangerous. But all those, so elements I was... were, all those elements are trying to, I'll, I'll kick it over to you in a second. All those elements were present in 1995. We just weren't unaware of it. it yeah, it was periphery. It, it was like, nah, you know. Now it's like right. So be, like bringing it back to 95 is just is just is just a 25 year old. It's, it's just, I mean, like, it's essentially yeah. what what the, the old boomer cons were like. We need, we want to go back to the 50s. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But eventually, you know, you're going to get back here, right? Like, yeah, we want to yeah, delay. Yeah, it by yeah, two but decades. Uh, yeah, but Dr. Dre is a billionaire now, man. So it, it's about the mindset, man. <laughs> The um, what is it? Isn't it the, so, the the movie Midnight in Paris, with like yeah. it's got Owen Wilson in it? I think it's a Woody yeah, yeah, Allen yeah. movie, which makes me not loath to bring it up, but it is. But it's just. I thought you were going to say of, something else in Paris. Yeah, but, well, they kind of, <laughs> they kind of go. You know, they it's like after midnight, and he goes back in time, and like kind of the, the like theme of the movie yeah. is every single time you go back, everybody sits around the table and laments that everything was better in the past, and. Mm -hmm. I think I think there's a I think there's a fatalism to that kind of uh, thought. That's why I talk in terms of recalibration, and we have to learn from the past in order to make that work. Um, but I, I yeah I I don't for a long time I think that's just because it's because it's so much part of how we're raised is oh well we can just get back to this point because that's a, that's something I remember as being better. I think it's a na I think that's a natural impulse. Yeah, and, nostalgia is is. Mm -hmm. Well, you Remember know, for Barry's. someone who, so, yeah. when you're so when you graduate the... high school, when you graduate high school in a, in a recession, like everything else besides that is, <laughs> is just is cotton candy land. Like, oh, I'm going to keep doing that. Sorry, Trey, go ahead. 
so I, I was thinking about like what LB was saying and, and, and sort of along the line of, of, of what uh, Carlos was saying and, and stuff like that of, as far as the pedigree of the person and, and how their, their personal thing affect. And this is where a lot of, a lot of people are making too much of a distinction. I think like they're, they're saying like, okay, well, you know, they would, they would say because he has a PhD because he's in, in uh, academia that instantly, okay, that's fed. But me, uh, you know, like it, it, that, then I would be a fed, you know, because, and, and this is why, like they were, there were, I was getting an argument with, Wait, uh, aren't you? That's kind of why I had you on this thing. <laughs> I, I, I mean, you know, friends <laughs> close and feds closer. Uh, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean not, you know, I, I graduated college. I'm you know, crazy, I but I'm not stupid. <laughs> uh, see, I have a, a BS in computer science. I, I worked a government job for for a couple of years. So, I mean, technically, if if you if you just look at that sort of like pedigree, you're, you're like, oh, oh fed, fed, fed. <laughs> Always, always, but, always, always kind of the quiet parts out loud, man. But the but the part of it, like you know, kind of like Thomas Sowell, like he he wouldn't have went the track that he went had he not, you know, he, he said he worked a government job, and if, if you look at his history, it was like, well, now you know, he he may not be dissident, he may not have went, he may have still you know ventured into sort of a Fed category of pushing people into normie ideas of, of like, oh well, you know, if you know the the, the political system is kind of just corrupt and everything sucks and you know kind of that's kind of the fed pushing people into the fed area and that, that's what i think james Lindsay does by saying like oh well everything is is just kind of like woke now so let's just make it not woke and and pushes them into sort of the normie of like oh well everything shouldn't be woke but you know we can kind of keep going but as far as their pedigree uh i was warning you know some people like okay well if you if you just look at like if you say like laptop class like a lot of people are using sort of that terminology of like laptop class you you can put me in the laptop class but I don't agree with uh, you know I have these dissident ideas, dissident ideas and I have that perspective so if you just say laptop class and and these these people you know kind of blanket cover everything and say that all of us are you know feds now that, that I graduated college so I'm a fed uh, then you're, you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of people but as far as James Lindsay goes. I think the the sort of perspective that he has saying, oh, and, you know, let's just make everything not woke and pushing people sort of into this sort of normie category. I think that's what makes him more fed than friend as far as going like, OK, well, look into this a little bit more, dig a little deeper and not not just kind of stop here and say, well, no, not woke. Go, go, go do your thing. Well, I and would just don't be I woke. Would... I would say that his that his that his view is very is narrow but deep. Uh, you know, you don't get to Gnosticism um, from all this stuff without going deep, and so I think he's gone very very deep to to a I, again. So I think James as a diagnostic tool is very useful. Um, the something maybe we can pivot into this is, and this is my problem gen, in general with academics. And again, I don't think that academic equals fed um, necessarily. Anyways, I mean Thomas Sowell was was a communist before, uh, communist sympathized before. I mean James Burnham was a Trotskyite. So you know, I mean, where you want to hold someone to whatever fire? Fed. <laughs> Just, yeah, yeah. And, and, and to go back to something that LB brought up, I mean, I don't ever want to be the guy. I I I, get, I guard against this this tendency. Of like learning something on Wednesday and being the guy who tisks you on Friday, like, well, what you didn't, you didn't know that, like, you didn't know that for fucking forever, and you just like, you what, you learned that this week, and now, now you're 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 a genius. Shut up, right? Um, I'm not, I'm talking to myself here, yeah. um, but 
it's uh, so there's always those tendencies. And yeah, I, I, so I don't want to uh, hold James to a standard that I think is uh, that I think is too high or impossible. You know, I, I what I'm trying to do is examine the liberal mindset. So I look at James Lindsay, uh, Jordan Peterson, Steven Pinker, right? Just those three people um, as basically the same entities. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I originally knew about James from the atheist sphere. And I always thought he was very downstream from Chris Hitchens and even Sam Harris. And this is back when I was a die in the wool atheist, anti-theist, you know, card punching, all the whole thing. Um, yeah, so all you do, I, so you, do, you are sympathetic to the journey having taken it, right? Oh yeah, no, hundred percent. And like, like again, like whatever we say on the show, it's apt to change, right? Like, I'm not, I'm not saying this is, you know, if if James tomorrow comes out and uh, and addresses some of the things he said in the past, especially about liberalism, and says, look, we need to adopt a new a, a new path. If he, I, I after listening to that uh, Jay Dyer interview, uh, sort of uh, talk with it with Jay Dyer. I made the statement, uh, I think, on the Kingpill Discord. I'm like, I give James about me six months be- six months before he before he adopts orthodoxy. That's my instinct. That's what uh, I, I might be I might be very wrong on that, but I but my instinct says that because it's like once you start getting into that conversation, you're just like one Jesus prayer away. That was that's how it worked for me. Well, that's um, what that's why my argument is that I think he's already there. Just not Maybe. consciously. So, do you have the tweets, the, those those tweets in particular, where he talks about he's going to put more of his focus to the right because these I guys are don't have the exact tweet. Uh, I tried finding it, but things are a little bit difficult now with the, yeah, with, with him being. Um, I did listen to so so. Well, well so the one we, so on that sorry, then, if you, if you don't have it to pull up, then what I'll say what I'll say on that is as a topic of discussion is well, maybe he started to. <laughs> And he was starting to, and then he started to see a lot of this. Well, I, I mean to say, if where he got, if he got now where he's at the spiritual warfare, he could have potentially gotten to the point, you know, where it's like, oh, these guys aren't the, the the people who are talking right now aren't the boogeyman that I thought they were. Uh, I mean that's a big leap. Um, so what he was doing, I I just listened to, I signed up to Academic Agents because uh, he. Uh, academic agent had a long stream uh back in february i remember listening to it when it when it first came out uh called uh it's the cigar stream 120 the intellectual poverty of james Lindsay," uh and that started that was in response to james doing a few things one was that tweet um where he basically came out and said i'm kind of done with the woke i've done everything i can with the woke sphere i'm going to move on to uh talking about basically the nrx group um and then he had blocked. Then he proceeded to block pretty much everyone. Uh, our McIntyre, uh, AA, a whole bunch of other people. Uh, and then it kind of boiled to a head where he had um, blocked Oren, unblocked him to screenshot a, a tweet or something like that from Oren, and then reblocked him. And then that's kind of what spurred um, that conversation. So, anyways, if if anyone's interested in that, uh, a lot of my notes. For the Fed side of it, come from that conversation. conversation. Um, um, so, so it's a good one. A good good one, one to check. Good out. one to check out. Hey, uh, hey, uh, if you don't mind me asking, Jason, like, I mean, uh, for for everybody, what was y'all's take when uh, uh, Lindsay had that uh, class with Thad Russell, and then when Thad Russell got in trouble with uh, kind of that groomer kind of style stuff, you know, uh, then uh, James Lindsay canceled his class and kind of like, well, what was y'all's take on all of that stuff? 
I didn't. I didn't even see that. <laughs> yeah, because I would. I would put Thaddeus you're, Russell you're, in a very. You're a yeah, like, very... maybe like uh, four, four or five months ago. I don't know if you guys remember when Thad Russell got in trouble for some of those. Uh, he had interviewed that guy that uh, kind of was talking about how, like, you know, depending on how you look at things, uh, child, like uh, children, not children, but I guess like, like, you know, 13, 14, 15 or whatever year olds. He's being very uh, relativist. Yeah, I, I remember that conversation. I don't remember the podcast that he did with that guy, but I remember Bob Murphy came out with a, a whole thing against uh, Thaddeus. Oh, okay, Russell okay. Well, and if you guys don't know about it, but that, that's that's how like so so James Lindsay came off to me right there as like strategic because uh, he knows that that Russell's not a groomer. That Russell just kind of like is having conversations about these type of subjects in a way that uh, oh. are meant to like uh, be provocative. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, now I know. But, now but, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But, but, but when I say strategic, it means that, uh, you know, he he just didn't want to do a show with that Russell that week. I'm sure he'll do a show with him in the future. So what I'm saying is like, um, like I you know I was just trying to get y'all sick. But if you guys don't know, but but my thing was that he was very strategic. So that means he's very self-aware of his uh, of where he's at in his and what he's trying to do which I like, you know, I like for you to know, you know, if, if you have an agenda or if you're trying to like uh, spread knowledge, if you're trying to go, you know, like uh, Jason, you said about uh, having a narrow um, focus, but a deep, uh, yeah, like to me, like the word wokeism is just like a, a, a hyper, a hyper uh, uh, word that narrows you down to like, you're just making, you're just telling somebody, somebody's a lefty. Like, you, you, you know, so, so, so like, yeah. Um, so I, you know, I was just trying to get y'all's take on that. But if you guys don't know, then you know, you know, whatever I just I, said I, right I, now is bullshit. I, when when I, I finally remember what you said, because I remember I remember there being a a hoopla about Thad talking about age consent, uh, something. Um, I didn't really pay much attention to it because I whatever. Um, I, you know, I, I I'm actually subscribing to Thad's Patreon right now because I want to listen to him his conversation with with, with Curtis Yarbin. I'm here or there with Thad. Um, you know, uh, what was what's the thing is like I, I was one discussion I was having is like you know, um, I wouldn't leave my kids with him, <laughs> not because I think he would abuse them, <laughs> but because I don't think he would take care of them. Like he's just kind of he, he just hits me a little creepy. Like it's just I don't know. It's a, it's a personal thing. Um, but, so uh, uh, if if we want to continue sort of down the the Fed discussion of of, of James Lindsay, I, I just sent a tweet to the group. Uh, there's definitely one, somebody screen grabs something where he's like, oh yeah, you know, like, um, you know, the antisemitism or whatever, you're, you're not helping me, which, which I mean, to some degree, I do think that they, when people go after that, there, there is some, like they can be an ally because they, they do realize that this isn't going to mainstream your ideas. Like if, if you, if you have sort of like that sort of mindset, uh, like if you, if you, if people, people saying things that, that could be, you know, deemed by the uh you know academia or, or the mainstream saying like hey like if these are the ideas are not like not in vogue like these are not in the three by, by five index card of allowable opinion um but you know as far as just going after it blanket i do think that it's more on the fed side of, of just kind of like saying like oh well you know like all of this is 
is uh you know anti-semitism and all this stuff like when they when they go after it so harshly of like oh well stop this focus on you know woke and stuff like that it does kind of lead into the fed sort of category with that kind of stuff like trying to dissuade people from having ideas that about things that they may sort of sort of know some truth and and that's what a lot of people don't they discount a fact of like there are some things that that have some truth and some validity and if you can't say that then there there's a lot of problems with society in general yeah well i'll push back lightly there just because i don't know the context of that tweet and i don't were they actually being anti-semitic because i mean as someone who um, or define anti i like to consider myself very uh very based on the jq but i'm also married to an israeli and i've had to defend um, against actual anti-Semitism uh, a lot from the right. So there's there's a, there's a time and a place. So I, I'd have to have context to know whether he's being correct on that or not, because I know that well, there, I, it does I, exist. I do think that he kind of blanket goes after, you know, like, you know, he's kind of like the, the Ben Shapiro kind of type of, of, of the way that he describes it, like the, mm-hmm. as a blanket. So yeah, for, if from what I go seen, Ben Shapiro, if he's going Ben Shapiro's uh, level, then that, uh, <laughs> well here's a so here's a here's a consideration i just thought about this today or just a little bit before we went on uh how are we taking bets to see if james Lindsay's gonna be gonna be the new hire on daily wire i figured like by next week i'm not i'm not joking yeah no it's, think, it's uh you know, no he's gonna get on the blaze well if he's off on twitter he's got to go get his voice out somewhere right mm-hmm. <laughs> who's the one paying him the most money yeah i don't know i, I think it's i think for me the, an interesting question is is how much of what he's doing is, um, you know, a performative pandering to a targeted audience? Like, is he specifically um, well, we... tailoring his his message to the Christian, you know, right wing audience, or is he being hundred percent authentic? And and uh, there, I'm open to. So I would. Things. So if people haven't checked it out, I would recommend uh, Pete Quinones' recent episode with Owen Benjamin. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think it because it, it relates to the tweet that was just brought up. I where I would where I honestly fall is that for the vast majority of Perfect. people, it's actually it it it, it 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 yeah woke is the problem. So I think if I think the more because and I would put it in the frame of because I think that's the overstep in a certain respect, right? It's become so apparent the the negative aspects of it have become so apparent, so prevalent. It's and that's also becoming so pervasive. Right. This I think it's I think it's a manifested reverse engineered religion. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I think when the more you focus on that, the more you can reach a critical mass of people. There's a lot of extra work that goes into the really, really delicate subject of of, uh, you know, of the quote unquote JQ. Right. Mm -hmm. It's you know, it it, it, it's a non-starter for so many people. And I and so it so. So I, I I actually kind of understand the sentiment of that. So the question is, and so then maybe we could we could talk about pandering, or we could talk about what do you want a million people to focus on? Do you want them to focus on like a really really complex topic that's going to get them, you know, banned instantly? Immediate, well, not even banned instantly, but kicked out, but like kicked out of polite society. Um, or or be, not just that. I think there's also it's 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 not it, it is an actually dangerous topic because it is so tenuous right and i think most people don't have the nuance to even tackle it correct it can end up in really bad places because 
Really I don't think most go, people oh, have it's the all nuance. This one thing. I, I, it's become apparent that most people don't have the nuance to cover to, co- uh, to talk about any kind of controversial, any uh, controversial ideological <laughs> yeah. subject, yeah. right? And so then, so that's where I, you know, I've talked about this idea before, but that's why I try to look at I try to look at a way of communicating that harmonizes across levels. So it's about and and I think when and and sufficiently developed systems, I think Christianity is a great example of this allows for it kind of requires that right so you can have and i've put this in terms of you know jesus loves me and but then you can also have a really really deep spiritual understanding that's informed by by scripture or by and by the church fathers and by the great writers of history and so on and so forth both of those things are actually the same thing Mm -hmm. and i think for certain and i so so the question becomes how do you have that conversation at this level but then also the lower level and how do you harmonize between that? And I think that's well, where that's where people get lost. And I think and and you know, get lost. And you're talking about a personality type that's like, oh, if I can't talk about it, that means you're that means you're evil. It's it, it, there's nuance. Yeah, but I mean, also that. LB, the thing is, I think what's what's remarkable about about this community mm-hmm. uh, in general is that we are all in some ways coming from. I don't know about blue collar, but we're we're closer to let's say all of us are closer to much much more closer to the blue collar world than we are to the academic world. No matter what, what no matter what degrees or what uh, or what education we've had or, or didn't have, I dropped out of college, you know, like things like that. But we all of us uh, are closer to that to those people than the James Lindsays of the world. Even though we can listen to James Lindsay. Uh, or Jay Dyer, or all these people, and extract information from them. This is what I was saying on on the Courtney podcast: is that um, I see our role, or uh, as our role is developing, it's almost as a translator, right? It's like we're taking that information and trying to reformat it into a way that can be can be understood and digested and actionable to people on the ground who are being affected by this and not knowing. But isn't that what he's done with on. the new discourses glossary? I don't think so because I mean I think is no one, no one outside of this group really. I mean I'm I'm talking like if right. I brought that to to the, the the guy my supervisor at work who who also uh, you know I've talked about him in, in great terms. It's like you know he's, he's a, he raises sheep. He you know he's he's a, he's a farmer all that stuff. If I brought him that he'd be like, what, what the fuck is this? No, that's yeah, that's that's really interesting. So even so too even academic. Gloss, okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's it's, it's because, too academic for for people to digest. Because I've sent uh, there's a one episode. He's out, on me. Discourses. Wait, is you out? Thanks, Carlos. Thanks He's for coming out. out. Thanks, Carlos. There's an episode on new discourses that came out in December called Groomer Schools Three, which is yeah. of 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 the new discourses. One of the more concise, like where he actually kind of you know sums up something in one hour. And I've sent that to many people and even when i do i'm kind of like i i can i can listen to it you know and, I, and i'm interested enough in the topic to sit through it i don't think most people are but i think it's invaluable because what it's done is it's given me the ability to shrink that into a a minute and a half elevator pitch that i can right but that you I do that work though disseminate. you're you're making the your thing is yeah. you're disseminating and making that elevator pitch yeah. well i even sent it to sorry i sent it to uh, adam curry actually last week and he did a little piece on it on No Agenda, which if you want to talk about reach, you know, this is a podcast that's listened to by over a million people every episode. And uh, he condensed it down into one sentence. which <laughs> I was like, oh, that's remarkable. He said, mm-hmm. you know, this whole uh, gender pronoun thing is just the ever moving target for the endless communist revolution. Like, oh, yeah. 
Damn. Yeah, that and that's concise. sort of a like like being able to concise things down is really important. Like whenever like and that's that's why like if if you can't and I think that's what more of what we need to have is be able to kind of put it down to simple terms like or you know a few a few words like put put thing in a in a sentence or a phrase and that's why five like the, hours the, five hours <laughs> like the um like the tweet that i did the other day and i was replied to uh popularity he, he's, he's great uh so he was talking about you know like privatized statecraft and like uh, the idea like well privatized accountable statecraft like the the privatized state being being accountable you know to, to to the people that that it serves is the best way and and that's sort of you know you can you can put that in whatever category and this this is something in, in one of the substack pieces that i wrote about you know like things that the right can do or whatever the the idea that you can it doesn't have to be a specific like uh governmental structure or specific thing but having that that privatized uh sort of model is going to allow for for a, a variety of, of perspectives and governments uh, to, to be able to be done at a local more local level and, and get away from sort of the the bureaucracy and everything in that way but prescribing a prescri particular strategy is is not not exactly the way to go to say oh well just make everything not woke uh, it, it doesn't necessarily matter. You, you don't need to prescribe a particular strategy. What you need to do is, is be able to uh, dissect everything and try to figure out, okay, well, what, you know, vectors of attack. Cause this, this is sort of a war, like this is a, a war. And if you can't find the perfect vector of attack of being able to uh, get, find a wedge to be able to get in there and fix the actual issue, the root causes of the issues, you're, you're, you're not going to be able to have actual, legitimate solutions yeah are, are you all familiar with uh, dr stephen hicks mm -hmm. okay mm -hmm. so I, I i met him uh i think it was 2019 it was it was before covid for sure uh, he came to to uh, naperville we were at the bestie society which is actually a cool organization they don't meet anymore but uh, so he introduced the concept to me of postmodernism, and, and and he was talking about critical race theory back then in 2019 but I'm just looking at his Twitter profile and he's got, you know, 7,000 followers or something, but uh, he's not like often in any of the podcasts I listen to. So what I'm thinking is, I mean, he's kind of a guy behind the scenes doing a good job in academics, but he's not one of these personalities that's on all over Twitter or all over YouTube or some of these people, you know, like, like uh, Peterson or, or Lindsay or any of that, you know, who want to get out into the, into the open. Is there a strategy to say, okay, well, I'm going to kind of be behind the scenes, but I'm going to teach the same thing, you know, a small classroom at a time. I mean, that to me, that yeah. seems like it's helping even more than getting out in the, in the limelight. Look, I, I, look, I think, I think the fact that, you know, and this is the positive argument for even uh, Jordan Peterson, you know, pre coma, uh, is that these guys are taking risks, right? Like James Lindsay, Helen Pluckrose, Peter Bogosian, uh, Jordan Peterson, all those, uh, even, even, um, um, Brett Weinstein, right? Like, they didn't have to speak out. Mm -hmm. It would have been safer mm -hmm. for them just to put their head in the sand and go along with it. But there was a moment where they're like, "Yeah, no, too far, right?" And, and they could ten x their money. Like they, they would they would have uh, they would be state sponsored. Like imagine a state sponsored like James Lindsay and and uh, Jordan Peterson. Oh, you and have, all... Yeah, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have happened. They would just they would just kept know. their they would just kept their tenureship and like J Peterson would never have risen <clears> beyond <throat> like his TBO spots. That's and that's fine, right? That's fair. Well, the guy uh, also consulted for the. It's not like he was. It's not like he was hurting, right? Guy went to Harvard, 
published a major book, you know, served on UN councils. Like he, he had the access. And again, he had the pedigree, which I think is, you know, which is, which is a part of this conversation. Um, like I said, I'm not exactly sure where it fits in yet, but no legitimacy but, is, a, is, yeah. a, is a major thing. Yeah. But right. it is, or, it's, it's, go ahead. Ahead. Well, I was going to say perceived legitimacy at the very least is, is important. Yeah. Well, so, what so I was going to ask Jason, I'm sorry. It, it, you know, so you, you mentioned taking a risk, you know, so I'm, I'm assuming that what you mean is getting into the public spotlights. Is that the risk you're talking to or is it because there's a point of, OK, taking a risk. This needs to be said. This needs to be taught and just doing it for self-interest reasons. I want to make, you know, I want to make money with my own opinion or, you know, I'm doing the right thing. So look, what, I what think, do you draw the I line think, there? I think when you know, James Lindsay first became to prominence with Helen Pluckrose and Peter Bergosian when they did the. Um, the, the, the spoofs like they they put all these fake papers in for publication um uh in work in woke journals and then and pretty much all of them got published like you know uh, homosexual yeah. dogs and and that kind of stuff and basically ridiculed this whole entire system showed it for what it was and ri ridiculed it uh here's the here's the the fed counterpart to it all is it, it changed nothing like all those publications are still around to my knowledge uh you know, universities haven't changed anything. In fact, they've probably doubled down uh, and intensified. The same thing with, with Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson called out a lot of things, and it didn't change. It, if it changed anything, it changed it for "quote unquote" the worse, because because what's what is not being offered here is a solution, is an alternative desire, is a competing desire. What is being it's it's like it's, it's like a diagnostic tool right okay let, let me come in here this is my where i agree and and i think and I'm, I'm not i'm not arguing with you jason i'm gonna try and maybe add another element to it because i i have a vision i can see it i'm gonna do my best to explain fight it fight me bitch because there's two elements here the first is like i, I have the picture in my mind okay spiritual battle there's an army on one side and there's a guy or maybe two or three standing up seeing that army coming to attack and screaming, there's an army coming, there's an army coming. That's a very useful job. But then you need, the, there also has to be an army on the other side. And I see that the, that army on the other side needs to be um, the church, the community. And it can be um, multi-layered, like what, what JB was talking about, how you can have the very, you know, the deep philosophical intellectual, and then you can have the really simple level, which is like the Ten Commandments. But that there, there, there has to be. There's there's different segments that have different purposes, and so when you have the, the your diagnostic people, your Lindsays, your Petersons, pointing in the direction of the enemy, saying, "Look over, look what's coming, look what's going on." You also need to have, and this is where I think we're severely lacking, is strong um, uh, community and religious leaders <coughs> offering the not just the solution but something to galvanize people on the other side to build the strength to combat the forces that are coming against us and so well, I in, you know in a war like in a, in a war though you, you think about this you have like generals commanders and like the, the you know the, the, the front line yeah like the, the general soldiers mm -hmm. like uh like so we do need some of those and, and you know sort of I think Aron is, is a is a great you know resources sort of being the the fort of like sort of general esque figure or whatever they're Peter you know. Gude, Buck Johnson, yep. 
Yeah, all, all those guys are sort of like the, the generals, and you do need sort of people on the ground that are kind of just doing, uh, you know, kind of living the humble meta and doing like this kind of stuff, or, or, or like being part of part of this the crew. But you you obviously yeah. don't want to be. Well, out I don't even the, see like a, a Marjorie Taylor Greene, you know, <laughs> like as yeah, sort of left field as that is. That that's someone who's like I'm not going to get mad at the scout for being a scout, or I'm, I'm not going to get mad at the agreed. scout for not being a general, right? Like. That's their, no, that, they're good at that thing. And I'm not going to hold it against them that they're not fulfilling the other necessary part just, of the just to be Just to be clear, I mean, maybe I wasn't clear before, I'm not holding against James for being a diagnostic tool um, and not offering solutions. I don't think just because he has no solutions for this that it's that weighs against him. My issue, and we'll, and we'll uh, I'm going to go for a smoke. <laughs> I'll let you talk, talk amongst yourselves. And then, we'll oh, have, then when I get. No, no, you want to get well, you well, I'll go after you, AJ. I'll go the after host you. leaves yeah. to let us talk. Fucking well, hey, fine. I can, this is the two bit podcast. I, I can carry it, it's fine. This is this is here. You go. Uh, LB brought his uh, brought his butter voice today, so it's fine. Um, but uh, but uh, we'll when I, we'll segue into this and we'll go, get into his um, Helen Proclose and, and James A. Lindsay, fucking gay, um, who wrote a book <laughs> called Cynical Theory, and we're going to read an excerpt of this. And this is going to, I think, segue into my more, more my Fed argument, um, because underlying this thing is it's the same problem I had with Jordan Peterson. I mean, uh, I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even do a Peter, uh, a, uh, a Pinker episode because he's so fucking Fed. It's just like, come on, man. Yeah, Pinker's man useless. Glows. I mean, that's like this. Man, it would be the equivalent. You could of see doing him from outer space. Owen. That's how he glows. That would be the um, equivalent of doing an Owen Benjamin. Um, episode where it's no, completely exactly. unnecessarily like there's no con there's no there's not even a, a topic there about yeah him but, not being a friend but so it is said, it kind of is steven pinkard owen benjamin isn't it hmm. mm -hmm. yeah pretty much actually yeah <laughs> we, we, we just Render established fed. the spectrum guys yeah <laughs> we're all, we're all on benjamin. mark i want to i want to address i want to address something that you said i was thinking uh Take you know up. what is what is history remember about paul revere uh, 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 the, I know the nothing whole, about Paul Revere. Thing. I got well, you know, he wrote Freaking and said the Canadians. British are coming, right? The British are coming. So okay. was, was he in a battle with George Washington? I mean, I don't really know. I'm just saying. He so, was a silversmith. I remember so, that about him. So, but I mean, but history um, recalls that he he said there's a problem coming, right? You know, he he wasn't recognized as behind the scenes with George Washington in any major battle. So I remember, but he he was but out he's there. Still remembered, right? He's remembered yeah. because he said, "Hey, there's a problem. There's a war coming." Yeah. And so, like Lindsay and Peterson and, and and all these people who are saying there's a war coming, they may not have the diagnostic to you know address that. They might not have the tools to address it. But he's he's out there just like we are on podcasts, you know, saying, "Hey, there's a problem. Get out yeah. there and pay attention." Yeah. No, and that's that's exactly and, and and i'd even take it further and you know reiterate what i said before in that he has provided at least myself some tools i mean i, mm -hmm. I think his i think his podcast is a, is an invaluable resource for me personally in that it has helped me coalesce you know into into a translatable terms what is going on and yeah. i've been able to spread that message and you know maybe um, it's it's it it's it goes back to the don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good thing. Yeah. I mean, maybe we're just at step one, but that doesn't mean step one's not worth taking. Well, I think too, it's you know, I like to talk in in terms of the symphony rather than just a single instrument. And for and in general, and I think for the and at least for the calculation I'm making for episodes like this and for like we were talking about those general distinctions, 
that we kind of just make, oh, this creator's a friend, this creator's a fed, just because it's kind of like, because I don't really follow them, but, you know, they seem to be doing some good work here and there is, you t I think, I do think the good, the good with a weight towards progression and evolution you can see in his own rhetoric and, and thinking, I think the good outweighs the, the good outweighs the negative elements, but some of those el negative elements are admittedly, um, glaring specifically the, the, I think the atheist element is the interesting part to break down, which I know we're going to get into. So I won't do too much Let's of it, get now. Into it now. Let's yeah. Get into it now. Yeah. I'm going to go for a quick smoke, but you guys get, get started. Yeah. I mean, let's get into it now because I mean, Mike, you brought up the, 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 the Twitter conversation I was having earlier. Uh, again, the distinction was between can an atheist be right wing, which I think is defi defin definitively yes. Uh, we shouldn't exclude people from the right wing or whatever um, based on on religious grounds. However, in the context of this conversation, um, can, a, can an atheist be a friend? Now, that's a different kind of conversation, right? I, I would make a distinction between, you know, we have a friend-fed or friend-enemy friend distinction. Um, I would also make a friend-ally distinction. Uh, because a friend would be like one of us and an ally would be more like a, a temporary uh, relationship <laughs> sure. that way, right? I'm not, kind I'm of not like the purgatory. The... <laughs> it's like well, the... Well, <laughs> the, enemy well, is, the... An ally doesn't mean that our ends are exactly the same, but we're on the same, but we're, pat, we're traveling the same path. And right, I, think I, mean, that's, but, I think that's apt. But also the enemy of my enemy you know, also hopes that I'm stupid enough to, think, to, to regard him as a friend. So we have to be careful with that too, right? I mean, this is kind of the crux of the show is that, you know, some people can be saying friendly things. And I mean, again, I, 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 I do not besmirch Lindsay for his work. He's done an incredible amount of work, much more than I have, at going through these, these, these thinkers. I mean, one of the things that I <coughs> brought up with Courtney um, about that uh, Lindsay Dyer show was how it strained my intellectual abilities uh, it put them at my edges and it also exposed to me how i had been surfing on a very surface level understanding of guys like hegel and rousseau i mean i read i remember reading rousseau like a penguin copy of rousseau back when i was a precocious teenager like you know like my my understanding of this stuff you know, I would default saying, "Oh yeah, I know Rousseau." You know, in more in more flipping kind of way, I'm like, "No, you don't." <laughs> like, no, you you know nothing. Everything's um, Rousseau's fault, by the way. Yeah, well, I mean, well, well that's what Stephen Hicks says. Yeah, uh, Rousseau to can't. I mean, that's his. Uh, know, yeah, it, it depends what kind of punching bag you're 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 you're, you're going through. I would see now my my position, um, and this is why, although I'm not NRX. I'm certainly probably the the NRX representative here. Uh, I try to get someone else who's much more in that camp on um, for this one bit, but you know we'll do that in future stuff. But um, but as a representative of that camp, uh, I look at liberalism in, in its entirety as the issue um, that you can't separate these things, and that's kind of where I see Lindsay's major fault is. And until I hear him majorly renounce any or, or change tune dramatically on those things i still say he's he's kept in the, that liberal frame where 
he's trying to make a distinction between between critical theory and liberalism as as if these two things are separate like that critical theory is a as a, as a derivation away from liberalism it might have its roots in liberalism but it also has its roots in gnosticism and because of that it's a, it's a different animal altogether my percep- perception is that even early gnosticism is even, even before we had a classical liberalism to to define terms it was present in gnosticism it was present all the way back at, at the start of at the start of history there is that that desire for uh, unearned knowledge that uh, you know or a perfect pill or a, a you know the the whole like um, uh, Einstein you know a perfect theory for everything right like to encapsulate the entire universe into one theory uh, is at the seat of this problem and it one it, it's 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 the thing that 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 takes away mystery and and brings us down into this sort of base materialism. I was just thinking about this the other day, right? Uh, t- today, actually. Because um, I was... My, 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 my daughter loves the moon. She's, you know, it was one of her first early words. She just loves the moon. She likes looking at the moon. She, she points it out in pictures. She's a big moon person, right? Um, and I caught myself today... She, you know, we show a picture of the moon, and I, I caught myself explaining what the moon is to her. And I had to stop that because, like, I would rather her have a symbolic relationship to the moon for as long as possible before we get into the nitty gritty science. Science, like, it's a, it's an orb, it's a satellite that orbits the Earth. That doesn't mean anything to her, right? It's and it shouldn't mean anything to her because I think we've lost something. Uh, and to me, this is because I'm reading a lot of Evola, but but we, I think we've lost something in that in that in that transition from traditionalism, pure traditionalism, into modernism. Because we, yeah, we, we look at the moon we, and we know it as a satellite that's orbiting the Earth, but we lose the splendor of it. We, lo- we lose the symbolic nature of it. And I think that's where things like secularism or atheism it basically is, is, is like, it's, it's disarming people in a spiritual war. Like you need that mysticism. You need that sort of poetry of the soul the in order to, yeah, wonder oh. to, to, to even approach. That's our weapon. Like that's it. Well, uh, here's a, here's and, a question, Jason. Because, so, I guess you and I probably agree that we are fighting a spiritual war, right? But what do most people think? Are we fighting a cultural war, a political war, or, or a spiritual war? And what level do people understand that terminology? Well, all of the above. We can all agree on this podcast. But I mean, what is what does uh, Lindsay think? Does he think he's fighting a spiritual war? Does he think, think he's fighting? I, I think he is now. I think he's finally dawning onto that now. Now, I'm, well, he again, actually, uh, he, uh, I think that I saw uh, on his true social, he just posted something about he was having a, a discussion uh, since since he since he's kicked off Twitter, he, he's on Truth, so uh, I follow him there. Just to, I was trying to see, but he did uh, a talk uh, talking about like theology of Marxism, the the, the fate of leftism, like the, the actual like. If I can link the truth here. So he, he's using spiritual terminology right now. Yeah. And if yeah, and if we're well, fighting, and I agree with you, Jason, if we're fighting a spiritual war, then I don't want a non-believer on my side. I mean, if he's if he's doing if uh, maybe that's not the right way to say it. I mean, if he's going to be doing good, bringing people to the truth, you know, in my perspective, to Christ, then yeah, he'll be a friend. He'll be an ally. If he's just making people aware of the things that you know. Anybody can point out the devil, right? But that doesn't mean that you're waging Don't. a spiritual war. 
don't fuck with spirits unless you're willing to go to war like that's that's my my thing is that i i'm i'm worried that if you're trying to fight a spiritual war through secularism not only is that a losing proposition but you're really going to get a lot of people hurt because what you're dealing with is metaphysical you're dealing with something that and and again demons are real <laughs> just get used to it uh these things are real even if we even if i were to speak secular ease for a second and say these are manifestations uh, psychological manifestations of 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 our preconditioned uh, you know that th this is some sort of like evolutionary trait that we that human beings have have uh, have glommed onto and is still part of our substrata of of understanding reality okay well it's that okay so whether or not demons are real or they are they real in our our heads they're real same thing Right. right. If it's, you can you can put psychological analysis and language to it or you can use spiritual language. It's the same damn thing. So what we're we're, we're battling with, regardless of terms, is something that is beyond the material substrata of, of our of our understanding. This is where liberalism fails. This is where I'm saying that we need to move beyond this. The post liberal moment is that right, mm -hmm. which, which it's a recognition that there are things that are real that we've been told aren't real but are really real <laughs> and they have a dramatic effect yeah. no but, but yeah you go no but to your point right when you go through the standard cadre of uh classes that you're supposed to take to become an enlightened member of society through the university system it is entirely and, and even when you study metaphysics you're taught metaphysics within the within the confines of well we don't really believe this anymore that's told that's told to you multiple multiple times by professors as you move through college right it certainly was certainly was mentioned towards me to mention to me at different points in time or like and so and there's this um and there's and you're correct when when you point out that there's a conceit in that what i, I when i but when i examine again when i but when i look at a, a figure like james lindsay and i see that trajectory i see that trajectory is moving closer towards my gravitational center than the opposition's gravitational center. And um, and I think there's a lot of people that, you know, like like our friend Carlos, who was in the chat before, who is gonna sit and listen to the, you know, this the whole quote unquote demon question and then say, yeah, but and I think there's always gonna be that tendency because I I think there I think for some people, kind of to the point, Mike, that you were drawing up of having normie friends, and that's and that's very much the person I try to target with my show is that person who is you know reasonably intelligent but not super interested in going into detail but they hate the libs yeah and, and that, uh, this that's, is that's where the that's the person that's the person who's ripe for 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 uh who's ripe for influence and conversion and and it's about and for me it's about telling them what's next so and and they, to they the all... extent that i can use Lindsay's work to build off of I find it. I, I find that to be a benefit, but that's an. But that's where it gets to your distinction between ally and friend. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, yeah. Uh, obviously, LB, you're 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 trying to get all the graduates in a recession to come together as a group, and and speak to them. It's like we we we, we know each other. We, we've, there, we've there's a this, saying called. We've had the to... same suffering. Yeah. 
I'm going to start taking millennials. Count, keeping count of Jason's uh, recession dig. <laughs> There's a saying called bring in the I, church first, baptize them later. We got six yeah. now. I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel right now. I'm, I'm straining, but I'm going to keep get the 20. Keep going. He's, he's trying to get to 20. 20 of them. But uh, what, what I, I would still say... Have, I yeah. still have that picture of you of LB on, on my computer somewhere. If it, if it comes down to it, I'll just pull it up. <laughs> Your opinions are null and void. Look at that. I just wanted to say something real quick here. What LB was talking about with, you know, trying to make a connection between the normie and, and I don't know, who, what do we classify ourselves as? You know, I don't want to say intellectuals because that's not correct. But, you know, I was saying there's, there's a saying called bring in the church first, baptize them later, right? Not everyone's going to be into the spiritual side of the battle that we're facing right now. So people are going to be like, okay, I got to be aware of something, you know, let's bring them to the spotlight, say, this is something that's going on. And then what LB, I think what you're saying is, you know, you want to be able to introduce them to people like Lindsay or Peterson or people who now can be like, okay, I know there's a problem with the libs. There's a problem with the leftists. There's a problem with these, uh, you know, <laughs> these trans, this trans movement, whatever you want to call it. People are uh, identified as the problem. So we bring in the church by saying, here, here's the problem. Now, slowly kind of drip on them the gospel, mm -hmm. if you were. I'm not talking the mm -hmm. spiritual uh, sense, like, you know, make them Orthodox or, or, or Christian. But let's let's address the problem by dripping on them. So you bring them to church first, you baptize them later. And that's kind of what I'm seeing this. I would define so, the movement essentially as an Orthodox movement. And I'm not talking the religious in so much, I mean, yes, that too. But an orthodoxy of a, of a of a structure of of the ideas that we want to represent, right? Like well, it's a move to move away from the heterodoxy, right? So we've had enough of that heterodoxy uh, counter 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 movement, and now I think it's back. It's time to get back to reality. Um, you know, I once I, I've I've written many times that the ritual and reality are one. What that what we what, that what we practice, what we ritualize. Uh, confirms and creates a reality. It's it's sort of a uh, it's a it's a paradox, right? Is that the reality creates the ritual, and the ritual re reinforces the reality, and those two things kind of feed back into each other. Um, and the closer we are to actual reality, because there is an objective reality out there that we're all existing within, uh, our subjective experience can can lead us to different conclusions. But yet, the the substrata of reality exists. For the, for the for the course of our lives and has existed for forever um so the the ideal is to get as close to that reality as possible um and then see what see what rings true what 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 maintains itself is true and align yourself that way um and whether that's through religion or whether it's i mean i think religion is the the easiest course for us because we don't have to reinvent the wheel we don't have to come up with a new philosophy the one it's it's right there Again, you know, one of the things that when I stopped being an atheist and started reading the Bible earnestly, um, again, one of the things that struck me is like it's all here. Like they've been warning us of this stuff for thousands of years. It's not, you know, and we the Tower of Babel. We can do the, the more obvious ones, but there's tons of other stuff in there, which is much more on the slide, saying like, look, just know your role. Like just stop, know your role. Stop, stop trying to. Mark, we've talked about this how many times? Like. It, it's, a, it's a fallen world. It's not your job to fix it. Just learn how to accept it and and be in this world, not of it. Yeah, and, and, and strike that balance, right? And I think we can, it's like the keep it simple, stupid. Like we can just start with the Ten Commandments. And there definitely is work to be done on. And I, I completely share your sentiment. Like I really, there really 
I've, I've boiled it down to there are two perspectives, the people that are trying to create heaven on earth and the people that realize that heaven and earth are two separate things and see them for what they are. Hmm. And so even, even being in the camp that realizes that heaven and earth are separate, I do think we do have some responsibility in the biblical sense as stewards of the earth to not let it be destroyed. And so we, we should be building something to have the prescription, the correct prescription to save society. Well, um, and, but, and that's why, like, the, the 90s, like, sort of right w- was wrong in, in what they were trying to do is just, like, say, scream, like, hey, the, the world is ending, you know, like, everything is, is, is like, their their idea of, like, oh, everything is, is uh, you know, corrupted, the world is just ending now, and it didn't end, so then they, yeah, they were no, sitting crazy. there, like, <laughs> yeah, like, they're predicting the, the, in, the fall of the world immediately, and to, to say that, is to to sort of act as God on on Earth, or, or in a way of like you're saying, yeah. like, hey, the world is going to end. Like this is this is how it's how it's going to play out. And, and there there some of the predictions were right as far as like the the events that would unfold, but like the the idea that they were just like, oh yeah, you know, like God's going to come on uh, in 2012 or, or whatever, like when the Mayan calendar ends. Like they, they don't know. Well, like they're they're just making no, no, but crazy. There there is um I saw it yesterday. Um, a, a video Jordan Peterson put out called "Prepare for the Flood." Um, <laughs> I think it's on his personal channel. It's twenty minutes long, and he is crazy because he addressed that perfectly, and it made. It, I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> First time in a while, I mean, like I actually was like, "Holy shit!" You know, from a Jordan Peterson. But um, he says that he has in his unique way of interpreting uh, scripture. He talks about that sort of what the end times means, and that it's a it's a personal thing. Your your life is always about to end your world is always about to end and you need to prepare for that. And I think, yeah, the nineties Christians completely had it wrong. And I, I grew up in a church that went there. I was traumatized and terrified as a child because they were like, this is literal and they're going to chop your head off. And then, you know, like uh, not, not wasn't useful. It wasn't productive and it's turned a lot of people off. And um, well, and somebody like Lindsay growing up in the South, which I believe is where he grew up, would have been exposed to Christian sex like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think and, and I, it's again, you know, I, I, I've, I started with a Fed. I'm trying or friend uh, categorization. I'm just trying to push that envelope. The the in that in in the tweet exchange, I remember one particular exchange. And again, it's unfortunate that we couldn't pull these up, given that he was recently banned from Twitter. But I remember one ch- exchange watching and a lot of people pointed out and being like, see, this is why this guy's an enemy because of his atheistic tendencies. And and, and you know, and that and that's going to be a problem. And what I saw was what, what I read when I read the tweets was actually him being more like, hey, guys, you do you. But this is where I'm at. And so stop trying to like stop trying like. Like, you know, you said, bring them to church first. It's like, stop trying to force me to go somewhere I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And I think, well, it, and I think, there, hang on, I think like there's the an element of that. I think there's an element of that that you have to respect about somebody if other stuff they're doing is really, really good because everybody is on their own path. And I think first, and, and so, and I don't know, I don't pretend, I try not to, uh, I try. I, I'm, I guess I'm psychoanalyzing a little bit in his favor currently, but that was that was something I read. And, and if I'm going to assume that that's earnest, then I'm also going to say that there's probably more baggage there than you know than that meets the eye. And to the point that Mark, you were bringing up of those like of the more evangelical sects of Protestantism is where everything is super literal. Those people can get annoying. <laughs> um, you know, that's and, what I mean, and, and, Jason, and, really... and, well, and frankly, the Orthobros can get annoying. No. And and you know, hey, 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 hey. 
just just speaking honestly. Being honest. You, that's that's why you got to be a Mormon. We're not annoying. Mormons can be really annoying. Oh, gosh. Catholics look can at, be really annoying. Look, look I, I need to look no what's, further. What's the, uni- what's the uniting factor? Humans can be annoying, right? Absolutely. And so well, I, wait, I mean, wait. I, let, me, let me guess. Roman Catholics, so however, you know, like. Uh, no, I just said Catholics can be annoying. I was, I mean, I was raised in the, right? I was, but you know, like talking about that growing I, up in the church. I I couldn't. I couldn't hear you over your over your heresy. It just, it was just like it was drowning me out. <laughs> uh, it's because he graduated. So you know, here's here's a question I posed to you, Jason, before. Can a prophet can a prophet be an outsider from the church? Of course. Of course. I think they almost I mean, always Jesus, are. Jesus I think was. it's almost a prerequisite. Okay. Well, that, I mean, so that's why, like. I was still in a friend camp for Jordan Peterson. And, and, and even though I started this by saying that I thought Lindsay was a yeah, fed. You, you were wrong. Reasons. It's okay. But, <laughs> but, you know, so a prophet can say there's something going on in the world. Get right. What, and he I may know, not but, be part of the church per se. Right. Or he well, might I even think, say, I think that, but I think almost... when you can, sorry, I think when you compare it to, when you compare him to Jordan Peterson, I think this is actually going to be an interesting phase where where he's okay so twitter has been his main one of his main avenues of disseminating his ideas and he's basically lost that in perpetuity so this you know it'll be interesting to see how yeah well well that but that's the thing is that the way it goes or does he continue to strike out on his own and does that well this is what we're going to find out um, I don't, I don't, I don't prognosticate. I, I analyze. Um, oh, I do, which is fair. But to, but just to the point of this, this will also be an interesting phase to see as well. Because if he does come out on the other side, corporate and um, corporate and whitewash, which is what I think happened to somebody like Jordan Peterson, I think you, I think uh, the answer to that question becomes more clear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patriot, Patriot Way Media. Hang on, we, we, got, we got a new joiner in the chat. Patriot. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Hello. Hello, sir. You had some things to add. I know you're on a you're you're on a time tight time frame, or a little bit. I've got a few minutes here, but um, I've been listening. Uh, fantastic it's discussion some, as 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 always. Um, yeah, yeah. So the the point that I would like to make here is I I think that for the West in general, if if we don't get our history right. Everything else is going to be distorted and, and skewed. And, and I think that for where we're at, specifically here in 2022, we are living in the post-World War II era. Everything is downstream uh, in our framework. And so when we talk about liberalism, communism, and, and fascism, that, that is the paradigm uh, that Lindsay is, is operating in. And so that's why when... You see him get so, um, what is the word, caustic, you know, towards uh, the, the, the fascists and say, you know, guys with your anti, anti-Semitism, you know, pipe down. I think that his, his history is off. And I think that uh, for our culture in general, it is off. Now, I would say that communism and fascism in general um, are, you know, merely children of liberalism uh, at, at large. However, there is this immediate demification of uh, the mid-century ger- uh, Germans, if, if you will. And, and there's an immediate demo- uh, demofic- demonizing of, of, of those people without truly understanding what the context was of what, um, what those Germans were actually saying. And um, 
you know, I don't know if anybody else has been, you know, catching Pete and Thomas 777 uh, and, and so forth. Like but Weimar, like talking about Weimar. Yes, yes. And, you know, the, the subversive groups that were in Europe and understanding why those, those particular attitudes uh, arose. And the, the, the way that Lindsay and just in general, the IDW crowd uh, will, will frame you know, the fascists are just being very opaque. They're, they're just racist. They're, uh, they don't like Jews. And it's just very two dimensional, even if, if that, and there's no really examining, uh, the understanding of why fascism, uh, arose to begin with. And, and I don't think that we're going to be able to get a proper response, uh, to, to the woke until we work that out on the right. And I'm not saying that, you know, we, we need to, uh, you know, re-rise, you know, mid-century Germany and, and uh, uh, you know, start yeah, saluting. The, yeah, yeah, like that, that is a, that is a lo losing it proposition. Goes, it, goes farther, it goes farther back than mid-century German thought. I mean, sure. I can, go, I can go back and criticize 18th century German thought and, romantic, and romanticism and point out the continentalism of, you know, of the, of the anyway, yeah. I mean, this, this is this is one thing that I've learned why I love reading Evola. I'm, I'm uh, getting through Ride the Tiger. I think uh, Caleb and I are going to do a book club on that and, and do a, a really long one. Like we're going to go through, we're going to take our time with it um, because his idea of the traditional man um, is almost a restoration. Uh, it's almost like getting back around this whole German thought spanning back to even the, the 17th century and kind of trying to carve that out and go, okay, this is bad. We have to get back to something, um, you know, heroic. We have to get back to something that is, that is actual human. Um, you know, one, one thing I wrote in my notes, listening to the, um, the cigar stream is that the center right is, is a political culture, not a tradition. And that, that is, that is part of the problem um, is that we're talking about political cultures and not traditions in in the sense, even even with the left, is that these are all short-term games where, you know, we, we start getting into the ideas of, uh, you know, time preferences. All this stuff is, 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 a, is a shrinking time preference getting down to the millisecond um, where you can't well, you, build you, it. Like you're, raising, you're raising your time preference. Like, everything yeah. has to become, like, more, more and more high time preference. Like, because that you know it, it sounds inverted obviously if you understand the way time preference works but like you you're having to act now as opposed to to postponing the acts later because like, you need to do something to fix everything's done within an bureaucracy squashes out all the other energy so it's like you get nothing done uh nothing gets built no there's no there's nothing like there's that's that's the what i've been calling these things that sort of bitter white pills where it's that the, the writings on the wall that none of this stuff is actually going to work out long term because they're not creating anything. There's no, you know, even if, and I don't even like the word culture anymore, but there's no culture being, being, being generated by, by, by any side right now, either, you know, right or left. There's a lot of cringe. <laughs> there's a lot of attempts. Um, well, but... there's a lot of people. I think that that sparks from a lot of people thinking that, uh, thinking that culture is, um, it, it's like this it, yeah yeah high arts like high, well, high... because it is it has it has that component but it's this thing of like well we're just going to create culture Do you, okay well what is culture you know i would use a definition like the rituals and practices of a group of people so like therefore culture is literally everything and anything 
you know, so, well, it so also, it no, also no, 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 uh, uh, regional, like not there, everything there is and some... everything. There's region. Uh, I have a very long expounded explanation that I've gone yeah, but, through. But, but, well, so, so like, think about, think about Southern culture that's been destroyed. So uh, there, there's something that, and, and this is something that I've been sort of going through a journey to myself being someone, you know, in the South, there's a lot of the Southern culture that's been destroyed, you know, like the statues being taken down, taken down of, of like uh, the Confederates. And, you know, you can argue whether or not those figures individually, you know, should have a statue or whatever. But the, the idea that, that Confederacy was bad is, is becoming a more and more mainstream idea, even here in the South. And it's something that, that was part of our culture. You know, you used to see people going around with rebel flags uh, it, it, you know, people people being able, playing country music, you know, it, it, authentic country music or whatever. Now it's now all the country music is is pop or mainstream kind of music, and everything has kind of become, you know, pushed toward the like you know Fed's narrative or sort of this this mainstream. Everything's been pushed into that perspective, and we no longer really have a Southern culture anymore, uh, except for the few people who kind of keep it going on, and it's kind of been squashed in that way. But this goes back to, to my point, excuse me, uh, about making sure that we get our history correct, because, you know, the, the priors of Lindsay and the priors of, of uh, the, the modern culture, whether it's World War II or even the Civil War, uh, that, that is where the stakes are going to be planted in terms of the Overton window. And until, until we can uh, properly frame where we are at and what those arguments were of, of the past, we're, we're not going to be able to move forward uh, and, and be able to engage the left really on our terms rather than just saying, well, you guys are the, you know, the real racist, so to speak. The South will rise again. <laughs> Trey, my brother actually uh, has the lived he, he lives in California now of all places, down. but my brother lived in uh, Florida, in central Florida. You know, in Florida, the more north you go, the more south you get. Uh, yeah, so he. I'm I'm in Chicago, but I'm not a Yankee, and I have this discussion with them all the time, right? <laughs> we we have we have a phrase, uh, you know, like uh, even though Florida Florida seems better than Alabama now, there, there's there's there definitely was sort of a phrase of like don't Florida my Alabama too. Well, but kinda, I'll just I'll like, just kinda... only point out that this is evidence that a Southern culture still exists, right? Yeah. Is, is, is I so so I mean so we so that's why we're gonna quibble over the word culture in and of itself. Um, is it's like yeah so. Yeah, it's, it's just not the same form. Like, it, it used to be very, like, it, it's taken a different form for sure. Well, so. the problem in America is the Yankees, you know? I, mean, I agree with that. If you really know what a Yankee is, Jason, yeah. then you'll know the problem is the Yankees. It's this Puritan mindset about controlling everyone and not minding your own damn business. Well, and the, well, the, the carpetbaggers. The, the carpetbaggers. We, <laughs> uh, we, can, we can get into I that. I was actually going to... I was actually gonna write something. Uh, I don't know if I ever get around to it, but, but I was gonna call it the perpetual Yankee, uh, and and the the, the Yankeeification of, of of everything that that we that we especially down here in the South, like they they want to Yankeeify everything, and the, that's sort of like what what this sort of culture permeates from. Like it's definitely like the the Yankee of like uh, you know having this industrial sort of thing, but still relying on you know agriculture. It's still relying on these these basic fundamental things that, that, that people do. And, and well, they have I, I gotta, I, I gotta do my, 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 my standard Gerard, uh, uh, spiel. Um, but the way I'm looking at this is like, I'm trying to get down to root desires. Like what is the actual desire being presented here? And a lot of people will say security, but I think it's actually deeper than that. It's predictability. 
right? Security is based on predictability. Power is based on control. Like if you if you have power but you can't control anything, that's it's it's useless. And I think pretty sorry predictability is what most people are after. They want yesterday to be basically like today, and that they, they that way they can predict predict tomorrow. The major strength in the West has been, especially the American model, is that tomorrow might be better, right? That's that's more powerful than anything else. It's it's the um, the the promise of of a new day, the right the, the promise of of uh, of what was the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, um, I can't even think of the word, but the, the promise of of something better looming on the horizon is what the entire American model is based on, right? But predictability is still is still underlying. So what we've given up because because I think a lot of people have it's been a lot disenfranch- manifest destiny, right? I think what people have been disenfranchised with is the is thoroughly is the is the better tomorrow, right? Especially with you know because you because you graduated in, in, a, in a recession, you got you got this this mentality. See, I'll make it happen. I'll make it work. Um, you, you get this mentality where things aren't going to be better than tomorrow. You're not going to succeed better than your parents. You're not going to have. You're not going to own what you, what they did. Uh, it's impossible. You're not. You're. 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 You'll, you'll own nothing you'll and own be happy. No, you'll own nothing and be happy. Yeah, it's the bugs. Um, so you you start to adopt that stance, and then that. So what you're what you'll opt for is that predictability. Well, you know, it, it's it's what kept it's what what's what keeps people in um in line in sort of heavy authoritarian dictatorial uh uh countries is that the devil you know is still better than the devil you don't right it's like well we're starving today but we were starving yesterday and we're probably gonna starve tomorrow but you know at least we're all starving together whereas whereas to up you know upturn the apple cart is like well you don't know then now now you're you're not just starving you're dead right like you're dead your whole family's dead and everyone got shot in the head so so I think a lot of people are trading in their freedom or, you know, they're, they're trading for that Yankee idea of, 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 well, at least, you know, what tomorrow's going to be, you know, it's going to be the same old shit, but it's still this, you know, at least it's the same. Sorry. Thoughts. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it just made me think like, you know, we're, we're very, uh, it's easy to be critical of the people who don't have prescriptions, but, uh, coming up with the prescriptions is a bit more of a challenge, you know? Uh, I got yeah, prescriptions well, oh, right here. Because, uh, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think I'm going to hop off. Uh, it's been it's been fun. Uh, Cheers, uh, my final vote, uh, still, James Lindsay is a fed. So, <laughs> you guys have fun with it. One of us. Uh, one of us, Trey. Y'all, y'all have a good that's one. How you, that's how you get invited on, other, on future streams. That's uh, agree, <laughs> agree with the host. Okay. <laughs> All right, see you guys. Charlie. So, uh, I say we take a poll. I'm. Uh, I got to eat something, or I'm gonna pass out. Um, I'm. I'm. I'm still on a friend. Well, yeah, but but you're but you're you're at, you're no. It was never. It was never in no. question. No. And well, I graduated you're... during a boom. <laughs> it just shaped my life perspective. I was gonna say. I, I thought you were gonna say you shaved your legs. I'm like Jesus, man. <laughs> no, I have uh, in in the sun. My the, the hairs on my leg turns gold, and the kids so, like so so what, so, wipe them down and see them spring back up. So, what are the three? What what's like the three things about James Lindsay that makes him a fed? 
we haven't even got to uh, critical theory. Uh, okay, because because I'm stuck. Because like I, re- I I I want to challenge myself here, because I like I said I've tried looking for the opposite side, and I and I just don't see it. I see, again, I see some I see some warning signs, but I guess the, and again, if we're gonna differentiate between friend, Fed, and ally, then it's a different calculation, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be. I mean, I guess here's the thing. Here's the question for you, Obi, is that do you think that a dyed-in-the-wool liberal can be a friend to sort of a dissident right-wingish sphere? I mean, right? I, that's, think, I, think that's many, I think many in the right-wing sphere still operate under a dis- dissident liberal, uh, uh, still operate under the liberal framework. Oh, absolutely. I think, no, I think, overthrowing, I think overthrowing the liberal framework is like, like I'm, I'm still attempting to do that. It's not. I think there's a. I think there's a difference between. I would say there's a difference between, you know, like there's a difference between going back to like God, and dismantling the liberal framework, and there's mm-hmm. um, and I don't think that the latter is required in order for the former to occur, mm-hmm. if you will. But what the former allows for is. What the former kind of does is, in effect, in in effect, proves the latter to a certain extent. But it's still, but it's this tricky, it's this tricky matter of connecting things that I just haven't quite connected um, myself. So what I would say is, I'd have to kind of say yes, but I guess, but again, where am I? Where am I going wrong? Yeah. Well, I mean, see, my my thing is this: is that. Again, in 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 the context of this of conversation, and just and just sort of in the context of my own internal conversations, one of the things that led me to kind of into this sphere to begin with was when I started questioning the liberal frame entirely, which happened about two years ago. Uh, you know, I think with with COVID and all the rest of it, I was like, I was already on the fringes, I was already kind of on on my way out, and then COVID was the last push. Mm. Where I was like, okay, well, obviously this is untenable. Like, if this is where all this leads, then we need to question everything. And then, sure. like, you know, started reading Garvin and a few others. Like, oh, okay, I'm. Is, this isn't like me being crazy. There is, there is a whole bunch of other people who are seeing this problem as well. Yeah. To to get to your point, I think getting outside the liberal frame is. I don't even know if it's possible for Western. To be honest well, with you. And and so um, let me let me let me let me add on to that a little bit here because because this is this is something I've been meaning to bring up and it just it just came back to me and it comes back okay. and and so and I'll tie it to Burnham who brings it up in the Machiavellians where he talks yeah. about the anti-formal approach. And so when I read when I read the when I went when I started reading Burnham and he was talking about the anti-formal approach, like oh this is why I've seen so much. This is why I've I've seen some of this in my own way without having read the same people that other people have been pointing out for a large portion of time, because as somebody who takes an academic skeptical approach to things, I have, I have by definition, I have, in, I have without knowing the word, I had adopted an anti-formal approach a long time ago as the method by which I, I would I use to come to knowledge. Right. So, and where, and, but the, I guess, but the part of it is, is I kind of still hold on to that even through the even through some of these conversations where it is where it's like oh well you know well all everything lib is bad right or you know like kind of the yarvin yarvin kind of say oh well that's like the lib in you i've seen him like make reference to that in some in some uh in in like some podcast appearances and so on and so so i think i 
that that's kind of where I, I guess I just attach it to that as well, where it's like, okay, it's, it's because I'm, I'm, I'm not, and this is, and part of it is part of it just comes back to my point that I'll always make when we have conversations like this is trying to be aware of where the Overton window to, to borrow a term is at the moment. And, you know, you, you can, you can make the case that things haven't changed since Jordan Peterson came on the scene or James Lindsay, but I think they have. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, why you're seeing, I mean, that's one of the reasons why that people have tried to take them out multiple, multiple times. There has been a shift in, in the consciousness and people are being pulled in a direction. And in fact, just to the simple, um, just to the simple fact that more Americans are comfortable labeling themselves as, as anti-left or, you know, or, uh, or, or right wing. Or even just the concept of an American right is was not talked about. And okay, yeah, I'm being you know reductive because I'm talking st- strictly from an American frame. But America is kind of the the cultural center for the world, for better or worse. And so it's kind of it's a place that you can look for it. So I think you have seen changes, maybe not on the scale that people would prefer, including myself. But I but I, I guess I still again in that I look at kind of the trajectory and, uh, you know, I look at the orientation and the trajectory less. So the final destination, I do see those, I do see those shifts occurring. Um, and, and just speaking personally, the whole, the whole idea of questioning liberalism as a frame itself was, is still very new to me. Um, and it's, and it's still something that I'm kind of becoming, uh, trying to become comfortable with, but in the process of becoming comfortable with it, I also see from the anti-formalist perspective, how, in some respects, it's not I don't know that it's 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 critical that everybody that everybody uh, adopts that as their gospel quite yet. I think there's still I think there's still steps that you can make. And frankly, I'd prefer things to go back to 1995, quote unquote, if they could. I think I think such a I think such an idea is like impossible for, as a matter of course. But for the just to entertain the notion. I, 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 because, because again, it's a movement, it's a movement towards the, it's a movement in the right direction. So right. I guess so that's, that's, yeah. Are things headed in a good way? I mean, there's kind of the question is, 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 um, the, the concept of a, a perpetual 1995, um, possible or not? And then it, the question well, is, do you prefer, if, if you could have 1995 in perpetuity, would you prefer that to any other period in time? Because, you know, I, again, with my fallen, world perspective i don't think that they're necessarily maybe what do you maybe the 1920s what the 1700s where's that where's where is uh, a peak fallen world right and really i'd like to and really i'd write i'd rather throw that concept out the problem is the idea of going back to a specific point in time is a very is a lot easier for more people to grasp unfortunately even for the purposes of our conversation it's easier to talk in terms of that than it is to talk in terms of the steps that we want to take maybe to um take into progression and and obviously we're trying to analyze a specific figure here so Mm -hmm. i yeah i guess i would kind of fall into yes only because i was that quote-unquote liberal for most of my for most of my intellectual journey and still still have those tendencies in some respects and and i and i don't think i'm a fed wow. <laughs> you're, you're 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 just a degenerate that's that's, that's a whole debaucherous thing. there's a difference yeah. <laughs> degenerate I, debauchery distinction there i think, no, we, but I, think I, I talked I, about I, it on the stream on one of these streams about possible. that about that distinction no but I, I like what you're saying lb that you know it's it's because I agree wholeheartedly that there there is a shift. I mean, just 
maybe unless unless we're off in some la la land and i'm you know my 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 everything up that i see and my five senses are lying to me because in my in my experience it, there's it's it's a different world than it was um you know thought even six years ago when there was lb you have a con- I, I, I need you to wash your hang on i'll be right back okay right well i think but that's the um that's the part that I always that's the part that I think gets muddled in these conversations. And I mm-hmm. think and that's where I try to separate out the temperament from the from the points. And really, if we're talking about how I look at figures, it's always about what can I take from them that's good mm-hmm. and does that and again it's the basic calculation of does that good outweigh the bad. Right? Yeah, if if I can uh, jump in here uh, quick LB and kind of restate what what you just said. I I think what I would say is are we better off for having James Lindsay in in our midst versus not having him. And so uh, to me, I think that he is, uh, I think Mark Mark may have used this term, maybe a net positive uh, overall. And, you know, pointing people, even if his his priors and all of his assumptions, and even if he is still a liberal, and and I kind of think the same way about Jordan Peterson as well too, um, is that, what they bring to the table is is valuable. And uh, even if it doesn't bring people to maybe where we would like to see them, you know, completely as being a dissident, a- at least they've kind of turned the nose of the ship and and uh, is, is pointing pointing people in a different direction, which I think is is very valuable. Well, and something I've used in the past to describe my own my own um, reaction to it is it also kind of gives people permission. Right. It, mm. Unless you've if you've never if the question's never been asked, then it's then if a question if you've never asked yourself a question before, then you then you can you've never worked on an answer. So if so, until and I was until I was even approached with the concept, well, we could just we could there's there's a way of saving liberty without liberalism. Right. Like I had never even approached that question or tried to tease out what that was. My series with Andrew from Popular Liberty and, and Mises Mayors for America, where we go through the they have uncrowned him. I'd highly recommend people to check it out because it's a very it's very interesting to watch how we can do that because we know that the idea of liberty is you know is more eternal than just modern civilization, right? Um, yeah. So so yeah, I think I think that's I think that's a very good way of putting it as well. No. So I th- and I think that's where that's where again I kind of have to in the in just a simple distinction of friend or fed. Like I said, we in, we if we introduce ally, it changes the calculation for how you classify somebody. And that's again just in the meta sense why I love these conversations, kind of because it pushes it pushes what it means. It pushes the bound the boundaries we use to define terms and how we classify people. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I like just what you mentioned there because I I never really. Um, dug into that is is there a, um, to sort of is there a way to separate liberty and liberalism because they mm-hmm. they were synonymous for so long especially in the American lexicon yeah and, you know even Canada we call our liberal party the liberals you know, like, right and um, when the two are not in any true essence mm-hmm. synonymous well what I um, read in um, in Hayek's introduction to the American version of Road to Serfdom he talks about this uh, he talks about this what he viewed as a bastardization of the word liberalism from its, from its true meaning of, you know, laissez-faire liberalism, if you, right. Mm -hmm. And me as an 18 year old reading that was like, Whoa, if they could, if this could be where we are. Right. And, and, and Jason, I don't know if you were listening, but I was talking about Hayek 
Hayek in the Road to Serfdom, when I read that at 18 and in the American the introduction to the American edition, he's talking about how liberalism, the word, had been corrupted by by people by by the word in America. And when I realized that that could be done at such a large scale at you know at to a population level, it it opened up a realm of possibility that I didn't know existed and it kind of sparked the journey that has now led to this point in many regards. So it's so it still starts from that. It's it still started. It started from the liberal of liberals, you know, a Hayek. I mean, I once upon a time had a project where my tagline was let's talk about liberalism understood properly because I thought libertarianism applied was going to be the salvation of liberalism. And and what I wrote about in the post libertarian moment is basically how 2020 2020, I think, washed that away. And so right. I, I guess maybe maybe. And so I and so, you know, you're trying to pick up the pieces from there. Well, that's, I think it's a good discussion, and maybe it's one that's been had that I've, you know, never just not come across. But it, it the topic of of what is liberty in essence, mm -hmm. because I think there's a there's a unique, um, almost <laughs> like a Rousseauian contradiction there, in that um, you, I, I really identify with the you have to serve somebody. Yep, mind that's just innate in human beings, and li liberty as the idea of of complete freedom to me is is a facade in that true liberty can only exist well, under the right master. It's the liberty let's to self, into, it's the liberty to get serve into, the good. Yeah. Let's well, get into the big, let's get into the deep, the deep water here because I mean, yeah. before I, before I, po before we settled on Lindsay, we, we settled on Lindsay and then I, I put out a, uh, a group chat, which, uh, <laughs> I just invited people. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Mark Claire. <laughs> um, but, uh, um, but, uh, one of the things I was, I was teasing about was to say like, what's happening with with fender fred in general is what i find is we start with a subject and we kind of go off into into other stuff we use it as a vehicle yeah. to go into yeah, it's a launch pad right and it's sort of the, the the horse and the cart um and i was thinking like maybe we, we put the cart ahead of it and just talk about individualism as a root uh problem so maybe we should we can do that here i don't know if you guys can stick around for a bit longer but because uh, i think jay unfortunately uh, i have to tap out um okay I haven't eaten yet today, and, and I'm, it might just be me and I'll be. Um, I, I, I if you go for five it. hours, I might come back <laughs> after some food and a nap. <laughs> might happen. I got I got beer in the fridge, so <laughs> start at it. Start at it. This is my I had whiskey for breakfast. So um, awesome, guys! This is always amazing. I appreciate everybody coming on. So, Mark, you're still Jake. you're still in the friend camp, obviously, because you know you're just a fucking solid solid friend. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay, and, and I'm I'm very thankful that he exists. Well, right. Let's let's do the vote. Let's do the vote, and then okay. we can. I'm I'm happy to have a conversation about individualism for a little bit. Sure. Something I've been working on. I've been working out too. I vote I mean, friend. I, Sorry, I have. Who? I will yeah. be. I I vote yeah. friend. I think I again kind of for the points that I've made, but in summation, just the what his output of his work is worth the minor deviations. Uh, if I was I've I've done a lot of analogies to TV shows and movies and books uh in this series and so for this i would use utrid in the last kingdom which is the pagan which is the christian born turned pagan that like helps king edward conquer england i, I don't think it's i think it's apocryphal but as a as a it's amazing you can still afford books when you're you know a child <laughs> born out of recession well you know i i don't i don't adopt a victim mindset so i've been able to i've been able to do well enough for myself and you know i still i don't pay for netflix to T be honest tommy tommy password Tommy, Tommy is is fed, friend, no fed. I mean, Tommy Sammons is is across the board. He summed us up. Yeah, he's he's betting <laughs> he's betting on all he's betting on all colors now. Yeah. Well, so I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna 
I'm going to suggest that you change the name of your show from Friend or Fed or Friend, Fed or Ally, but you know, you can do whatever you want with your branding, but because I like the idea of Ally. I still don't like Dr. Lindsay's voice or his podcast, but I think his ideas are good. So I'll put him in the Ally camp. And, uh, you know, if he comes around to Christianity, that'll probably put him more in the front camp for me. So <laughs> nothing against, nothing against atheists. Like, you know, it's just in, in the context of this conversation, I put him as an ally. Patriot. Patriot. I'm going to say, friend, uh, I agree with LB once again. I think that uh, his work is a net positive. I think he is a rung on the ladder to a dissident space. Uh, but much like uh, many other people that we've talked about, if you just stop with him, you're going you're gonna to be lost in, in the sea of liberalism. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm just uh, – I guess I'm too nice. Uh, he's a friend. Tommy's just dropping bombs. He's calling everyone a fed. Um, <laughs> where are your friends? Right here, Tommy, because he's obviously a fed, man. Um, I, I, honestly, I, so here's a – again, as a diagnostic tool, great. Uh, maybe, we'll, maybe LB will get into more the academic tongue uh, and that being a, an issue. I know we've we've touched on that, but I don't know if we've gotten that deep into it. Mm-hmm. Um, where you know translation is needed, and and ultimately, I think because I, and again, I'm judging James on what I've seen him put out, um, and just based on his own writings, I feel that like he's just funneling people back into. 1995 liberalism which is you know okay if you're in the matrix fine right i wouldn't mind being back in 1995 i had i had fun in 1995 but but as a as a something for my child to grow up in that's just gonna that's a 25 year late you're if you're kicking it back to you know 25 years just to, to re-experience this again it's 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 not a it's not a cure it's just a temporary solution <clears throat> so, um, and again, we're we're gonna keep the friend or fed because it's because it's it's genius, Mike. He's and already it's, made the logo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> my my five minutes of work is like is, is, is mountains for me. Come on, come on. <laughs> okay, um, okay. On that note, Jay, I'm out. Uh, love yeah. you guys. Awesome getting yeah, to know you all, and uh, looking forward to the next one. I will Later. be listening. Ciao. Tommy, if you want to come on, man, if you got time, jump on. Hey, Jason, um, I, I wanted to uh, redefine a, a definition, if I could, from my understanding, because Mark asked this before you left, you know, how do you define liberty? And I've been thinking about that question for a while. And if you look at the political aspect, then you can sit there and say, yeah, laissez-faire is liberty, right? But the root word of liberty is uh, the same as the root word of liberal, which is liber. And what does liber mean? Liber actually is comes from the root word of uh, meaning book, Okay. They used to write uh, on papyri, and they called it they call it liber, and it became a book. And that's so, so what I've learned, liberty is is just the the education one can receive to empower themselves is really what liberty is about. Now, there's always going to be oppressions out there. There's always going to be forces out there that try to prevent you from getting to be your fullest potential. And so there's always going to be an enemy of liberty, but to have liberty means that I've, okay, I, I want to, I mean, this might go over until individualism, right? But uh, I want to empower myself with as much knowledge, as much information to be able to make the choices that are going to benefit myself, my, my family, my, my community. And to me, that's what having liberty is all about. And so regardless of whatever political system we, we live under, we can still have individual liberty in that regard. 
Okay, so so this is actually a good segue to individualism because I think, from my perspective and my understanding of it, and I'm not perfect. I mean, to, to go back to again, I don't want to be the guy who learns something on Wednesday and tisking people on Friday. Um, I was a died in the world liberal atheist, anti theist. Like I was of the, of the Chris Chris Hitchens model uh, for many many years, right? Like, uh, so my sins are upfront and presentable. Uh, I was as fed as fed can be. Okay, I'm I'm a I'm a, I'm a reforming fed, but let's put it that way. Um, so I don't ever want to cast uh, derisions on somebody for where they are right now, where uh, compared to where they could be six months from now. You know, my religious conversion happened literally overnight, going from a from an atheist anti theist to to basically an orthodox Christian within three months. So I'm I'm very compassionate. To anyone in any of this, in any stage of this, the 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 issues I have with liberalism that I understand now is is that the these are all based on practical errors. I don't even want to call them lies because I think they might have come from a genuine place of trying to uh, of addressing corruption within within the church. Right, if we take the first schism uh, of the Roman Catholics and Protestantism, even the schism between Orthodoxy and, and, and the Roman Catholics, right? It's a search for for a truth beyond truth, and I think we get it wrong. And when we get it wrong, all these derivations begin to crop up, and they're inherited. They're 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 inherited to the point where we we can't. It's it's this is where we're talking about the liberal frame. It becomes really impossible to examine these things without questioning your core re- concept of reality. And short of a religious experience, that can be incredibly difficult for anyone to, to undertake. Because it's not just realizing that, oh, screw, you know, I've made this, I've said this before. It's not just when I when I had that that moment, it wasn't just like, oops, you know, I screwed up. I, you know, I take I take B instead of A. It's like, no, my my entire concept of reality is 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 in error. And I have to re-examine all that stuff in my forties. Well, fuck me, right? Like, it's 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 a very humbling thing to go through, and I don't almost don't recommend it for most people. But I think it's required on some level, uh, individually and 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 culturally, societal on a societal level. I think the West needs to get humbled by the natural order, by absolute reality. So to saying all that to get to to individualism which i think is a root cause of a lot of these problems is that you know most of western liberalism boils down to this this myth of the individual this itemization that we are self-reliant self-dependent self-actualizing which i i've become very convinced that we're not at all that we are as matt erickson once said we are the continuation we we don't have uh, how do you put it? Um, we don't so much have rights; we have resp- we have obligations to fulfill, and we are obliged to our family, to our culture, to our to our to our tribe, to whatever whatever smaller unit to project that into the future. Um, and that's not an individual process. That's not a process of individualization. You can have a uniqueness to you. There's a selfhood to, we can talk of oneself, but that oneself is reliant on that whole entire substructure uh, st- of family, culture, history, you name it. Um, 
it seems to me that that liberalism is trying to carve that out and say, well, that doesn't that's not that doesn't exist for everything from the, ex, from the existentialist on up. Seems to re, it, it be in rejection of that, and that's where I think anyone who's in liberal frame gets it not just wrong, but like so wrong. Like you're you're dealing in fantasy land, and that's my. Uh, I guess that deals into my the whole Lindsay's a Fed thing is that if you're still dealing in liberal frame, you're just going to feed people back into that system. Like it's it's the Fed right now that we're dealing with is is not based in reality. It's based on a projection of reality, mm. and the, all those fractal errors add up into a system, and that's what we're living through. And that's why all these things are keep these things keep breaking down, and we keep patching them forward because it's like you're 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 living in fantasy land. You're, you know, you're, you're beyond the looking glass, friends. Like it's, it, it's not real, um, and it's, it's why it's, it's, it, it, it fails. It keeps failing. It will always fail, and funneling people's energy back into a failing system, to me, is, is not a friend thing. So yeah, I'll kick that back to you guys. I think there's a difference between being an individual and being an island, though, because you know we're all individuals. Because we have our, our, you know, we, we recognize ourselves, you know, we don't recognize, we rec we're, we're part, we're, we're, we're individual personas, right? And from a spiritual perspective, we're, we're children of God. The whole idea of, of being an individual instead of just some, you know, number of a, of a smaller classification, that comes from Christianity itself. Now, is there a point where people have taken that too far? where they forget about the other obligations they have to their family, to their community, to their God. Well, I think, I don't think that just poo-pooing the whole idea of individualism is the right way to go either. Just, there's a, there's a balancing act somewhere that would cross the line. And it's not, I don't want to go back to pagan world before Christ where the, you know, the individual didn't matter and nobody had any, any uh, liberties or, or rights in, in that vernacular at all, because Christ did bring out the fact that we are all individual children of God and we have agency unto ourselves. We have to, uh, be accountable for our own actions at some point. So there is an important element of individualism there. Did I lose you? <laughs> no, I'm letting other people speak. Cause okay. I'll so here's up. where I, I think, I think you bring up a good point, Mike, where that, it, and, and this is why, this is why I enjoy philosophy and why I talk about, you know, when why definition of terms is so important. So there is a there is a strain of individualist thought which you can trace back throughout. This is this is how do so where do we start the clock? That's something I like to say on my shows. Where do you start the clock? Where do you start the clock? Where do you start to analyzing the situation? Are we analyzing something over the last hundred years, thousand years, two thousand years, so on and so forth? This this little group tends to take a frame that I think is most important where you look about where you look back across millennia and you see the differences in thought. And I think in some respects, you've always seen you've always seen a uh, uh, you've always seen like this perennial battle between the materialists and and the and the uh, providential people who believe in providence or, or metaphysics, so on and so forth. You don't this isn't this isn't like new to our age as it relates to individualism. I've always been here's 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 how I I guess early on tried to rationalize things in my study of thought because I was on that academic route for a long period of time um, and still consider myself on that route. I've just you know I, I think I I I'm happy to not be in the ivory tower if you will, which is to say 
that people, the whole individualism and collectivism conversation that most people enter is a political one and it's dealing with political things. And so it's saying, do you pref, do you preference the group over the, in, over the one or the many over the one or the one over the many? And that's a political question as a matter of policy. That's how most people actually enter the concept, the conversation about individualism. Now, that's a very narrow frame. What, what, where it gets tricky is when you start to expand that frame across domains to where you get to, to where you could get to that atomistic point. However, most of the art, most of, you know, a certain, I, I'll, I'll use Mises and I've got, you know, methodological individualism pulled up in front of me here, but I'll use Mises as the person who puts forth the individualism that I would have, I still have no issues defending, which is one that is necessarily constrained. Right. And so it's not actually individualism that's ultimately the enemy. It's the per, it's the it's the idea that wants to remove all boundaries is that is, is the actual enemy. That's chaos. Um, I think an individualism in the proper frame is a better representation of the world than a than the strictly collectivist output that was also that was popularized before it in terms of intellectual thought. And this connects to people like Hegel and um, and Rousseau has some of this as well, right? Where it's the we have we where 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 you have this concept of like a common good, and this common good speaks for everyone. Well, who determines the common good? Oh, well, that's the trick we pull. It's me, right? I'm the one who determines what the common good is. And so you have the collectivist, which says that the group is always to be preferred, and then you have the individualist response to that again in a political frame, which says the individual is to be pres uh, preserved. To which the spiritual person would rightly point out, no, it's actually a matter of both, and I would agree, and, and I think, and I think I would agree with that, because in, in because individualism, the concept of individualism is still bound by the fact that we are, to speak in scientific terms, social creatures, right? We are, and so so there we're not we're not a tiger that spends most of its life by itself. We're we're a, we're a species, we're we're a creature that spends most of our time with other people. Right. Even separated by distances, we are we're here gathered around spending time with people. Um, I don't think that I don't think that an individualism that recognizes that limit is is a problem. Uh, but where, where, where I would agree is that a lot of people do take that to its radical conclusion. And that in itself is a problem because there's no balance. Hmm. And I'm somebody who's more interested in balance than I am with. Uh, and in fact, I think I think balance is the answer more than any. Um, more than one thing or another. Individualism is a psyop. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I said individualism is a psyop. Thank you very much, Tommy. See, that's why we bring bring the big guns, guys. Hi, LB. How are you doing, tired. buddy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm tired of being the right one. Hey, on the Mike. Panel. What's up, Tommy? I don't know. I don't know Patriot, but what's up, dude? I'm still here. Hey, Tommy. Good to hear from you. Beatrix says hi, LB and Mike. What's up? Hello to Pia. All right. So, yeah, no, I, I, I look at individualism as a psyop. I really do. I think it's a, I think it's a way to separate and divide and conquer. I, I don't look at it as um, a force to be um, admired or looked upon with any um, admiration whatsoever. I think what individualism and the way that it was funneled in by Rothbard and Mises, who I think were useful idiots, 
um, and and not feds by any other name, was in order to break up the tribe of the extended family. And as that tribe of the extended family broke up, then you increase the stress on the parents and the parental structure because back before there was a nuclear family, there was the extended family. And when the nuclear family existed, the parents could get some relief because you had grandparents and aunts and uncles, all these people around to help raise children. When you limited the raising of children to just two people, then you increase the amount of stress on those two people. This led to a higher divorce rate. And so therefore, destroyed the nuclear family. So the nuclear family was just um, a bridge to get to the destruction of the institutional family and usher in the government and ideology as a replacement for parental oversight. Yeah. Dependence, dependence is the, is the, is the objective, you know, a highly dependent society is less likely to, uh, to have a, have an uprising, even to even to to get an elite uh, uh, to to rise to that level of 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 counterbalance because because everyone's dependent on the system. Um, you know, uh, I work. My wife and I work within um, a daycare structure, um, and it's obvious. I mean, one of the reasons I moved to Australia was to bring my child closer to a larger family. I realized that you know, before I heard Owen say it, I, I agree with it that, that family is wealth. That having having support structures out beyond oneself is vital. I was raised that way as well. I was raised around grandparents and aunts and and having a and having you know that kind of structure around me, so that it, even if I'm not around for whatever reason, there is support structures there that right. it it alleviates a bit of your mind and you can start thinking different things and you can and you can even start taking different kinds of kinds of risks because i'm like i'm fairly comfortable with the idea that my that my daughter no matter what will be taken care of um which frees you in a lot of ways but to go back to so to go back to to the idea of individualism because i think this is it was instantiated well before let's say the 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 psyop of the uh, of the modern era you know because we're, we're we can go back to you know individualism being being projected in, in as far back as the what the what, 18th century um this I, I, I would argue you can even find in the epicureans but i think the stoics have some of it too sure right absolutely but, they, but, I, but I, have again, a, I have a i have a really good friend of mine um who who considers himself a stoic and um he's one of the hardest people to talk to in the world <laughs> it's it's just he's it, sometimes he's just a real pain in the ass um and yeah no i i I, I don't think anything I said was beyond what LB has already thought of, though. Like, I, so I'd like to hear what him respond to what I said. Well, Tommy, if I want to interject here, I I, I like when you went off. I, maybe it was a podcast or, or something I heard where you started talking about the extended family. I actually I gave a talk in my church about uh, a similar topic right around the same time you started saying that, about that. Mm. And I agree with you that the extended family definitely has been diminished and is, is extremely important. My worldview is always going to come from a, uh, you know, a Christian biblical perspective where the individual is not the base unit of society, but the family is. Now, what mm -hmm. I mean by that is the, the quote unquote nuclear family, husband and wife shall be one twain, right? They, they should be one thing. So from a biblical Christian perspective, husband and wife and their children are the base unit of society. Now, that doesn't mean that the extended family shouldn't step up and help because I think that's 
that's, we can see that throughout history that that's it. Individualism, if you're alone, that's hell. I don't know where mm. I heard that, but if you're by yourself and you're an island to yourself and you're not, let's say that your attitude, your behavior, it's just like means nobody wants to be around you. You're exiled from your, that's, that's the literal definition of hell. Mm. So you don't want to be an individual and be in a hell, but you don't want to say, okay, well, there's no such thing as a, as a nuclear family, because even within extended families, husband and wife are going to have different ideas to raise their children, even though they're relying on the extended family to step in when, when they can't, when they're not around. So I kind of agree with you that, you know, society has broken down the extended family and that's a huge problem. But I still think the base unit of society itself is the, the quote unquote nuclear family. And that's uh, and that's that's just my biblical perspective right there. I'm going to jump in here real quick and, and just um, uh, echo what Tommy said. Uh, I agree with, with, with everything that he said. And I was actually listening to Oron McIntyre on his uh, interview with Tim Kelly here recently, I put out a tweet, um, which, which basically mirrors what uh, Tommy was just talking about, which was, which is the idea of the moment in which you begin to break all the, bo the bonds of the individual from, um, uh, from everything within uh, the society or the culture. Uh, now the individual lays prone in front of the total state. And that, that is what we are seeing currently in the West, which is there is nothing else to provide uh, a mediation for the individual uh, in between the state uh, and the individual. It used to be, like you said, uh, the extended family, uh, a clan, even a guild, uh, and, and, and such, so that there be were these... Be that word, clan. <laughs> <laughs> Well, cl a clan with a with the C. That's fine, right? <laughs> well, I know the Ku Klux. So I don't know the clan. Okay, uh, but but anyhow, there would be these these levels of mediation that would protect the individual from uh, the the state just being the overwhelming force uh, in in a person's life. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, LB. I, I see you there waiting. Yeah, well, I, and I'm because I'm processing too because I'm trying to remain open to my mind being changed, but. Where so, what I guess what I just don't see is that connection between individualism and proponents of individualism being the tool that it was used to dissolve the extended family. Because I would actually agree with you, Tommy, that it's not it like the nuclear family is one thing, but the nuclear family is just easier to categorize than a categorize than a um than than the than an extended family. Right? How did they? How did they? De how did they destroy the extended family though? No, that's what I'm asking. Okay, so like they they in, introduced um, industrialism, right? And if you move to another state and you mm -hmm. work for this corporation, yeah, suddenly you can be wealthy and yep. you can be the next Rockefeller or Rothschild, mm -hmm. right? So they're they tore you apart through a capitalist structure. What's ironic about that is if you look at other cultures, just even here in America, is that these, uh, you know, I drive around my neighborhood and see all these uh, mansions out there, like these huge, huge houses. And I know it's not, they're not housed by just, you know, mother and father and a couple of kids. It's usually aunts and uncles or grandparents that like multi-generations live in the same house. And so they acquire, they accumulate wealth through the extended family better and probably easier than just through the nu nuclear family so if you're going to talk about the wealth aspect then the extended family is definitely the way to go well i mean i can, I can only i can only speak on on my my own personal 
uh, observations and the way that my family like occurred, like how it happened in my life. Right. That's like really where my expertise is because I've examined it and kind of dug through it for years. So I look at what happened in the, the early eighties in Louisiana and how production and industry was shut down throughout the state of Louisiana. And my parents who would have never left Louisiana, all our family was in Louisiana, all our support system was in Louisiana, ended up having to leave Louisiana in order to take care of a family, right? So they drug me and my little brother to Dallas where we didn't know anybody and had no connection to the town whatsoever whenever I was six years old, all right? From there, what happens is now instead of having the support system of the extended family, my all, everything is on my parents. All right. And so my, we, like my mom would go three or four days without eating. So to make sure all of us were fed, my dad was working three full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. All right. And all this was because there wasn't work in the town that we were from. It wasn't because they wanted to leave the town where we were from. It was because there was nothing there to do to to support a family so they had to leave and so what i'm saying is they created an environment in which the extended family dissolved and as the extended family dissolved then the pressure and the stress was put on the nuclear family and the parents were the the ones that were responsible for everything because before i was six years old we always lived with great aunts, great uncles, grandparents. I always had that around me. But once there was no work for my dad to find locally in Louisiana, then we moved to Dallas. There was no support structure. And so it was all on my parents. That created stress on them. All right. So they had already been divorced and remarried. It could have, it nearly created another divorce. It didn't. Thankfully, I, I appreciate that, that my parents did not divorce that second time, but it, that stress and anxiety put them in that situation where it felt like that was an inevitability, that that's what I they mean, had to do. LB, in your own in your own admission, right, you, you said you don't have a lot of friends because you have a lot of cousins. Like there's a wealth of family in a, in a substructure that I would say defies individualism because I don't think while you can so let me let me make this distinction yeah yeah, yeah. because because maybe this will help right again i've been reading a lot of evola so uh, there's where my head is at but evola makes a really great distinction with the, with his idea of a, of the traditional man of talking about oneself like selfhood right the the traditional man is is in possession of the self and and is and is is transitioning towards being an absolute state of being rather than this persona right that the, the persona is always the mask that one's wear that one one wears when in, in, a, in a in a social situation but the 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 man behind the mask is is the is the being right the self selfhood and individualization are two different things and i think that these two things have have, have been confused maybe deliberately i'm not sure but either way have been confused in the western canon Especially, especially from the Enlightenment, where this idea that one must be—you'll you, get people saying this. And this is what kind of started my my thought process on this, 
was a on Twitter someone said was talking about what we need here in America is is more rugged individualism and patriotism. I'm like, well, you know that those two things don't go together, right? <laughs> like you can't you can't be a rugged individual and a patriot well, at the same time. I would you know? I would agree with the I would agree sorry to just briefly interject and then please continue, but I would agree that like rugged individualism is a psyop because you know but but I, I I say that that that's just a derivation of the of the of the of the of the individual model this idea that one can stand by oneself that one that is that that history starts your personal history starts and ends with you is is a falsehood is is a practical error uh from my perspective yeah. now right where where your history started long before you and will continue long after you that's uh, my concept of legacy is that you know uh, my grandfather lives within me right uh even though and i pass on parts of him to my child mm -hmm. even when it's not uh, it's not even maybe uh clear to to me right that that i am the collection i am the i am the uh yeah i am a collection of of different parts now right. that and I, and I don't and i know collectivism is is the boogeyman word and i don't mean to use it in the political sense because i think what you lb what you you, you did you did made a important distinction between political and and let's say social but right. but but at, at the same time because everything has become political now and has been mm -hmm. has been political for a lot longer than we thought it was right we can let's just say the starting point was 1970s somewhere in the 1970s yeah. everything got hyper politicized to the point where the the person became political so mm -hmm. a distinct so that distinction while i do think it's 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 a good one to have philosophically practically on a praxis level it doesn't exist anymore so to that well and it, but um, i think that's maybe interesting why like because okay so because you, you talked about it what i find interesting is how this all flows through because what i find I mean, interesting is we went from james Lindsay friender fed to lb friender fed that's okay <laughs> it was it, it's the it's the show you never well, knew no. you wanted yeah, it's it's but well, but this is something that I I mean, this is something that I've been working on and challenging and looking for looking for that argument that that can completely overcome something that I had for a long time held as uh, so closer to my core. Um, now, be, and and again, where I where where I guess I struggle, where, where I guess I struggle with the fervor with which some people would fight back against individual uh, concept of individualism right so like i've already qualified by saying an individualism with limits because everything that i say is within the bounds of it has to have a limit because without a limit there can be no thought right, right. so any so anybody who does so anybody who creates an individualism that doesn't have a limit is by it, it's it, their, their mistake is not an individualism their mistake is in not providing not putting a limit on that this is what you get when you graduate high school in a recession. That's just like that's number six, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. That's number six, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I, 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 can I just interject just a little bit because I, sure. I, one of my issues is the ism. It's it's not the individual; it's the ism. I, mm -hmm. I feel like when you add that ism onto the end of a word, that that word becomes an ideal. Sure, and and let me let me let me let me clarify. So, like, I would never be like I'm an individualist. Right. That was, yeah, that, I know. That's never I, well, happened. I know that. I know you well enough to know that. Yeah. So, like, part of my part of my issue is the terminology itself. It's it's mm -hmm. just it's not what you think or or what your argumentation is. It's the, just the term itself bothers mm -hmm. me. What's the application, right? Because I mean, yeah, we can all have our own individual definitions. That okay, fine, whatever, right? 
Oh, now he's now he's saying sola scriptura. I thought he was orthodox. Yeah. Well, you know, um, <laughs> I never said I was good at it. I, my, 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 my awakening was more like I was. I would rather be a. I would rather be a, a shitty orthodox, uh, shitty at orthodoxy, than be than be a pitch perfect atheist because that was just getting me nowhere. Um, so, so let me let me um, let me try to shift my arguments to so a, a concept I was raised with right in the church was the idea of seeing Jesus in others. Mm. Right. And so and trying mm. so and trying to see the you know the individual divinity of, of a person and to see that Sorry, spark. Patriot, I'm gonna mute you for a second because you get a lot of background noise and it's just it's... my fault. I'm... Okay. I'm I'm painting, so yeah, I'm gonna mute myself while LB talks. My fault. Cool, cool. Um so so like so when I so just you know, kind of how it how I was raised and, you know, people who are influential on me when I was, when I was younger and put into, and so again, like I said, to try and put it in more of a religious frame for a moment is, is seeing the, seeing the divinity, seeing, seeing Jesus in somebody else. How is that not, I guess how I would ask the question here is how is that not a manifestation of a healthy individualism? And if you got, and would you guys grant the idea of a healthy individualism? Cause if so, I think that kind of pulls you more towards me. Or is it that yeah, there can't I, be a healthy individualism? I guess I, th I, I guess there can be, but if you look at the way that the church was founded and what Jesus was teaching, that healthy individualism is actually like more of a syndicalism. Sure. It's more a uh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah yeah. It's not about I see I just see that's this is where it's like people stop at to your point, Tommy, and I think you're exactly right. Individualism, so that just means me. Right. And right. that's what and then so that's what people glorify as their as their as their center, as their core. Right. So I've taught I, I talk about I haven't talked about it in a long time, but I have this concept of like the paradox of identity that I try to push everything through. And that's why I think defining terms is so important, because what you and that we're, we're this is a manifestation of it. What you guys perceive as a word is very different from what I perceive the word to be. And so I'm trying. So we're trying to meet out what who's more correct, I suppose. But also where the where the distinctions exist. Yeah, we're trying just... to we're trying to flesh out the definition because, like, whenever I think of individualism, I think of like um, atomization. I think of right, and when I think of atomization, I think of atomization. Yeah, I think of asarchist. Yeah, you know, like I, that's <laughs> like somebody who worships the individual, a, a person that just I, I I and that's why I said my my issue isn't the individual; it's the ism at the end of it. Yeah, I think I, I said this when I was on with Jason a couple of weeks ago, talking with Courtney Turner, um, that that it's it's that ism that turns it from the idea of an individual acting to the worship of the self. And that's where I kind of draw my line. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, the one, and, and the so one if we can if we can talk about individualism in a way that is healthy, then, yeah, we can do that. And that's fine. But. Mm -hmm. I, my my issue is in any ism, whether it's capitalism, communism. It's like that word, that root word that comes before the ism, ends up being the ideal in the in worshipped, right? And that's where where I kind of find my issue is the way that the words are used. Yeah, yeah I don't think it's number one. That's yeah, right. Ahead. 
And, and I understand that about you. I mm-hmm. part of my pushback on you was just for entertainment value. Yeah, well, I, no, I think that's, 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 that's what we're here to do. I mean, this is I welcome the discussion for this. That's the fun part about it, uh, uh, Tommy. I like how you use that ism being an ideology. I was just thinking there was no like there's Christianity and there's Christian dumb, but there's no Christian ism. I've never heard that word used before. So I, you know, uh, maybe that ism is uh, is well, more like what you're talking but what I so I was thinking like here's you use this word twice, Tommy. The word worship. Now my understanding of worship and prayer are two different things. So like mm-hmm. uh, in the church, we're saying that we we can't be saved as a group. We can't be saved as a collective. Okay, so we need to have a personal relationship with our Savior in a church. Right, we're held accountable for our personal sins. So that's an individual. Uh, identity right there but the word worship means coming together as a group united in christ to worship christ means there's a whole bunch of us so we're not saved individually but we worship as a group what do you I mean, think the not, covidians we're, not, we're, not saved, were doing not... i'm sorry i said what do you think the covidians were doing well they're trying to they were coming together at a group as a group they were worshiping science well, right, but they're also trying to yeah. isolate. So it's like it's almost it's it's almost a kind of yeah. But they're trying to isolate apostates. Group. They're apostle. They're they're isolating apostates. They're not isolating themselves, right? The the isolation mechanism was basically almost a pre a preemptive isolation. They isolated everyone to eventually have the mechanism to isolate a few. It's a scapegoating mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, writ large. Um, because what they really want to do is actually, uh, they want to find out who's gonna who's gonna buck the. I just came on here and started fights with everybody. Oh, I like about you, Tommy. Um, no. We we seem to still be. I love all you guys. Fight. Like, and anybody that doesn't know, I don't. I love you guys. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, why was I going with this? Yeah, no, it's it's that it's so it. They wanted that collectivism to see people break break breaking ranks, and as soon as you broke ranks. That was your, then you became the scapegoat, right? You, you became the anti-vaxxer. They you became what whatever they needed to be able to, to pin all the problems on you. The reason why this is still continuing is because you're just not part of the program. Um, but again, to get, get back to individualism, I, I want to con- contain this in a Western frame, right? It's sort of Western liberal frame. Uh, you know, we can we can get esoteric as, as fuck as we want about it, but it, I'm containing it to to that that liberal canon, Western liberal canon where this idea that we can be itemized atomized sorry and collectivized at the same time to me is is where the insanity starts that's where people start breaking the the concept of self begins to break down and Mm -hmm. in my estimation what i'm continually trying to do is 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 preserve human dignity and decency going forward and in a in a journey towards being and and being is has nothing to do with the individual being is 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 literally getting getting to the common experience of of humanity right trying to be more human than human um mm. is 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 what i see as the pathway to to divinity like the, the, so christ being the perfect human right the the first perfect human other than maybe adam but but actualized human being right that's what we're trying to 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 be like so to go back to what you're saying i'll be about seeing the christ in everyone well if you see the christ in everyone that's not an individual statement that's and i, and I don't even want to say collective statement that's something that is foundational 
you know, yeah, uh, sure. I think, so I we, think what, I think what LB was saying and, and correct me if I'm wrong, LB, because I think mm. what you were saying was not to, to view a person as like, as, as a Christ-like figure, but is to view yourself as trying to attain the most righteous, um, personality traits that you can like to mm-hmm. get to the point where you're I, one of the things I always tell Beatrix um, is that I look at my grandpa and like one of the things I, I see is a guy who genuinely, he was a man that genuinely loved everyone. And I was like, I want to know what that peace feels like. I want to know what that is that he had contact with. And I think that's kind of what LB is talking about is that person that epitomizes the, the traits that you can acknowledge as beneficial to everyone around you. Mm-hmm. Sure. But what I would say is that you take that on, right? Part of my idea about legacy is that the common legacy, the one thing that we all share is how, you know, to, 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 to take from the Zen idea that we're all stones in a river, right? We, we, we you know, are, are stones in a pond where you throw the stone in the pond and there's ripples, right? Mm. All our actions, all our interactions, all, everything we do affects other people. So the question is, how do you want to affect other people? So your, your affect, right? Your, what you do to other people positively and negatively lives on beyond you. And the more powerful that effect, the more powerfully that lasts on. So mm-hmm. that so that you might be remembered within the actions or the or the thoughts or the or the whatever yeah. uh, of people long long after you're gone, in in ways that they that they can't even attribute to you. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of almost the when I, I'm still working on the humble humble meta piece, um, but that's kind of where that's getting at is that. To recognize one's one's place in the hierarchy is to is to respect it. Yes, and and I think in many ways what we what we collectively are are in a position to do is to take these ideas, disseminate them, talk about them, and put them in a position to be taken upwards. So I uh, think you know, upwards in the hierarchy, so so that can be broadcast to to many more people. So even if so, my, you know my my thing is like I was just kind of thinking about this. Sorry, I'll be. I'll, I'll, let, I'll pass it over to you. But if Tucker Carlson started doing a friend, friend or Fred episode, right, that became a thing on Fox. You would be the first. You would be the first uh, person on the list. <laughs> well, probably. I would. No, I wouldn't. I would. I would just. They, they would just take it from me, and they, would, they wouldn't even they wouldn't acknowledge <laughs> me. I'd just be banned off YouTube. But um. But uh. But uh. But my thing is this: it's like if the message is important, if if that's what's important. Who? Why do I care who says it? Yeah. Right. If 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 it's taken upwards and broadcast by someone, even if I don't get the acknowledgement of it, mm-hmm. isn't that more worthy than getting the big numbers, the acknowledgement, the fame, the, all the all the rest of it? Yeah. You know, we, we the narcissistic part uh, part of this is that you want that recognition, uh, that validation. Say, mm-hmm. but what I think what's underlying it is well, that may not never come. Wouldn't it be more important for these ideas to to get upwards, like to 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 rise in the hierarchy, even if even if I don't, right? Mm-hmm. That's not an individualistic stance. That's that's something heuristic. That's something 
that's something beyond me. That's something that's looking at that. That's a, that's again looking at legacy, and legacy has nothing to do with with individuality. It's something that's that's generational. You know, he, Owen I, Benjamin made this point, and uh, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Jim Brewer and his podcast. He's uh, Jim Brewer is definitely, uh, I think he's a friend, but uh, he had Owen Benjamin on. It might have been it, even a year. Jim ago. Brewer deleted that episode too. The one with Owen yeah. Benjamin. Yep. Oh, okay. Wow. Like, so, like two days later. That might be a, that might be a different really? story than where I was going, but I was saying that episode they were talking about who gets the credit. You know, and Owen Benjamin's like, yeah, because obviously Dave Chappelle took a bunch of his jokes like years later, and you know it's yeah. okay for Chappelle to say him, but Owen Benjamin got blacklisted, and he's like, I don't even want the credit anymore. I just want the idea to get out there. Yeah. So, yeah. I didn't know. Well, see, I just saw that the other day, so I don't know how it was taken down because that literally just. It, well, like last there. time, last time I was on Jim Brewer's YouTube channel, um, a week after I watched it, it wasn't there, and, and that was thanks to a good friend of ours, Rachel Tobias, told me about that, mm. that it was taken down, and I was like, "What the fuck?" And so I see, went look. I'm wondering about that because I think because I would like to get Owen on if we do Joe Rogan. Fender Fed, I want to get Owen on. Um, <laughs> but, but Joe I, Rogan. Yeah, Joe Rogan, exactly. But my but my thing is I don't think we can do it on YouTube. I think I think it'll have to be done, done off site. I mean, when Peter uh interviewed Owen, he did it only on Odyssey because he realized that he oh, just didn't didn't Owen call him a fag for that too? Sorry. <laughs> Probably. probably shouldn't say that. No, no, I didn't call him one. He was just gonna say it and then asked if it was on YouTube. And then, oh, okay, that's yeah, what yeah, happened. Yeah. I, well, boys, I remember I, it. I remembered him asking Pete, and then he was just like, "Fag," and I was like, "Yeah, that's funny." Jason, I gotta get out of here. It's been three hours. I gotta pee and probably cheers, you know, Mike. Pay attention to my daughter. So, so final vo final vote on James Lindsay. Well, I said that before. I said that he's an ally. So, I mean. I'm gonna cross uh, over your definition. You only get two. You only get two choices. Well, then I probably will still say friend if that's it. I was kidding about that. You know why I called him a Fed before, but I think that anybody who 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 opens the dialogue, who who talks about, like I said, a prophet may not uh, give, be a member of the church. Give LB a gift and say that LB changed your mind. Come on. Well, that's what LB wants to hear. I just care that look the how happy he got. There, I just care that the ideas are out there. Give a poor child who was who graduated high school in a recession a little gift. Come on. I listen to podcasts and that's how I get my information. And if I don't listen to his, I listen to Tommy and Jason and, and I've caught a couple of your episodes. Of LB, oh, God bless. All right, Patriot. I don't I don't know if you have a podcast or not, but I listen to podcasts all day long, and that's where I get my information from. So, kind of, my thinking goes along those lines. So. <laughs> That's why you're so screwed up, and that's why you're one of our one of one of our. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, you guys, take care, man. You too. Mike. See you later, Mike. Bye. Okay. So, so here's so here's what I've thought of in the course of in the course of the conversation that we're having here. One it actually connects to something we were talking about before: pedigree and academia, namely this. As my myself having a little bit more of a academic training for i i have created for me atomism and individualism are completely separable phenomenon both by time and by space and by people in terms of how um in, in terms of like how the idea is actually constructed and presented however what i rec what i recognize is every time i have this conversation it almost invariably it, it almost invariably circles around 
individualism is atomism, you know, is atomism is a problem, right? Because it's what, about why this- do you, why do you think that is? Do you think that's like something with our current culture and the way that we look at things or is, is because I know like one of the, one of my favorite things to quote is a George Orwell essay from 1946 politics in the English language. I'm sure you've read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, but he's talking about how, um, politicians and politics they they change the language and they kind of neuter it and make it like worthless so do you think there's that we're missing something and that maybe the academic mind is is maybe dis- disconnected from what what regular people are looking at or or uh, like yeah that was how kind do you, of the way yeah, I'm sorry. I I just wanted to ask you that because I you do you're like one of my favorite people to read and listen to, honestly, LB. So thank you. Or maybe maybe we can talk about formal and, and informal meetings, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe that's the the sticking point is mm-hmm. that we can talk about the formal meaning of individualism yeah. and the informal uh, mm-hmm. version, especially how it's being used um, currently, mm-hmm. because certainly the the let's say the formal academic version of individualism might be you know whizzle wazzle fine what, what's your problem but the informal u- utilization of it leads to destructive ends um yes. which is where well, i would get to and what i was about to ad- admit or offer for you know for the sake of a dialogue is to say like that i that in perhaps I, I i could i think i can look at myself and say i might just be using too def- too refined a definition to engage in the conversation to a certain mm-hmm. extent um mm-hmm. from the standpoint of for everything else because like so here's so here's what i so you guys are talking you're talking about legacy you're talking about generation so like um if you go to like you know like uh if you're in the i was you know in and out if you're in college you kind of get connected to the coke network right and when they do like these, when they do trainings for people and they talk about, well, when you're working on public speaking, and this is a common thing, it's like, how do you tell your story? Right. And your story should start and your story should talk with you. I've never done that. Whenever I would mm-hmm. get up and tell my story, I always, my story, but my story in large part begins with my grandparents escaping communist Cuba. Right. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's, that's always kind of how I've started my story. Now, there's an even larger story that incorporates my whole family history on both sides, but the, but, but for, for, for the sake of political stories, I always start there. And I can remember somebody giving me feedback of like, oh, well, you should talk about yourself more. It's like, well, no, I talk about the people who came before me first. And then I talk mm-hmm. about me and then I talk about the future. So I guess in some respects, I've always just, per- I've, I've intuited or just always perceived that as like the baseline. Mm-hmm. Individualism is then something that I can pick up and use to, it's like, it's like, it's, it's an adjustment on my glasses to where I can, I can, I can see things more clearly in a certain frame. And again, mm-hmm. I think that frame, that frame in particular would be like with economics. Now I'm not, so, now economics in its proper frame is not totality, right? Like, like political philosophy is not philosophy. It's political philosophy. Philosophy itself is a much broad, has a much broader scope across all domains. And that's where and so that's what I found interesting about these discussions is the way it, like the mistake was to take individualism and manif- and, and to extrapolate it across all frames to remove limit from it, uh, to, to remove the limit from it. Right. Which, which is which is the, the which is the liberal impulse, though. I mean, again, this yes. is where I get down sure, to sure, the sure. fractal. That's where I get to the fractal error. Right. Is that when you when you it's like the wood chipper right whatever you feed into the wood chipper is going to is is going to be predictably into wood chips like 
and I feel that that's what liberalism, what I've come around to understanding liberalism as, is that. Well, no I think what, I think part of it on my end is I'm a truck driver, and everything I know about these topics is what I've read and what I've I've heard on podcasts, and I've I've researched for you know these five, six, seven years that I've been drilling this shit into my head constantly and so whenever i listen to someone who like lb who is academically like um educated that it it's it's different than what i'm used to right and and then i can talk to lb i can have a conversation with lb i can read what he writes i can listen to what he says on his podcast i understand where he's coming from because i know him i've talked to him i've had these these uh sidebars with them it's kind of like if i talk to like pete or lb or scott horton and i mention and i call myself a libertarian that means something completely different to those guys when i'm in that conversation than if i just met, call myself a libertarian to some random normie i guess because i focus so much on the way that the normies think and the normies interact with these subjects that I find myself kind of tied to those definitions and the way they view it. Whereas LB is coming from a much more academic place. Yeah. And, and I'll even admit overly refined to, to an extent. Cause if you want to talk to me about the problems of atomism, well, I just thought you were over socialized. <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, I because if you want to, hey like, man, he was he was he graduated high school in a recession. Give give him a brick for eight. Break. Uh, Will you stop with that? Just stop. <laughs> we I'm get it. But no, I think. But I think that's, I like that's to drop. I like to drop random Ted Kaczynski jokes, and you're sitting here about a recession. Uh, it was something from the beginning of the stream. It's a it's a callback that happens every five minutes. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed that. Oh, no, oh, you're not. I was I was out listening to music and drinking beer with the wife, and then I just ran across. I ran across the, sensitive about it. I should stop. He's getting sensitive about it. Um, uh, so I mean, my 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 process is I you know 25 years in in service in restaurant service and bartending. So my thing is that. Uh, I think what colored me. I remember what what happened in 2014. Hey, LB, did was, Adam change his name? Adam, I don't know. Adam yeah, Patrick. Mean, or... I'm looking at Jason Veronchuk talking about 25 years in restaurant oh. and bar service. Oh. <laughs> uh, there's 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 overlap. Um, <laughs> no, apparently, but, apparently, <laughs> you got to work in a restaurant uh, before you can become orthodox. Or some kind of yeah. service industry. Maybe you want to sell some dong or something. It's a, yeah. It was it's, a, it's a, you 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 pass through that that period. You're like I need I need something. I need something. I think I need something real. I need something that's that's just not like you know, fucking today's pressure. <laughs> um, I'm I'm making cheap jokes now. No, at others' fine. expense. I I'm, I'm the guy who's making recession jokes all the time. You're not thinking me here, Tom. Um, all right. <laughs> but uh you know so my 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 thing is that i started realizing that none of this is making anyone happy like one of one of my transitionary periods because you know my abandonment of atheism happened over steps but one of the things where, where it was like i'm like this isn't happy like this is none of this is 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 getting me to a a a, 
a better worldview. Like there, there's nothing here, right? It's like, okay, well, you're an atheist now. Now what? Well, hang out until you die, you know. And then, and what what happens then? Oh, the the abyss of nothingness. Oh, well, fantastic. Like, you know, that's like to be or not to be all of a sudden again. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I th- again, I think that's that's I guess again my criticism, my base criticism, a lot of, of a lot of liberalism or liberalist ideas. <laughs> Not even where they started, but where, the, where where not how they started, but how it's going, is that it's led to this nihilistic worldview, which is just miserable hmm. for everybody. Like I don't, I can't think of, and you can see it all the time on the libs of TikTok or whatever that. No one's happy. Like yeah. you, you'd expect that some of this stuff would at least give you comfort or joy. It ain't. Not that, well, that, that's something I, I can remember very clearly of a recent experience I had of. Where I was like, you know, I was like in in a group of non-believers, um, and, and like, and I and I I, I want to, I guess I'll, I'll be a little just like, like I don't currently practice at the moment. Like my like I'm somebody who struggles with faith, and it's but it's but I've never what I've said is I've never turned my back on God, right? And so and I think and in this space too, I'll also say, and I think <laughs> I think I was I was almost sent out on a journey. And, you know, if I believe that there's meaning and truth and, and things and, and purpose to existence, that it wasn't an accident that I that I haven't been like a practicing Catholic for most of my 20s. And anyway, it's, it's something I struggle with. I can I can answer more questions about it. But I always want to be I, I always want to be clear about the perspective I operate from. But one thing that I found remarkable when I was amongst some people who I love, who are also on the atheist side of things was how much work it takes to oppose God because right it'd be like like because there's because like us because like the way we're cracking jokes here it wasn't the same kind of cracking jokes there was like there was like a little bit of extra emphasis to making sure everybody was laughing laughing along at like you know cursing God as it were. have you ever noticed just just as a, an aside have you ever noticed that when you go to these people that are that are making these jokes and kind of make these pages and and kind of their their life around atheism mm-hmm. and and they're they're posting all these memes when when you say something like yeah and Muhammad too they get really upset at you yeah that's, it's that's like a, that's it's like it's like why why is it okay to make fun of one religion christianity and not make fun of islam as well if you're atheist then it doesn't matter right like you're against all gods so like we should be able to make fun of zeus and you know all this uh, but but they don't they only focus on the christian god which i've always found interesting well it's, i think i think it, if we were going to psychoanalyze that it's kind of like it, it that's just it's just rejection of the father it's because you're rejecting your own father, so you reject your heavenly father as well. well Anti-Western sentiment. Mm, Sorry, yeah, I, I just popped I actually, in here. My fault. I actually, I actually, no, no, it's not your fault. It's fine. Uh, I actually think that atheism. I, I think Yarvin said this, or someone I can't remember who said this, but it's it's like ultra Calvinism, where it's like mm. it, it's the fruition of Calvinism. So atheists, in some ways, are the most Protestant. Like if you take Protestantism to its to its logical conclusion, you get atheism. I think we well, that's because, well, I think, no, that's no, we because, push farther than atheism now though because we have the woke. Well, that's because have, Protestants. Have this, 
which yeah. is anti-theist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's because but, Protestantism is uh, Gnostic and is not Christianity. Yeah. Right. So, mm-hmm. so they they feel like they have the ability to attain knowledge to cr- make themselves gods. And, yeah. Well, I, I mean, so or what, or make Bill Bill Gates a god or whatever they're trying to do at this point in time. Right. Well, and, and so in Patriots, kind of, you're talking about anti-Western settle, sentiment. Well, like, what is what a lot? What is a lot of that anti-Western sentiment? represented as in in popular you know college blue-haired what feminism which is fighting the patriarchy which is again a rejection of the father um i think now what's what's what i've been thinking about recently or one thing i've been thinking about recently in particular is the well is is part of this conversation now i'm going to make this point as it relates to individualism that that adam smith who's considered the father of modern or the grandfather whatever of modern economics and certainly mm-hmm. free market economics also wrote a book on moral sentiments where he talks about the where he talks about the duties that are part of my understanding is he talks about the duties that are incumbent upon people to operate within a society so that you know so that the free market or whatever can work just to just to use the shorthand version so what that so 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 there's always been this recognition of a right and a responsibility where things have gotten mixed up is the degree to which is the degree to which people order the right before the responsibility that comes from the chaotic left that comes from what I call the chaotic left. And I think what the chaotic left has, what, as I've been trying to distill it's, you know, as I've been trying to distill its meaning and it's, and it's essence into something that's transmittable across a population. What I keep coming back to is, are these few categories, these few things, namely the rejection of limit. Right. So the idea that there can't that there shouldn't be boundaries between things, that's one of them. And then another and, and another one is that solipsism into the self where you're not where there's no where it is just the it is in economic terms. It is the, the high time preference going back to the, the debate between the Epicureans and the Stoics. Right. Of which one of the reason why I always talk about that is because that's also where we see rise of the skeptics, which is kind of that's kind of where I started um, in many respects. But between the Epicureans and the Stoics is this. Um, is that is the Epicureans took a materialist view? There is no God, there is no app, there is no providence, there is no future, so maximize pleasure in the moment. Whereas the Stoics believed that there was a divine ordering to things, and so therefore you don't have control over you don't have control over the world, you don't have control over your um your surroundings, you don't even have a control over your body in certain res- depending on who you depending on which Stoic you're talking to. All you have control over is your your judgment to the thing. Um, yeah. It's Dionysus versus Apollo, essentially. Yeah, what it comes down to. Yes. Um, to put it in to put it in sort of quasi spiritual terms, but but do you it, think? Um, do, do I, I don't know why this keeps popping into my head. So I just wanted to like throw this out there. Why? Because it keeps popping in my head. Um, do you think James Lindsay is where Jordan Peterson was three years ago? I think he's farther along. I think he's far more radical than Jordan Peterson. If you're if you're relating radical not, radical as far as what because I'm talking about Jordan Peterson doing his his Bible assessment and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. he he was like kind of curious into that that world, and it seems like I when I listen to I don't know if y'all have heard it. My friend Courtney Turner did a podcast with Jay Dyer, 
and um, James Lindsay together, which we, is really we talk, interesting. We, we, we talked about it like a, a bunch. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so I've referenced it anyway. He, yeah. seemed, he seemed very um, interested in, oh, I knew, yeah, I knew you listened to it, Jason. I'm sorry about that. Um, <laughs> so he seemed we, very we, interested we in what Jay Dyer was. Yeah, right. He seemed very interested about um, what Jay Dyer was talking about as far as the esoteric and the metaphysical and stuff like that. He seemed like he was kind of like borderline. And I'm just wondering if this is like, is kind of like um, a Jordan Peterson when he first met Jonathan Pajot, or do you think he's so dug into his atheistic mind frame that he's not going to come out of it? I mean, I said publicly after listening to that interview that I think that I wouldn't be surprised. Let me put it this way. Let me, let me not make too many predictions, but I wouldn't be surprised if James Lindsay becomes Orthodox within six months or Catholic um, or Catholic or whatever. Right. Um, uh, but probably Orthodox. Um, but, well, uh, I mean, he does like forgeries. So Catholic <laughs> seems right. Right. Exactly. I mean, he likes shiny shoes. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Hang on, I'm going to call uh, the big guns. I'm going to get answered. I'm, not... I'm saving Andrew I for. Could, uh, I could. I could not re resist that. <laughs> when, when we do the J, when we when we do the J Dyer friend or Fed, we'll, we'll we'll call on Andrew. Andrew will Andrew will be just be front in line for that one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh it's nice it's nice to know i'm only your uh your hors d'oeuvre i appreciate that well no you're, you're your main course you're you're you're, you're the full hoagie my friend you? um, you're the only reason i tune into this <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks tommy appreciate it <laughs> I, I love this series personally yeah, i think it's hilarious it's so much fun uh, <laughs> but can can I offer a reframing? Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish okay. your thought. Jason. No, no, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, you can't say anything. <laughs> I, I've, I've hey, sat here hey, silently hey. for like an hour waiting to jump in, and uh, did you finally? Did you paint, I'm gonna, did you paint your wall? Uh, most of it. Most of yeah. it. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm calling John Hartman. We need a real painter. <laughs> Here's my reframing. I was listening to Andrew interview. The Contra Gentiles fellas um, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you guys listened uh, to to that episode, but it was fantastic. And I and I and I don't know their names yet uh, individually. I forgive me, but one of them said he made just a a really really blatant statement. He said people all all people in general should be enslaved because they don't know what's best for them, and that that was. In, in context of what we're talking about here with individualism, we are, we're coming to uh, this conversation was he, was he with the... Was he interviewing Klaus Schwab? No. No, 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 no. He was not. Because <laughs> that's what but, it sounds like. <laughs> no. Gets in the pods. Yes, but, 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 you under, but you understand here that uh, what, what he was referencing in total reaction to anarchy and anarchism and the radical individualist uh he is saying most people are dumb most people uh can't make good decisions for themselves and so you know here we are we're having this conversation of like well does individualism mean atomization yes no back and forth well if if we scoot the the, the marker clear to the other side which is the presumption that 
Well, okay. Democracy is dumb. Why? Well, because the masses are dumb and you, you keep taking that logic all the way out and you will get to the point where you will, you will come to the, to, to the point where you say most people need to have their choices um, predetermined for themselves. So with that being said, I have, I kind of have this working theory in, in my mind, which is that feudalism never died. We've just changed the names and we've, we've changed the owners and we have different, different lords and, uh, you know, the, the, the vassals have uh, switched names and that, you know, the corporate state is, is now the, uh, the, the new plantation or the new feudal um, uh, lordship, if you will. And, we, and most everybody that goes to, to work with their, with their laptops now are uh, the 21st century serfs. So with that as our framing, I can actually get on board with the idea of liberation, uh, with the idea of the individual uh, earning their freedom. I, I remember... Uh, listening to one of academic agents, uh, one of his videos on slavery, and he makes the point that there, there were a few, a very small percentage, probably less than 1%, but there were slaves that were able to earn their freedom, you know, by learning uh, a very specific uh, trade or skill. Well, well historically, and, that's very, historically, that's accurate, just less so with chattel slavery, right? Yeah. Sure, but, e but even in the American South, um, yes. it, 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 was, it was present, although it was not widespread. So if, if you take it into that context of understanding that we, we are all, in one way or another, uh, serfs to the kingdom, to the state, and um, we are trying to liberate ourselves from you know, these clause of the Klaus Schwab or the, uh, of, of the absolute state. Uh, in, in those terms now, individualism uh, in this discussion now becomes radically different. And, and I would like to hear uh, you guys' uh, re response or reaction uh, to that. I think I want to start a podcast with Patriot Way, Medi One, and call it Hans Hermann Chapa. And we talk about how real Pinochet has never been tried. Yes. I, so what I think, what I think, you have to, you have to do it. You have to get in the chopper. Get in the chopper. Record, record from the inside of a helicopter. <laughs> hey, I've, I've jumped out of one. It's like I can record in one. Just call it, you know, the view, the view from above. <laughs> so what, what I will say to what you said, Patriot, is, um, fellow Patriot. Uh, uh, is what, what I will say. What I want to say. I think. I think what you've done very well is also is give another example of what my my concept of the paradox of identity, where it's like if you want to reframe things and ask has feudal as if you want to reask things and said like how much different is the modern day from feudalism, it's actually a really interesting discussion to see that we that that while that while the enlightenment thinkers thought we could break we could we could break and manifest new emergent ways of being we actually fall along the same we actually fall along old old structures of hierarchy and so on and so forth right so that like you could and i think i i also think if i'm going to be fair to people 200 years ago you could make that claim that we can overcome hierarchy better than you could possibly say it now 
does that make does that make sense so i think so like you could say oh it's all low and, and i think and, and i'll quip also to say oh it sounds like you might have taken a king pill right because i think there's when you i think what's very interesting and, and we do this in sales funny enough is when you kind of uh when you talk about things in terms of kings of cast kings and lords and ladies and you know who's got the power who's the decision maker it 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 actually is a very easy way to classify people even in our very complex system that we have today. So yeah, I think, I, I think, I think you maybe you, you perhaps have a point. I don't like to think of myself as enslaved. I also would. And then I would maybe also say that the issue there, there, what's interesting is to discover the degree to which, what is that line between liberty and liberation? Liberation to me always has a negative connotation. And maybe that's, again, maybe an overly refined approach that I have to things. Um, but that's uh, what the, what's the gentleman's name? Charles Haywood, his definition of leftism. And I think it's one of the best ones out there is maximal egalitarianism and maximal liberation. Mm. And the, and, and the, have and you the ever talked to Charles? No, I hope I, I look forward to the one. He's such a nice guy. Yeah, he's he really he really seems like it. I've I've had him on my I've had him on my podcast. Like yeah, he's I've listened such to a great him. dude. Yeah. 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 I know yeah, Pete well, had think, him on a couple of times. Yeah, so. you and Pete had him on, and that was and I was like, it's like, oh, there's like these moments where it's like, okay, cool. I'm not crazy. Here's a guy yeah. who's like who can put something <laughs> in context that I've been trying to uh that I've been trying to muddle through muddle muddle through in my own way. So you know, that's but that's I think that's where are we saving the picture or the frame? Well, I think we're trying to save the picture. Right. And, and I think to the to the bringing it back to our conversation, that picture to me is not one person. It's not just a single individual on there. But that and that picture to me is, in fact, maybe a lot of people. We might and we might just say it's a family or a tribe so that but even within but that picture still has individual people within it. So it's so it's kind of both. Um, well, well, you have to realize, too, and part of the problem is and and I, I keep going back to this word because I think it's a very important word that we we start to incorporate into our dialogue is that democracy is Gnosticism. It's the belief that humans can create the, the utopia, right? And so we have to recognize that the the trust and benefit on uh, of of democracy is only there at, from the human perspective it is not there from a metaphysical perspective it's not a higher being and so as as humans have corrupted this system it's because it is a human made system and so that's part of the issue that we're dealing with is the human corruption and the human heart. And so the feudalism and, and this democracy that we think we're dealing with is really this Gnostic tendency that man can know best. Well, and I that's, say, I think, I think that comes, comes to fruition with Hegel, right? Or Hegel, sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never I, read him. I, I've told you this. I don't read that crap. Yeah, well, I mean, again, my, my understanding of it is is basically upon dialectics, but I think dialectics breaks the paradox. Well, right. but he also, well, hang on, but also central to Hegelian thought is the concept of Geist. So, it yeah, is, yeah, which but, is his well, term well, for like the spirit. Is that like, yeah, like God, but not like is that like the Zeitgeist? That's where, is we, that get, where we, that get, we get Zeitgeist from Hegel. So okay. Zeitgeist, yeah, spirit of the age. 
All right, but, the, gotcha. but, the di- but the dialectic is it undermines the, the <coughs> paradox. And the paradox, again, from an orthodox perspective, is that is that feeding in right? This mm-hmm. here's the state eating the tail that these things are conjoined. The the, the ritual and reality yes. are one. Um, uh, where else was I going with that? Is it's it's sort of like in order to to lead, one must serve. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, uh, so even in the sense of individualism, to be to 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 maximize oneself, to to go towards to to go towards being, it's not a direction. It's not like an up or down or left or right. It's actually inwards. It's mm-hmm. it's it's mm-hmm. to it's to penetrate and to appreciate and to give give reverence to all that came before you, and all that you are because of that, right? To be to be in a to sort of balance to balance all of history in your hand and realize where you are in that history. That's to go to Evola. That's the, that's the traditional man. And I'm, I'm waxing uh, more poetic than, than maybe I should, but, but I think that's the the crux of it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's the, the, that's where liberalism leads us to sort of like poor man's roads, right? It's, it's paltry. Because again, materialism reduces all these things down to equations, mm. and these things aren't. I was saying this on, on Courtney's uh, um, podcast where we were talking about, um, and we can transition to this a little bit. But the pursuit of happiness, uh, which I think is is a bearer of bad fruits, because what I'm looking for is um, is a truth that's tactile, right? It's something that you can feel, you taste it, you touch it. Like when you get to you get to something, you're like, yeah, that's it, right? Like. Maybe this isn't it. Maybe this isn't fully it, but this is a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the it's the men touching the the different parts of the elephant. It's you're you're getting that sensory confirmation of 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 truth. Um, that is that is beyond terms. So to to wrap that into pursuit of happiness, I think one of the one of the faults in that is that when it was written, humanity was a very different thing. You know, we don't have the same conception of death now in the modern age that our grandparents did, and it's not a very short period of time that we don't have. But you, you, we have. I have friends uh, who just lost. Uh, one of my friends just lost his mom not too long ago, and he's in his fifties. Right before you, you never, you didn't get out of your get out of adolescence without losing probably probably a family member, right? At least yeah. or a few. So our our relationship to death is completely different than it ever was, and a lot of these systems are built around some sort of uh, assumptions about humanity that we have uh, almost dispensed with. Okay, we, so the, we, we've become divorced with. So here's something that just clicked, and this is an interesting. So and it connected to your concept of death, and that you wouldn't escape your your adolescence without death. And I was connect. I connected that to the idea of the destruction of the extended family. Mm-hmm. So if you can make, because if you make your family unit smaller than the pe- like the people who matter to you, it's it's you're going to go longer until you experience that death. Whereas if you live in a large extended family with great aunts, great uncles aunts uncles and children you're you know somebody's unfortunately probably going to pass away just given statistics right and just and again that's just kind of how things are so So, there's there's a more of a of an awareness of what death is right 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 so and that's and and that's the family size and that that speaks to 
that death speaks to something fundamental about human existence, right? Well, what is it? And but a death is also very traumatic. It's something that hurts you a lot. So what is so in effect? Here's what's interesting. In effect, if when we shift from the extended family to the nuclear family, it's actually an exercise we might say of safety, because we're trying to protect ourselves from harm, right? It's a matter of harm reduction. I, it, 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 bear with me for a second, because I, then I want to then then my mind jumped to the idea of harm reduction. That's another element of leftism that's that's pervasive, right? Most of the most of the censorship and everything that we're experiencing <coughs> today is an effort of is an effort is talked about in terms of safety and health on mm -hmm. the part of on the part of the tech overlords as as they exist, and then you can connect that idea to the archetypal maternal instinct which is the which then becomes the devouring mother so by trying to protect ourselves we push ourselves into we push our we we're trying to protect ourselves from hurt from harm from trauma so much so that we 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 invariably get to the individual where all that matters is me i don't have to care i don't care about other people i only care about me whereas a more holistic where a, 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 the human experience is really to be connected to to be connected to, a, no, to an entire group I, in itself. I totally agree. I mean, one of the reasons why I I mean, there's a, there's a there's a bunch of reasons why I chose Orthodoxy rather than Roman Catholicism to 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 delve into. Um, and I won't get into all the all the minutia of it, but like one of the major reasons was that Orthodoxy is one of the, I think one of the few, if maybe not the only, who puts um, suffering and sacrifice. For, on the forefront like that's we ritualize suffering and sacrifice like by fasting twice a week at minimum that's a ritualized sacri sacrifice and suffering um the there's no shying away of it there's no there's no trying to alleviate it sam harris mr liberal himself once said that he believes that the the whole meaning of life is to alleviate suffering and from my perspective, especially now, it's like, no, that's the worst thing you can do. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you, you obviously, you, you for your child and 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 for your family, you you want them to only suffer as things that they can 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 withstand. You don't want life to break them, but at the same time, life has to. You have to experience it. Like, it, it's it, it, especially now that we're moving into more of these realms where we're having a conversation that I'm sure would be the exact same. I I, I try to have these. The, the the aim of this channel in a lot of ways is to reproduce what would be like to be in a in a room just talking to people without mm -hmm. pretense without that's why i don't have like jingos and flashy anything or whatever because i'm like it's it to me that's it's production right the production it makes you feel like you're on a show i want the show to 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 dissolve and the conversation to 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 exist mm -hmm. um because because i think that's Again, getting back to human decency, dignity, the, the essence of humanity—that's what I think is at, at at stake here. Is that as we as we keep evolving away from certain forms, in the under the pretense of of, of progress, what we're losing is connection to to being, to that actual sense of 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 being in this world. Um, that's a, and, that's and suffering that's... Is, is is part of that. That's so perfect, man, because I get asked all the time why I just release audio and I don't release video. And it's like, like what I look like doesn't matter. Like what the other person look like looks like doesn't matter. Like it, the production value doesn't matter. It, like is the conversation keeping you engaged? Are you learning something? Is there something there that maybe 
you didn't realize was there that we are actually like embarking on and it's a journey, but it's a mental journey. It's not a visual journey. And I don't want you to get distracted with all the lights and logos and flat, you know, like all this bullshit, you know, I mean, I guess I could have a, like a sign behind me that just flash live nudes constantly. And that's all you look at and you giggle like Beavis and Butthead, but like that doesn't do you any good. Like where, where are we going? What, what is it? What is it doing? And so I don't even bother with video. Number one, it's a lot of time. It, I just like, whatever I work full time. I don't have time for it. Number two, like if the talk radio was a like a major influence on me in my in my early 20s and I realized that there was a lot to be explored in in that aspect. And so that's what I decided to do. And I didn't want to put myself on screen. I don't want to be the center of attention. I want the subject matter in the conversation to engage you. And if it doesn't, then it's not worth doing. Now, if you'd like a show with high production value, I would go to binawake.com and subscribe with your email address. <laughs> Help a poor child who has graduated a recession realize his dreams. Shameless plug. <laughs> no, but I, so I, I, that's what I enjoy. I, I think I think there's merit to both, right? So one of the reasons why I like doing a more polished show is to attract that person off the street who is, you know, who isn't who isn't already invested in in like the deeper conversation. And like my show is more of a out, you know, I keep myself limited to about an hour. I'm talking about news stories, and then I try to take people as deep as I can within those news stories, right. um, and try to like, you know, like I I did a story about Lana Del Rey, and I connected it last week to like aesthetic traditions and also and also like how how it how it enforces leftist cultural norms and kind of and you know and then like tra looked at like the culture magazine that that wrote the piece and like what they said and talked about again this dissolving of this dissolving of boundaries and how it's ever present so yeah. so it's you know so it's like it's just, it's just a difference in it's just kind of a yeah like, I, 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 I'm, and I'm, I'm a show i come from a i come from like growing up i didn't play sports i did performing arts yeah so like, I, I mean yeah you dress like fidel castro i mean I don't know what else to say. Uh, or, or Justin Trudeau on his off days. <laughs> Are you Justin I Trudeau's once, twin? I once, pushed, I, once, I once almost got into a fight with somebody for saying that. Uh, <laughs> don't fight me, LB. I'll lose. I'm, I'm old and fragile. Um, We'll send you a case of cigars for your work. But to the but but you know you pointed out but like like you might have noticed I always have this right like this is yeah. this is my like I kind of started just doing the minimalism I used to dress like I used to sell suits so like I was always dressed up a lot like working in retail you're kind of like trying to be you're trying to necessarily be flashier whereas like over the last four years I've really just embraced minimalism so now like my go to look is a black Henley this hat jeans and boots. Right. It's, you know, and it's like so like but that kind of to your point of like, oh, that's I mean, I have a great head of hair. Part of the reason why I don't show it on screen is because that video is I know video is important to people. And so I'd rather just have the expectation that I'm going to wear this hat on a podcast so that I don't have to do my hair. Every time. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I, I and I think I mean, I think that's a, something that like people don't understand is is when you, how you're targeting an audience i i specifically target a specific type of audience i i'm targeting the blue collar worker 
the truck driver. Th- those are the kind of people that I'm after, right? That aren't looking at production. I'm trying to make these ideas digestible for your normie, mm-hmm. right? So I can go, I can write an article at the Libertarian Institute and get it published. And then I can go show my manager at work or somebody I work with the article, let them read it. And they understand that idea. And I do this. And I, whenever I get an article published or something, I, I go and let somebody that isn't knee deep in the world of politics or the world that we kind of encompass read it so that I know that I'm making it digestible for everyone because that's my goal. My goal is not to speak to the highest common denominator. It's to speak to those people that have never thought of engaging. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. And I, I think that's one of the reasons why we click, why we jive is because that's, I'm, I'm trying to do a similar, similar kind of thing. Maybe not specifically a blue collar audience, but yeah. Yeah. You're way smarter than me though. I have no idea what I'm doing on a on a daily basis. It's just, it's more like it just it just kind of happens. I just I just like that's here. fair because none of us know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah, here here's a thing, <laughs> like it. <laughs> oh, I can no? I, I think I think there's a couple people who don't like it. I might agree with you. I think I heard so. about this. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's more like the people who don't like it never watch it. That's 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 my that's what I always get a chuckle. Yeah, you're reading the tweets. You're not listening to the podcasts, and if you're not listening to the podcasts, you're not doing what all of us are. You're not you're not checking out the thing that all of us are actually interested in here. So five hours. Yeah. All right. Well, I think no. I think that I think I think that's always that's kind of the direction this conversation has always gone, and that I've been pushing. Like, and it's and so I would say my my position is not so much that like. No, see, we all have to bow down and worship individualism, and I'm sure you guys understand that. I'm saying this for the effect of for the effect of an audience. It's yeah. it's more of like it's it's a baby in a bathwater situation. Is it's kind of like I think there's still some utility. I think there's still there's still use. There's still utility in applying an individualist frame for you know for like for if only for economic analysis, right? And and again, I don't look at economics as the center either. Um, and that's kind of, you know, that, like, uh, it, that was an old piece of mine. There's a two part. It's funny. You can see how much my perspective has changed just in, just in the few years I've done been awake, but it, you know, like the part one and part two of why we don't need intersectionality where I kind of point out where I just take the Jordan Peterson point of, um, how many categories do you need in an intersectional analysis before you're actually down to one in a billion? This is quoting, let's just use a hundred as, as an example. If you have six category categories, with a probability of 0.1, then you're at one in a billion. So six dimensions of intersectionality, you fractionated the population down to the level of the individual. Mm. So that's kind of, you know, it's a, it's a, you can, you can read the piece if you want, if you subscribe. Right, But but, but again, the, the, the issue there is that the individual is not an individual. The individual in, in question is we can, we can certainly say is a unique self. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to get, yeah, you don't stop at the, the individual. Least. You then, you then, and then you go back into the. It, go, it feeds back into the group. I, right. I look at it as a wave. But again, I'm not. I'm not talking about accounting, right? Because mm-hmm. we can use individual as an accounting measure. Well, which right? is the, the political the, frame in a certain respect. I think it's it's beyond that though. Um, although there, there, that certainly that certainly is applicable. Um, I think when most people talk about the individual, again, they're they're talking about some sort of itemized 
or atomized self, right? A self that is distinct and distinguished from all other beings. Mm -hmm. And that's where I draw, that's where I have my, my, my problems with it is that, uh, and again, this is relatively new for me. So, so I might be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but I, but I feel that I'm, that that's closer to a truth than, or the truth than not that you, you are not a product of yourself, nor can you ever be. Right, yeah. and this goes into into Girardian stuff, which is like again with modeling is everything, right? I see with my daughter um, is that she begins to model, and she's she's modeling myself and my and my and my wife primarily, and you see aspects of ourselves kind of come through her, um, and that's not her, like it, it's it's herself, right? It's, it's it's pertaining to her. She's she's building a a, a personality, a persona. But what is what that where the, where that is coming from is a combination of 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 nature, nurture, environment. Like you know, maybe there's something divine in, in in that in that process. But the but the external movements are certainly modeled after after her after her, her parents. Yeah, and and that will continue as as she gets more and more influences. They will she will model more and more of those influences. Well, I think it's something now, we all have as we. Uh, you know, it's like kind of as you move from adolescence into full adulthood, you have those moments where like, oh, my God, I am my father. Oh, my God, I am my mother. Right. It's that. And so you actually and then when you have your own children or which I don't have children, but when, you know, I have friends and family who have children who I'm, it's like and then you see that again and you and you start and that's where. So it's one of it's um, it's if you stop it, if you stop at individualism, you're not going far enough. I think we can all I think I I, I would certainly concede that. Right. Yeah. Because. But but what I would make but but with the caveat of there is also something there there would have to be something adaptive to that adolescence. It's just me, right? It's up to me to it's up to me to survive. It's up to me to conquer the world and to or or to save the world. I think there's something like that again that can be hijacked. But there's a natural good impulse of a time in your life I think where you have to take that effect, and then when and then you and then you and then the reflection comes where you say, oh, I'm actually here because of. I'm I'm here because of what was what was set up for me at a younger age, even before uh, up to, up to and including the point where I don't have active memory or active sure. recall. I got yeah. two two points here, and and so the first I'm just going to say like, how how old your your daughter Jason? She's two. Just turned two. two. Okay, so whenever I first had kids, my dad pulled me aside and he said, the hardest thing, the hardest lesson for me to learn being a father was. Kids don't do as you say, they do as you do. Mm-hmm. And so you have to be careful the way you act in front of your children. All right. So that's my first point. I, I, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Um, my second point is when you talk about individualism and you talk about atomization, I, I look at it like this. You go, let's say I go and buy um, music, Right. Back when I was in high school, it was a CD. Nowadays, it's MP3s or whatever the hell that fucking is on sale at iTunes. So let's go say I, I buy an album of music by a particular artist. Do I want to sit in a room by myself and listen to that music or do I want to share it with somebody? And that's how individualism should be look, looked at. Like I find something that's good I want to share it with people that I'm close to, that I care about that. And and so 
the the individual is never the endpoint, as LB is saying. That's not where we stop. That may be the starting point. That may be the the root of the creation of that particular moment or that particular subject or that particular line of thought, but it doesn't stop with the individual. Ideas pass through generations because they're shared, not because they're hoarded and individualized, right? And so those ideas from last generation that were hoarded, that were not shared, died with that generation. And you're, not, you're trying to keep something alive as, as you find what's good and what's real around you, you were passing it on. When I went out and I bought my property that I live on now, I live on, it's almost nine acres. I'm sure y'all can hear the rooster every once in a while running around. He's so happy he has his voice back. Um, he had gape worm and so lost his voice for a few days, but he's, he's all proud and happy he's like strutting around like he knows what's happening when i started doing this when i built a greenhouse when i started uh getting chickens making sure the pond was stocked getting ducks my thought was not about myself yeah sure i want myself and my wife to eat and no matter what the supply chain does but i want something to leave to my children that's what it is. I have five kids. I want to leave them a legacy. I want to leave them something. So even the individual like activities that I'm engaged in and the work that I do on an individual basis, it's, it's for a greater purpose than my, my own self-sustaining individuality. It's for future generations. Right, and, which, which and is we have to we have to learn that that is extremely important, and it's built into our our genetics, our mind, and the way that we operate with in society. Yeah, I think legacy is a, is a really uh, not often spoke of thing in the modern world. I mean, I think we we kind of make it sort of some sort of like. A classical illusion right like other, you know, well they it, it's only spoke of whenever you talk about billionaires and it's like what right i mean but that's i, I want to leave a legacy too like it's not just donald trump or bill gates or elon musk that's gonna be leaving a legacy i'm either gonna be remembered or i'm gonna be forgotten for what i did right but, that's, but see my thing is is that you will never be forgotten when your effects affect other people like it's not tied to your name sometimes it can be tied to like like you said your 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 kids do what you do right and so as you genuflect your parents or your uh let's say your models whatever whoever you're modeling as as an aspirational figure or or, or as a great figure in your life you will start modeling the, that to your children they will start modeling it to that to, to their children and on and on and on and on that to me is if you just take the life eternal as in a materialistic sense that's it right that's how you live forever you okay. live forever through other people mm. and it's not what you leave behind materialistic which it can't be uh it, it can it can be through a book or through a work of art or through a property or through money or whatever have you they through can a also podcast be, which now we know podcast. jason's motivation here yeah no i've i've said it i've said it very clearly um that what I the, my my real reason for doing this, other than keeping in contact with Mark, 
was to leave something for my kids. Um, yeah. And, and so yeah. Link, no, I do the same thing. I, 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 I can only imagine when my kids, if my kids ever run across my podcast and they, they listen to the conversations I have, they trace the, the lineage of thought it, they're going to learn something. You know, even if it's, even if it's only to understand like why they're screwed up, <laughs> so it's like that might well, be what it is. That might be the only thing they get out of it. Oh yeah, my dad's a total fucking retard. Listen to this yeah, shit. That that nervous tick you have that's <laughs> came from somewhere. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I, well, that's why I write. I don't write for today. I write for tomorrow. I write for the ages. Um, so that's always kind of yeah it's it, it's always been about the grander scope uh for me so you know while i don't have a family you absolutely have the best sub stack out there like it's far too kind but thank you i no i love reading whenever you write something i always read it always i may not act like it and i may give you a hard time but i do i always read it uh, it's like whenever lb releases something i'm like okay i want to know what this is it's been what a while, but, but the podcast—the podcast is back. I've gotten that back on back on track. So I need to dig into that um, series that you and Andrew have been had done, or or are still doing. Are y'all still doing that? Yeah, we're so so he uh, tentatively doing it tomorrow night. So that would be uh, August seventh. We'll be doing okay. the next one. So we're on. We've reached chapter seven of "They Have Uncrowned Him" by uh, the late uh, Archbishop Lavov. Yeah, so. I need I need to dig into that because like I saw y'all were doing that and I was like, oh shit, I want to listen to this. So mm -hmm. I, I I'm gonna that's gonna be the next thing I start digging into and just binging. Yeah, yeah, so. it's it's well, yeah, you can and you can frankly you can watch me change my I, I yeah you can watch my perspective change even just as the course of that because that's been one of the most uh, uh, that's been one of the best entrances for me to embrace a post liberal frame. Mm. So. Um, nice. You got to start somewhere and, and, and bring this back to Lindsay. You know, if, if all of this stuff, fuck that fed. Yeah. Fuck that. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm open to, to him to being a friend though. I'm open to him to be not just an ally, but an actual friend. Well, but I would, I would have to see a lot of other things change. My perspective what? on James Lindsay is this, that if you were going to construct a fed, you could not do a better job. Mm-hmm. Because he sounds so much like a friend, but he doesn't, but he doesn't encompass the same belief system. And so by not encompassing the same belief system, I am very wary of him, though I find the information he puts out very useful. Yeah. And so that's kind of where I stand on that. It's not, I don't have a like really hard line one way or the other. Well, and, and well, and to punch it and to punch it up a little bit too is is this you know I think part of the one one thing that's one thing that allows people to feel comfortable, like you know, moving past a liberal frame, right? Which is kind of this ephemeral thing we've 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 made reference to multiple times during the stream. One one thing that I that is glaringly obvious to me is a commitment to something higher and or older. And that thing is usually, and for the most part, because we're all because because we're all of the West, is Christianity of one form or another, right? And specifically, the the oldest forms of Christianity, namely, namely, you know, what are, what are called today Roman Catholicism and and Eastern Orthodoxy, right? Right. Those and I, and I don't think I don't think that's a mistake. And so, as it relates to somebody like Lindsay, is so to the extent that he 
the what part of the reason why he probably doesn't want to take that leap is because because to the extent that he's adopted uh, atheist uh, atheism as his god we, we might say is you know it, that that means that he that means he has accepted liberalism as his god as well by definition and so right. therefore there's not so therefore there's nothing else to existence but this which is, right which and is I, I would uh, i would actually suggest lb I, I think you would really get something out of this book um even though you're not orthodox i mean i don't consider myself even a christian at this point because i don't really i've come to the conclusion that i don't i never understood what that word means and so um but like without digging into that subject the the book nihilism by uh father seraphim rose that buck and i did a podcast yeah, yeah. Episode I, was, on. I listened to that episode you you should definitely read that book you'd really get a lot out of it it's not a long book either you can find the audio on youtube actually for free and you mm. can listen to audiobook on on youtube for free it, it's it you you'd actually enjoy it it's about three four hours long uh, on audiobook so it, it's really not a long book but you'd really get it you, you'd really dig that because what what he's talking about is that is the liberalism like kind of um interjecting into christianity and kind of making its way into christianity and, and really kind of fucking up the religion altogether that's very close to what bishop levov talks about and they have uncrowned him that's, oh, like, okay. that's actually exactly what he talks about awesome yeah. i mean the the one the one way you can you can almost look at religion um or let's say the hierarchy, the, the hierarchical structure, especially if, let's say from a monarchy perspective, monarchy or religion, uh, is you can look at the family. Like it should be present in all things. Mm -hmm. So when you put liberalism into the family unit, the family unit flattens one way or the other. Um, it, it, it uh, what I was, I think I posted this to AA is that I see liberalism as introducing insecurity. So it's this internal insecurity of doubtfulness of it's it's almost like a, this that self reflectiveness that which is key to liberalism, which they, they see as a strength, is actually a weakness, because you because you you begin to self reflect to the point where you begin to self doubt all your actions. Because again, when you put yourself, the individual, in the seat of of all being, well, that's a very insecure position to be in. There's nothing to submit to. You can't you know it's, it's, there's no submission to oneself or to it's it's just. It's submission mm -hmm. to to the void, essentially, which I think creates that existential dread and crisis constantly within the liberal mind frame. Uh, it you see it more profoundly in, in academics who who are closer to it, mm -hmm. but you start to see the trickle down effect happening to everyone in that society who's touched by it, because eventually it it has that nervous energy of never being quite satisfied. There's no there's no satisfaction. Uh, it's just it's all it's all question, no answer. Um, and I, I think that's, that's kind of, Mike said, you know, uh, bring back to that conversation that, you know, someone said you can't be right wing and an atheist, which I rejected, but I, I kind of started to think, and I famously said for a while that, that I don't care if you believe in God, as long as you act as in, in accordance to it. Um, but I'm kind of getting to the point now where it's like, no, I think you need to believe in God. Like, um, and, I'm, and, and I don't know how I wouldn't enforce that in a, you know, let's say heavy-headed or I, I, I suck at orthodoxy. I'll be the first one to tell you that. But I, I, I don't think you can. I don't even think you can have start having certain conversations unless there's some belief. Um, yeah. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's and or just a yeah. And I, I kind of yeah. 
I think I talk about that in terms of I think there's a natural desire for humans to worship. And, you know, my I've talked about my Trinitarian mm -hmm. notion of instinct, reason and faith. Right. So, yeah, I think it's all connected. Well, look who finally yes. decided to show up. I, know. I can't come out. I don't know. I, I haven't read about enough about James Lindsay. Oh, I saw so, you talking about him. Now that this guy's here, I'll see you guys later. Fuck this oh, dude, Tommy. <laughs> Good to see you, Tommy. What's up, dude? Not much, man. I'm sorry. I just I, going. LB will see this in a minute. I just saw a video that Josiah posted in a chat. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. The this <laughs> that's why I was like looking over at my phone. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> so, what do you guys? I only hopped in later because think, okay, three hours forty six minutes later, there's no way that we're talking about James Lindsay. That guy's not that interesting. They got to be on other things by now, right? <laughs> I mean, this is an obvious one. He's just a fad. Just look at him. Well, we I mean, we we no, did. I see, I, see. So what we've what we've established is that Caleb was just worried about having to go to debate me directly uh, in, this, in this conversation. We did establish that James Lindsay would be Catholic because he likes forgeries. <laughs> this is true. I'm not getting into this. I'm not getting into this. I'm not doing this. I'll, I'll link. I'll link as quick as I came. I'll do that right now. No, I think uh, I, I was I was actually going to suggest that's like I think that might be a good place to wrap today's uh, stream. Bye, Caleb. I hop in, I hop in, I give my plugs, I leave. I, I I'm <laughs> yeah, how, how libertarian of him. To that is the that is the he's flow. he's the grifter of all grifters. That's all this going on. Hop in. Yeah, I don't actually know who Andrew Tate is. I guess I got to figure this out now. You know, I don't. You, I don't, you know, I don't you, have you a clue. You're not on TikTok. He's one of those alpha. He, he looks like Cyprian, but he's an alpha male type dude. No, oh, I'm but he's an TikTok. alpha male. I'm not a communist. <laughs> <laughs> he's guy he, look, like... he looks like Cyprian, but he's an alpha male. Yes. <laughs> Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, <laughs> I mean, that guy Andrew, Andrew Tate. Friend or Cyprian? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he had a, he told a story about how like he he can he, he got a girlfriend that I made her not a vegan anymore through the through my dick, and I'm like, what the fuck is this guy saying? Well, he's a guy who like, he's, he's a guy insane. who like fucked Michaela uh, Peterson or something, like that, right? Wasn't he? Really? In I Russia? did not know that. Yeah, uh, pretty sure. Uh, that's, the internet's so fucking weird. <laughs> I don't care anymore. I just. Wow. Well, great commentary, Caleb. Really appreciate I you just, popping I in can't, here. I, I know, right? I'm just, uh, well, Riveting stuff. So. I do think I am going to find some lunch, though. So are we going? Are we? Are we stretching this, or are we? Are we going to cut it here? Uh, talk about yourself. Wait till Tommy get back. We'll we'll say our goodbyes. I just I I really need to go to the washroom, uh, yet again because I'm 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 like I'm gargling it. Give me a sec. You two, you two Catholics talk amongst yourselves. Talk about shiny shoes or shit. I don't know what you guys do. Jason, I am going to hop off here. Thanks again. LB, Tommy, hey, Caleb. talking, buddy. Yep. Yeah. Appreciate it. Well, I hop okay. in. The, one guy dips out. Two guys leave. The stream is ending. I love it. I have I've caused the chaos. I, I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> it's like, it's like I, I told my roommate, I'm like, I think this is going to be two hours. And then, of course, it's fucking almost four hours oh. now. And it's, yeah, the, the, man. These stream days keep going. Like the Dave Smith one. Like I, I'm like I can't. I was like a beat. I can't make. It. I gotta work. I got off of work. It was still going. 
Yeah. Like it's. I, I mean, mean I, I the yeah. I, I'll have to like actually do some chores after this. I'm not. We're not even doing a show. I'll have to actually do some chores chores after this before I go. I wanted to do some video editing today, so we'll yeah. see if I get to that. Um, I uh, anywho, huh? Um, I, I I don't know. I think we so we we were we were we were ending our conversation. We 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 moved. We migrated from a James Lindsay conversation into an individualism conversation. My fault. Um, no, well, it was no, it was it was it was discussed beforehand. I came um, in here throwing bombs at LB like he didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Yeah, I did. I did feel like uh, you know, like Nancy Pelosi. You know, <laughs> said, <laughs> don't you know go to Taiwan the- and you won't get none, bitch. <laughs> you know, you which by the way, do we think? I, 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 this, this is a precursor. I'm like, it's like forty percent of the reason she's doing this because her husband got in a DUI. I think like Probably. at least right like you know like because I was I just caught a story about that recently. Yeah, I think it has everything to do with stocks and making money. Yeah. I don't think it has anything to do with anything else. That bitch ain't any, interested in anything but lining her own fucking pockets. Yeah, well, she's, I think she's, it's, she's, it's honestly clearly, that that's yeah. that's my thought because you know like what is it something like seventy or eighty percent of the silicone chips that the United States uses comes out of Taiwan. The world, the world yeah. is yeah, out of Taiwan. It's all right so yeah it's like the only reason they're interested in it at all the only reason she's interested in in taiwan is trannies i mean uh microchips no, that's, that's thailand you keep doing that <laughs> i keep By doing that I do thailand, keep doing thailand and taiwan are two different countries different <laughs> yeah cultures. no that i Lady actually cultures from thailand after that after that episode Not when your balls I, deep in them after that episode after that episode, I went and talked to Beatrix about it, and she was like, "No, it's Thailand." I was like, "I didn't even know there was a Thailand <laughs> until fucking Patrick said shit." Like, I don't know, why do they? Why do they name countries the same thing? Like, stop naming many, shit the same thing. How many T's are there in Asia? Like, Taiwan, Thailand, Tibet, Tibet. I think it's just those two. Tibet. Tibet. Well, Tibet. I'm not going to Tibet yet. <laughs> all right well i think this has been a lovely stream yeah, yeah. Gentlemen, I, do, I, 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 I tend to do that to streams no um I don't know. I, I'm, I'm this is i'm at three o'clock oh we can go another hour with our guy we we can find yeah, something hey chicken friend or fed fed that motherfucker acts like a fed i ain't gonna lie Especially that rooster. Especially the rooster. Every time I go out there to get eggs, man, that motherfucker attacks me. Son of a bitch. I think, I think ducks are actual feds. I've, uh, my I've my fucking food. ducks will square up with my rooster. It's funny as hell. Because <laughs> they're they're gangsta, too. They, like, gang up. They surround that motherfucker. Like, what, bitch? Like, the rooster comes up and squares up with one duck, and all of a sudden, the other ones are around it. And mm-hmm. that, that rooster's like, hold up. What the fuck? <laughs> LB, if you need to bounce, we, we you can always bounce, man. All right, cool. All right, you... I, I, I've seen the rest of these through. But... <laughs> you see, the, the FOMO is so so alive with this man. Yeah, it's, it's what happens when you when you graduate high school out of a recession. Is what, what can I say? The camera loves me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was gonna say it was the high school recession that got him. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Always generation trauma, ten. but I appreciate That's the ten. Jokes. I, I got an even ten. That, I can I can drop it. Tan, a motherfucking tan. I can. I'm not going to though. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. I just gotta be more artistic with it. That's all. Um. So we touched on individuals, and we talked on 
Um, well, I'd like to hear Caleb's like uh, take on individualism. Yeah, Caleb. <clears throat> like, what about that? Like, I mean, it's, of course, you the individual call- exists, but at the same time, do you um, have to call? Do you have to call the Pope first, or? <laughs> uh, I was at his number. I'd be like, "Yes, man, you gotta stop. Your sons, you gotta stop doing." Anyway. Um, no, the, the, the individual, like, both exist. The collective and the individual both exist. You know, like it's parts of a whole. I, I think this atomization is, is bullshit, and I think, but with, I think atomization individual is bullshit. But with individual entirely for like a collective type frame is also bullshit. It's like there's a middle ground there. Yeah, like walk that line because it's a, it's a false dichotomy between the individual and the um, collective. Sounds like modalism to me, pal. I'm not engaging that one. Hey, Siri, what's modalism? <laughs> Siri comes back. Your mama is a modal. <laughs> yeah. I need my I, I answer to me, your mama jokes. <laughs> there he is. So, all right. So, what is the what? What was your take on James Lindsay LB? I didn't. I didn't hear that part. Uh, I th- I think while they're glaring, like there there are things to worry about his work. Uh, his work categorizing and you know popularizing the dangers of Marxism to me is, I, I think I think makes him useful at the very least. So you're kind of where I am at. Like, I don't I don't know whether he's a friend or a Fed, but I know that. You couldn't stru- construct a better Fed to infiltrate yet. I'll take his, a fed, his, I'll take a Fed who hates Marxism. Yeah, exactly. Kinda like the like, Tucker Carlson conversation. Well, it, it's kind of what I was. An elite. I don't. The, the episode hadn't come out yet, but I was I was trying to get at this with uh, Courtney and Monica Perez the other day when, when we were talking about Peter Thiel, and I was like, they're like, "Do you think he's for real?" And I'm like, "Yeah, I think he's for real," but. What does for real mean? He's for real, like what he wants. It's not for real, like he's a friend of mine, right? And he's against ESG. He's against the World Economic Forum. So he's better than anybody else we got out there, you know? And so it doesn't mean I think he's a great guy in that everything he thinks or believes, I agree with. But at the moment, I'll fucking like back Peter Thiel to, to combat the shit that I think is more damaging for the world than anything he's promoting. Yeah. I mean, I think Peter Thiel is a really interesting character. Um, ever since I got into started getting Gerard about a year ago, I, you know, Thiel is, is a student of Gerard, like a direct student of Gerard. Mm. So I, I look at a lot of his moves as he's manipulating people's desires in a very interesting way. And I don't know how that's going to wash out, but um, I'm reserving sort of commentary on good or bad. I'm just more like, Hmm, very, you should, you should do a Peter Thiel friend or fed episode with, he's, with Monica and Courtney. That would be he's interesting. All, he's sure. on the list. I'm just, I'm just worried about Peter Thiel. <laughs> like, yeah. He, I, he I, might get you canceled. Like no doubt. <laughs> I remember Gawker, man. I remember, remember Gawker. Remember Gawker? Remember that? That was fun for a bit, wasn't it? Like, um, I want to be on. I want to be on Peter's good side, and I just feel like this. The 
a lot of people get what triggered is- just by the title of the show. So I just don't want to wake up one day and find out like every my life is frozen. <laughs> was it was it, was, um, was Peter Thiel the guy that was pushing Eric Weinstein a while ago? I'm not seeing somebody else. Who was the guy pushing Eric Weinstein around? Was it was it Thiel? I don't I don't know Eric, about he, Thiel, uh, Weinstein, Eric, Eric Weinstein works for Peter Thiel. Okay, yeah, colleagues. Yep. Well, that would have thing... makes me not like him because I, I can't stand the Well, the thing he's fast. doing is like he's if you look at like any of these these moves like Elon Musk buying Twitter or this financial uh institute called Strive that is claiming to be able to compete with BlackRock, Peter Thiel is behind the scenes backing these guys and financing them behind the scenes but he's not putting himself out front like he's letting like elon musk or someone else be the face of these companies and so i'm watching and everybody's talking about elon musk or this guy or that guy and every time i look into these ventures i see peter Thiel back behind the scenes and i'm like okay like what is this guy all about is he the doctor y'all been talking about it's like I'm yeah, sorry, Van, Vanguard. The Vanguard. So like, I know Yavin's talking about like Darkos and stuff. Like, where does is Yavin? Is, is there a connection between Teal and Yavin? I remember hearing about that a yes. while ago. Okay, so yeah, I guess so Yavin's finding part about the Vanguard, the Darkos that probably involves Teal a bit. Okay. Yeah, I, I don't know how I don't know how formal that relationship is, but I do know there's a connection between the two. Like, I know they they're they're talking, if nothing else. Yeah. So. Um. So, like, what my whole argument is that there's, like, the old guard and the new guard, and they're kind of competing for power. And we kind of saw this um, a few weeks ago when Bill Gates and Elon Musk were going back and forth in the media, like, with each other. I think I think there's um, a legit, like, struggle over the technocrat, the through in the technocratic, like, mm. elite of who takes control. And I think you have this old guard, these like boomer generation Legacy fighting, media. yeah, fighting against the Gen Z generation or the millennial generation, however you want to look at it. So I think there's this kind of old guard, new guard thing going on back behind the scenes. And as I watch, I kind of, you kind of catch glimpses of it every once in a while if you're looking for it. Hmm. Hmm. And I think Peter Thiel going against ESG going against Klaus Schwab is kind of like reflective of that old guard, new guard kind of fight. Yeah. Well, that's, that's always the, um, that's always part of the pool. Well, at least that was part of what, what's his face. Yarvin was trying to get across with the dark elf metaphor, right? Is that, you know, let the elites do their job. You filthy rabble, <laughs> which as a, as somebody with Irish blood, I just, there's, there's a part of me that can't, uh, that can't, <laughs> They, they can't uh I, yeah I, I have um i i'm very suspect of anybody who claims to be an elite acts like an elite talks like an elite i don't do smug well at all hmm. like that that's one thing that i will number one call you out on and just get really irritated about is if you act or or convey yourself as if you're better than everyone else that really bothers me that's something that i just don't do so I that that gets me into a lot of fights with people because that is like one of my key things. Like, don't act like you're better than me because I will bring you back behind a woodshed and I'll beat the shit out of you. Yeah, you know, 
and and we'll just do it the old, we'll do it the old school way. You know, I'll, I'll just do it the old Sunat way. And Cyprian. I, oh yeah, we can talk about that, but like that's not even what I'm thinking about. I'm just thinking about people in general. Like I've had a lot of these like engagements with people. But oh yeah, I yeah. Mean, like, I I I, I uh, the last was Cyprian. Yeah, like don't act like you're better than me, and like you have some like esoteric knowledge that nobody else can can yeah. get in, get a hold of that that really bugs me and I, favor, i'm gonna call you out on it and i'm gonna make you i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you you're stupid in the process yeah he seems to have fallen out of favor with a lot of people i won't be seeing him around twitter or really anywhere anymore like on podcast well if you if you if you took the time to watch his interview with jonathan pajot you'd realize like this guy is not as fucking smart as he thinks he is hmm. Yeah, like, there were like there were moments in that interview when he was with. I was excited about watching that because I was like, "Oh, cool, we're gonna get this kind of like, like kind of interesting like take on cryptocurrency." And you're gonna have like Jonathan Pajot, who's like this symbol symbolic guy, looking at the way that crypto interacts with the world, and and you're gonna get this like really interesting kind of dynamic happening, and there were moments in that interview where Jonathan Pajot just looks at him like he's a retard. Like, what are you <laughs> talking about? You know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'll, maybe that'll be my dessert today is watching. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to up right now and watch that later. Well, when, when Cyprian, like when he, when, when he turns and he, he just, he kind of analogizes the, the cryptocurrency as the Trinity. That's when Jonathan Pajot really got like, what the fuck, dude? You know, like really kind of got defensive on that one. It was like, hold up, bro. Like, you don't know what you're talking about. And you could see it happen in real time. And it was like, oh, why are we listening to this guy? He doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. I mean, I think for me, the tip off was always um, the lack of humbling. Um, and I'm not saying that my experience has to be everyone's experience. Especially within orthodoxy, but as the most uh, humble person on the stream, please go ahead. But I, I mean, I didn't graduate high school in a recession. No, it's okay. I, I let you, I said it so you didn't have to. Please, please continue. <laughs> Don't get caught up in your vain glory, Jason. Let him tell you how humble you are. Sorry, I was coming off smug. But um, <laughs> but uh, so what, what it was my tip off with him, uh, and, and it's 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 only grown to the point where it's 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 actually reached a point now with I just don't tolerate it with with him anymore. Is that there's just zero humbleness? It's like this, like yeah, no humility whatsoever. No vainglory all the way, and it's yeah. and. In my understanding of orthodoxy, as as rudimentary as it is, it should bring you to a humble place. It should bring you to almost to a place where, like, you you need to 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 uh, to you need to be, you need to be able to sacrifice. You need to be able to 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 submit completely. Um, and if you're not doing that, then there's something wrong. Like you're missing something integral to the process. Um, I mean, that's just my thing. But and then yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, um, I don't. Andrew's I don't, offering my dick. 
I just started out. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not clicking to see what the context is. So I'm just gonna see that and go, okay, there we go. That was me talking was, shit to. I was talking shit to Jay and just Andrew. It was like, yeah, I'll give you Tommy's dick too. So, yeah. Apparently, they, they, apparently, they my me. dick acts as currency. That's how humble I am. Dude, Jay absolutely destroyed me the other day. I went on his podcast to do like a book club. And he eviscerated me for like 15 dude, minutes. Look, people like underestimate Jay. That is one of yeah. the smartest guys I've ever met in my life. Absolutely. Like literally. I've had him on my show twice. And both times we laughed for two and a half hours. And I learned more in, in those podcasts than I've ever learned in my life. That dude, as young as he is, he is one of the smartest people I've ever met. Yeah. yeah and cotton, goes, cotton too. Like people don't I, give I cotton, cotton a lot of credit. I, I text him every once in a while. Cotton, I love cotton. Like he's he's those guys are extremely smart. And if you don't know what you're getting into with those guys, and you start talking to them, you're gonna get fucking like blown yeah. up. <laughs> I, I I saw I, I, it was um, everyone's gonna check it out. It's on Spotify. Cognitive Dissidents, uh, Christian Book Club episode one. We cover the key book of western canon literature like this is the top tier you can't understand christianity without understanding this book you know like it is, it's Huso. it's a hungry hungry caterpillar um i told him to have you on about that uh luther book that he was wanting to finish up with somebody i told him to get you on for that because i know you like reading those books and like breaking them down i thought that would be interesting yeah i would love to do it but i got way too much on my oh, i know you do i know yeah. that nope yeah, too much weed and well, now, now that now that song's stuck in my head again. Nope, I'm gonna go around <laughs> going nope all day long. <laughs> uh, no, speaking of y'all heard his y'all heard his new intro. What's who's who's Caleb's oh. for for his new podcast? No. Oh, dude, that's catchy as shit, dude. It's pretty fun. Took me, yeah, took me yeah, it, it's, it's hilarious. Y'all got to go check it out. Yeah, it's it's one of the it's the the song in there just gets stuck in my head and I'll just go around whistling it for like hours. <laughs> it's is so it, good. Is this for the new Austro? Uh, was it Austro? Thomas? No, Tommy? Uh, this is for the uh, classics driven life. Thank you, Tommy, for the name. Uh, I'm, I'm doing a I'm doing a new series. I cover like classic, like Leo Tolstoy, Hamlet, that kind of stuff. And that's the intro I made for it. And it's gonna be a it's a good intro. It's, uh, that's, that's gonna be a fun series. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hey, cover Ellen's daughter's a series of uh, what's it called? I can't series take full classics. credit for that name. I was I was listening to something the other day, and they they were talking about humanism and how the humanists depended on um, ancient literature for their morality, and and then they brought up that book, the Purpose Driven Life, which is only is is only behind the Bible and cells, and I was like. Well, you don't want to name your podcast humanist. <laughs> so how about the classic driven life? <laughs> so, I like it. so that's that's kind of where that came from. Like I just I was I was thinking I was trying to help you out and that, that just kind of popped in my head. Yeah, no doubt, man. Anything anytime you want like um to talk about classics and old literature i'm i'm down that's my dad when i was like 10 years old i'd tell him i was bored and he would like throw a book at me and tell me to go read it the first book i ever the first book i ever read was uh was it city people 
by uh Dickens. Mm. Yeah. My dad like he's like, here, read this. I got it in college. You're 10. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs> I'm sensing I'm sensing there might be a pivot away from nonfiction into the fiction. I know uh, Cooper has been talking about doing a uh, a podcast about based around fiction. I th- and I get that sense that there's like not that not that the nonfiction canon has been used up to a certain degree, but I think people are getting to a point where they need they need a bit more fun. They need a bit more like something that's less heady, right? Like less I think prescription. I, I really think like I write not I write fiction. It's like it is something I really enjoy doing. Um, mainly horror is kind of like the Clive Barker, um, Edgar Allan Poe genre is kind of where I. I stick to in my style of writing. Um, well, you look I, like Rob Zombie as well. So I mean, it, it kind of kind of fits into brand. You know? That is who he looks like. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, it, my wife thinks he's sexy, so I'm not going to argue. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no. So I I think there's there's a, a niche to be filled um, that has been kind of left alone. To where we take what we're learning from the nonfiction realm and introduce it into the the fiction realm, and I think it's on all of us to do that, you know, because we're working on these things. And let's say LB is not a fiction writer. Let's just say, for instance, but I am. Uh, it would be incumbent on me to work with LB on these topics and let him kind of guide the story while I'm using my imagination to, to create the story, you know? And so this is, this is something we really should be thinking about and working on and, well, and, if, and if, looking, looking, looking forward to and, and enjoying and having fun with, because I think there's a lot of talent in our group that, that we kind of, hang around with that we should be working together on these things <coughs> i think i think yeah. what's happening so i'm working on basically two interrelated pieces one is i'm entitled the humble <coughs> meta which is just something I'm, I'm observing more than more than creating i think it's something that's just happening like we're, we're starting to see smaller and smaller spaces about concentrated users so it's about getting your message out um but it's about creating impact rather than reach um, well, well, reach is somewhat still important. You're seeing this with, with Twitter rooms or with uh, limitations to to how many people, you know, uh, limiting who can comment, uh, exclusivity kind of ideas. That seems to be the new way, the, the new move forward is like smaller groups, kind of insular. You can kind of gatekeep a bit better, um, you know, Discord rooms, that kind of stuff, right? So there's that one concept, and the other one I'm looking at is is sort of the hierarchy of in this creative space. And loosely defined, I would say the bottom of the hierarchy is sort of just cons- you know the consumers. Next up is commentators. Next up from that is is sort of I'm I'm saying examiners or people who are kind of like taking that that commentary and 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 breaking it apart and looking at it and reformatting it. One step up from that is creators, and the, and at the top of the he is a broadcaster. And I think that some broadcasters incorporate all all forms of that. Um, but so basically, I, 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 think, I think I kind of talked about this earlier is that maybe our role in this individually or collectively is to get those ideas upwards, 
And so if we're not individually, if none of us are broadcasters or broadcasters yet, I think Buck Johnson could definitely be, could be definitely be a, be a broadcaster. Um, there's a few people who I see that have that pedigree or, or that, that thing already. Um, not saying that, right. not, not saying that any, any, any one of us couldn't be that. Um, but there's some people who are closer to that, to that, to that level who are, you know, uh, who are going to get ascended by just what they're doing. Like, uh, you know, Pete, what Pete's doing, you know, I, again, and, and it's not about broadcasting to millions, but I see it sort of like if Pete can get his ideas upwards so that Tucker Carlson sort of t- kind of gets them, reformats them and broadcast them. That's the aim, right? The that's aim happening is to... with, um, uh, oh, oh, uh, what was it? Michael knows basically um, always good takes now or just parodies of, a uh, uh, quotes of Owen McIntyre without naming them. Right. So Owen McIntyre is like the main guy, main influence of like Michael knows currently on Daily Wire. And it's, um, it's, hmm. it's frustrating like you see like he's not quoting him and giving him any credit like, or oh, McIntyre is way better than Michael knows but Michael just has the audience and so that's getting the ideas out there so I think it really doesn't matter but we're yeah, talking but about I mean does it does it matter if those ideas are actually getting out into the ether I you know I I have my moments where if it's like there are certain topics that I've well, I've been covering for years that I get a little frustrated with the certain people getting credit for but at the same time i'm like you know what at least this topic's being seen the reason i was talking about the topic is i wanted it to be seen right, right? I, I think i think it, it depends on how lateral the move is so without naming names <laughs> i know someone who is monkeying with your work who is just basically just copy pasting your es your uh, your esg stuff right um, yeah. that's yeah. kind of what i've kind of same, yeah, right? and we all yeah. And we all know and we all know who that is. <clears throat> um, show, 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 we, we won't get into that. <clears throat> but I don't see any. I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you something. I'll. I'll... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, I commented on when you when you and Pete were talking on, on Mike's show. Um, uh, but anyways, uh, <laughs> I think it's, believe, it's, the amount of text I got about that show. <laughs> Right. Um, but I think it depends on how lateral it is. Right. And this is going back to Gerard, like rivalry will happen the closer you are together than the further you are apart. Right. And I almost think that creating creating distance sometimes can be good. Now, within our group, whatever this group is, um, you know, I, I, I like it. I, well, I li- I'm not a group guy. I, I usually avoid groups like a fucking plague. But what I'm liking about what's happening in our general sphere and you know all four of us are included that and then you know matt erickson and a few others is that there's this there's a lot of different takes on things even though we are seemingly connected in some way that we i don't think we can actually um vocalize i don't know maybe 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 i'm not maybe i'm no, I think you're right because I wouldn't I wouldn't say that any of us are like one of my best friends in the world is Pete. Like right. It, and you could listen to us interact, you could tell that we have a lot of respect and love for each other. We've known each other for years and have have been in the space together for years and communicated and and he's one of my best friends. I don't agree with everything that he says. And but that I I understand 
his general concept, like the, the, the direction he's headed makes sense to me. Right. And so like, I, I think about like people like Pete that I've known in this space, like Buck, I've known in this space for a long time and that I communicate with regularly. Like we talk a lot, almost every day I'm talking to Buck and Pete and, and other guys and, and other people. It doesn't mean we agree on everything, but we understand each other's thought process. We have enough respect for each other to listen out to what the other person's saying and garner the good that we can get from each other, right? Like my focus is not the same as LB's focus. My focus is not the same as Caleb's, but we respect each other. You know, we we all really are good friends. We spend time off a of podcast talking to each other and, and messaging each other and, and chatting and having a good time because we do respect each other and the way that we think about things. And I, I hope that somebody like LB or Caleb would feel free to ask me questions if they're unsure about their process of thought, you know, because I do like the guys and I respect them. I would never be overly insulting. I would only insult them enough to get a good laugh out of them. Um, <laughs> So, but that's just my personality. That's just the way I operate with people, that's you know. Just, yeah, that's also just healthy male to male, uh, male to male interaction. What which would is you know about males? See, see, the what? He, inter he interacts quite a quite a bit with males. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I interact. <laughs> It's the recession. Yeah, it's it's graduating during a recession. It's just, you have to you have to do whatever you can to make to earn a buck. It's those Catholics they can they can they can they can sheathe the non-Catholics quite a bit. Don't cross well, streams. Well, they, well, frankly, despite appearances to the contrary, there's one way you can find out that I'm definitely not Jewish. Um, <laughs> And at, at hour four and minute twenty, oh, just come about. I think that that might that might, that, might, that kind of comment for Where's me might clip? be cute. It's time to leave. Oh, a clip. we we would think everybody would think that LB was the one that was drinking. Um, yeah, I'm sober. Yeah, yeah. I am punch not. punch drunk. <sighs> but oh. no, I I think that that having those relationships where we're like somebody like myself and LB can have that conversation or that myself and Caleb or myself and Pete can have that conversation. Who's this faggot? Is that good? Is that, that good? That's, Gutfield? This, that's this, me this, meeting Greg this, Gunfeld. This is the face of a man who graduated. No, I knew who Greg Gutfeld was. I wanted to know who the faggot Wait, was. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> LB, never save your beard. Khakis. Always keep that beard. Never save it. Imagine Holy shit. Is my face that ugly? I'm saving this, man. Um, I'm, uh, when I'm jacking I'm off tonight, I know what picture <laughs> I'm looking at. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, one, dude. You're a pretty motherfucker. I didn't even know you were that pretty. You should see my brother. You should see prettier. Why you should, I should see your what? I'm the ugly. Like uh, my brother is the handsome one in the family. So. Oh damn. 
You send me a picture of that. It's like porn. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, no, like I don't, I don't think any of us think identical and, and are, are completely on the same page, but I think we all have kind of our niche and, and, and are looking at things from a diff- completely different angle. And I know LB like respects me. I respect the shit out of LB. That's why I keep using you as an example because we've had these conversations. And so like, I don't, whenever I come on and I challenge him, it's not because I don't like him or I think he's wrong. It's, it's because I think maybe he's blind to a specific thing. It's, it's the last episode I recorded with a good friend of mine, one of my best friends, Patrick McFarland. Like I'm challenging him and I'm not challenging him because I don't like him. I'm challenging him because I'm like, Hey man, like you have a blind spot. Like what's this blind spot? Let's talk about this blind spot and let's like work through that, you know? And that's what we should all be doing to each other. And this whole like ideal that we've been like furnished by through social media, that if you disagree with somebody you can't be friends with them is it's totally insane and totally ridiculous i don't argue with anybody more in this world than i do with my wife and i still love her when we were when we were talking on on courtney's podcast it it almost got a little awkward at at points because i i could see where she and and only only because we don't really have a relationship yet um so i I do that no i do that with courtney too it's it's that's her no, personality I'm, and you just learned that oh okay this is fun and you just the sparring yeah. is part of it but i, I could see sometimes where, you, where I'm, I'm i'm pushing an idea that that is antithetical to her conception of reality it's not yeah it's not even antithetical it's foreign it's completely right. yeah, foreign yeah. like Fair. she and that's why i would butt in and be like all right like i think what like the best way to say this because i know her better than you do and so i would be able to like talk to her and be like okay like what he's saying is and and that's why i would do that it wasn't any any no, no. anyway insult you it was just like okay y'all are talking past each other and here's where you're missing what each other is saying because neither of you are wrong it's just you're talking two different languages my my issue oftentimes is one of one of let's say translation where, where the idea in my head is very, very clear, but it comes out kind of like, um, yeah. and two, I've, I've kind of gotten to a point now where I just, I just say it. Like, I, I don't, I, I don't weigh the, the pros the, and cons, yeah. pros and cons or politics. I'm, I'm more like, I'll, I'll just throw, I'll throw, just throw it on your chest and go here. <laughs> right. Right, right, right. Like you're wrong about, you're wrong about happiness. Sorry. <laughs> like, and, and, and work it out from there. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't even think I, and we're going to talk about this, uh, what we're recording on Monday. So, um, we're going to, Oh, Tuesday for you, Monday for me. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about this, but uh, yeah, I don't think either of you were wrong. I think it was just, like I said, I think the subject, like the way you presented it was just foreign to the way she looks at things. And, and so, um, that, that I, I, I put a lot of, um, I put a lot of credibility on that Orwell piece. I, I look at it when I watch what's going on around me. It, I, I think about that piece a lot and, and I'm like, mm, yeah, 
or Orwell knew something, no matter what you think about him being a Fabian or whatever, he, he was onto something with that piece that, that 1946 essay was so well constructed and it's not very long, but it's so in your face when you Look, read it. I, think, I don't think it's a, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that two of the biggest fed voices of the 20th century, Pinker and Chomsky um, come from linguistics. Like they came mm. from a linguistic background. Yeah. The battleground is linguistics. Both a mathematical formula. Well, I mean, read read Bernays, right? No, exactly. But I mean, I mean, and there, and I would say that Chomsky and Pinker. I remember reading um, what was Pinker's book? Oh, it gets uh, better, better angels like of that. our nature or some shit. No, no, no. Like, his he was he was his, his linguistic book because I mean, Pinker was a was, it was a linguist before he. Was oh, a, I I don't I don't know anything he was, about that. He was that. a direct student of Chomsky, um, human intellect, or I, I can't remember. Um, but I remember reading him very early on because I was I was I was a Chomskyite, you know, uh, uh, in my well, I was like nineteen, because um, manufacturing consent was that'll make anybody a fucking atheist. Well, yeah, but no, hang on, but 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 we but we but we forget right that manufacturing consent at the time was groundbreaking. It was it's like um, mm. what's his face. Um, uh, revisionist history of America. Um, fuck, what's this guy's name? Um, another like uh, pseudo socialist kind of hiding behind behind, behind the scene. Uh, I can't remember his name. It'll come to me. Um, but Chomsky at that, at, and if if you know if you're around, if you're a, a young man in the and slightly liberal minded in the in in the late nineties, Chomsky was it. Like Chomsky. Was yeah, no. Uh, my my, my point at that time. Period. My point was that if you're just filling your head full of Chomsky, like you would definitely be an atheist. Like there's no oh yeah two well, ways I about was, it. I was an atheist before that. I mean, I no. my my personal story was I turned from God when my grandfather, who was who was my surrogate father, died uh, when I was twelve. Um, because at that point, and I wasn't really raised overly religious. I was between sort of a Roman Catholic Orthodox background because it was kind of semi it was in the background of my family but i couldn't reconcile an all loving all 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 forgiving all all being god with my grandfather dying of pancreatic cancer and it was my it was my resentment and my anger towards that moment that turned me from that from from god at that at that time at 12 so i i i, I classically say i was an atheist for were you years. were you more anti-theist than you were atheist I became an anti-theist when I encountered uh, Hitchens, okay. um, but I was definitely an atheist without 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 really knowing it. Um, I found that most people that I encounter that say they're atheists are actually anti-theists, which is something completely different. And that's why I wanted to ask you. I was both. I mean, I, I would I would classically say, and I and I, I echoed that with from Hitchens was that is that even if God exists, he's he's an evil god. Right, I, I've I, heard I've heard that several times. Yeah, yeah like really, there's there's a line in uh, what is it, Pitch Black with Vin Diesel, where he says, "You think I don't know God? I absolutely know God. You can't live to see the things that I've seen and not believe that God exists. I absolutely believe that God exists, and I absolutely hate the bastard. Yeah. And I think that is what a lot of people's point of view is. 
Yeah, because it's, it's that narcissistic sense of... Uh, Father Turbo once put it really brilliantly about vainglory. He said that you know, depression is actually uh, is actually vainglorious because it's it's it's, it's actually an admission of like this is ha- it's, it's unfair this is happening to me. Oh, it's happening mm. to me. This is unfair. And once and, and I I always look at vainglory as a and pride in general, but but vainglory specifically is as this wonderful pathway into it. To, to understand that it's 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 not about you it's to i had this part of my conversion really was understanding that god's love is, is, that suffering is part of god's love and that you can't separate the two that right. it's that it's actually part of part of that process and when you make peace with that suddenly the divine opens up for you because right. it's like oh it's this is this is one of the same. It's not. It's not a division. And what led me to that? What what got me down this road in the, in the first place? It was like when my my wife was still praying with my daughter. <coughs> I really I realized I just had a lot of anger issues, right? Like deep seated anger uh, and resentment stuff that I needed to get straight because I didn't want to pass that on to my daughter, right? Without uh, without you know with with no good reason. So that started me down a progress of looking at like, okay, well, where does this start from? Like, where did where did where does this anger come from? And it I trace it back to my grandfather's death and that resentment towards God. And when I kind of unlocked that, it freed up this whole space. It just kind of like and mm. and and it was around that time when I I found myself at a really you know, I I had uh I almost sliced my thumb off, uh, falling from a bar, putting my hand through a back bar, uh, crashing through like five five bottles. I, I almost sliced my my hand off. That kind of ended my service career. Um, then COVID happened, and my wife was pregnant. My you know my my daughter's born in the middle of COVID, um, and it came came October of 2020, and I had no job, no no prospects. My daughter was born. And I got to this point of of utter humility, of going, I don't know what else to do, and in and I and I and there was about a lead up of a few weeks where I was just breaking down. I was, and I'm not, I'm not an emotional guy. Like I get mm. my my emotional range typically is like anger <laughs> and annoyance. I'm generally always annoyed, and like, <laughs> and, and and occasionally I'll get angry. Um, but I don't, you know, I'll joke around, whatever, but like, I don't really like, I don't experience happiness. Like a lot of people, I don't really get that. Like, I, you know, there's, there's a few emotional ranges. I'm like, I'm, I'm very curious about because I'm like, I don't know. It's not my, it's not my thing. Um, but I got to a point where I was breaking down crying all the time. Like, I, I, I was, I was crying over the, the rainbow connection. Like I would have the rainbow connection song. Hey, come on. I was like, that, that song will make me cry because it's such a great song. Okay, yeah, but I'm not beautiful. I'm not talking about like just like weep like tearing up. I'm talking about like I, I had like emotional breakdowns. Mm. Um and and that kept happening to the point where so there you go. Rainbow connection. It's a beautiful song. It um is. don't always have a band though. Nothing, nothing wrong with that song. If you're gonna have if you're gonna have a come to Jesus moment over over Rainbow Connection, I think that's that's appropriate. <laughs> um, but uh, 
but it just it just happened to me in that moment where I I got to that that really desperate humble moment of of crying out as an atheist anti-theist crying out to God going what do I do and the thing that came out of me was bear witness and testify mm. and I was like okay <laughs> and that was it right? right because it was and I and I and I'm convinced that that's the voice of God coming through me like that's that wasn't me that wasn't right. that didn't come from me uh there's nothing in me that would say that like you know uh i yeah it's 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 hard to, it's hard to describe and i and I, i've i said this to mike corbell and i or i think i said this to mike corbell and i i, I kind of want to stop talking about this publicly because i i feel like i'm cheapening the experience um every time i repeat it but 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 it was sort of a, a new origin story for me where it was that moment where I was like, oh, okay. It's like this a road to Damascus moment. Yeah. And I don't recommend it um, to people <laughs> because cause, cause I, what I didn't know that was, was going to happen right after that is, is was this insane amount of shame um, and a coming to, like a come to Jesus moment is like a reformatting, you're, you're flipping reality. And realization mm. that you're that you're wrong about everything. Everything, yeah, yeah. And you know it's hard. LB looked like he had something to say whenever you brought up Chomsky, so I, I kind of want to get. I have any, I don't know that I have anything unique to say about like a Chomsky or anything like that. You might have uh, you might have seen me get distracted by this. Uh, there's this this variety piece that's that's LB trending just right now. Yeah. Uh, it's about this John Le Leguizamo who's you know he's like because apparently oh, yeah, James yeah, yeah, Franco yeah. it's like James Franco looks like Fidel yeah exactly uh, it's like no, that, and, no, and then exactly. this motherfucker's Colombian like well anyway. oh no no, no no hang on wait this is perfect actually LB this is perfect because I saw this I saw that Twitter thing I'm like well neither of you are Cuban so yeah who it, cares right like, exactly and frankly if, if, no Cuban want no good Cuban wants to play Fidel either. <laughs> but, but regardless, if, if we found out that there was some Cuban actor, I I name one. I don't I don't know. Who, uh, what's who, his face? The guy who plays Kylo Ren. Okay, okay. So uh, what's his name? Oh, whatever. I can't remember. Uh, Adam Driver. Yeah. Adam yeah, Driver. Yeah. If Adam Driver's looked over for the role in for James Franco, you might go, "Well, hang on a second, right? But. But I also don't think of Adam Driver as Cuban, really. And also, it's like, well, he doesn't even look like Fidel Castro. Like, uh, James Franco totally looks like Fidel Castro. Yeah. 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 So, so yeah, you might have seen me look at that story. That might have been what it was. It, it was just right around the time he brought up that he was like a Chomskyite. Yeah. Your, your face kind of changed and your eyes kind of rolled. And I was like, okay, like, what's happening? <laughs> Who was it? I, I, I think LB has something to say about Chomsky. <laughs> I remember being, uh, so I, I was born in Montreal, but I did, did some growing up in Toronto. And I remember in the early 90s, or sorry, late, mid, mid, late 90s, uh, going to, there was an anarchist uh, a bookstore in Kensington Market in downtown Toronto. And that's where I first encountered the Black Bloc. And that's where I was like, I don't want anything to do with this movement whatsoever. It, it cured me of that fascination to it. 
because I was talking to people. Like, See that guy that got stabbed? Yeah. Well, they're talking about in, they were talking about block? pipe bombs. They were talking about pipe bombs and all that stuff back then. And I'm like, okay. And look, when, you know, when was this? Uh, maybe 97, 98, okay. something, something like that. Gotcha. Uh, so it was around the time of that big Seattle protest. Um, you know what? You know what it was. There was the, there was the, uh, G. I think G G ten or G, or whatever. Wasn't that wasn't that held in Seattle in ninety seven? And there was the big protest. There was there was one in Toronto. There was one in Toronto in the in the late nineties. Oh, okay. So, I know there was one I, in I, Seattle at one point in time, but it was like the G twenty or something like that. Yeah, and it was one. Of, it was one of those. We we, we had one in in Toronto. Okay. That's where people got gassed, and like, and I I knew I I had friends who gotcha. went to that, and I was like, I'm not doing that. Because one, I don't believe in protesting, but also I like no, <laughs> like there, what is there a chance of getting hit in the head with a billy club? I'm not doing that. <laughs> that's I don't want my brains like spread all over the <laughs> concrete. Like that's. Because I've, I've been in fights. I, I I I was in my fair share of fights in high school, and so I'm like, I don't. What? Why would I want to fight with professionals? Like that's <laughs> I've done the amateur rings, and that was that was that sucked. I like, I'll fight, but these motherfuckers got weapons yeah. <laughs> and armor. I'm not even going to do damage to them. Like that's, that's dumb. Um, I've never understood that. I've I've never I've never understood that impulse to, to even to protest. Protesting to me is is weird. Mm. Um, it's like if if you're going to do something, do it, but don't just show up in the public square and go, "We're upset." But what? Well, have you ever thing? talked to people at a protest? No, I don't go to them. Yeah, well, I, I, I went to I went to a couple. I went to one once upon a time, and it was be like live streamed it and tried to talk to people. But but you kind of figure out. If you if you ever went to a protest and talked to the people, you'd understand why you you've never gone before. Oh no, I I I, do, I know why I've never gone before because I've talked to people who've gone to protests outside of protests. Yeah, they're all like, "We're going to go do this thing." I'm like, really? How's that going to work? And they're like, "Well, we're going to show up and 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 change." I'm like, "No, you're not." Yeah. You're, no. I, I, yeah. What, they're all the people who think that just by stamping their feet, they can you know they they really think that they can make a difference, and most of them don't have careers and things to worry about yeah. that are significant that's why it's so that's why it's so rare for the right wing to protest and then this whole january 6th thing blew up out of proportion because the right wing doesn't protest because they have things to do other than protest they they have jobs and families and and so when january 6th happened it was like a big it, it really caught people off guard because people are like oh well the right wing doesn't do that but they just did it, so it must be violent. And I, actually, must... I, I would prefer violent revolution over these protests. Protests are just pussy moves. If they were, they were either built on lies or the pussy moves. If it's that bad and true, do something about it. Caleb terrible, wouldn't be able to survive either a protest I or die. a revolution. I would die. That's why I said, here, tell people what to do. I said, like, hey, it's a pussy move. Go kill someone. You going to join us? My back hurts. I'm going to stay here and watch. I need content for the podcast. Go kill he's, someone. He's got, of, he's got a lot of fuel for fires in his house if he needs it. Like, if, 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 yes. if you know, the apocalypse happens, he's got like what? We're going to say about six months of fuel with the books? <clears throat> uh, probably more. When it uh, Jason got into this a second ago, but I'm curious about this. I guess I'm kind of taking over as a host right now, but just because my own curiosity. 
I do. LB, um, when was it that you realized there was a metaphysical? Uh, I guess it depends on what you mean by that question. Pro, um, I, I've always known in a sense. Okay. Um, I've had, I have, yeah, I was, I mean, I grew up going to church a lot and I had a lot of spiritual experiences when I was like in my early teen years. Um, that were, you know, in conjunction with some bad things happening in my life. So I guess you could say that. How about you, Caleb? When 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 did you um, realize there was a metaphysical? When did the metaphysical become real for you? Uh, kind of knew about it, didn't really experience it to my first mass. But I've seen, I, I saw people in like my father and church claim they were feeling something, but I never really believed them. And then I, I felt some that the uh, first mass, I'm like, okay. So it, it exists. I, I still don't believe people actually are feeling anything, but I, I do believe it exists. That's like, I to experienced be, it at a. To be fair, mass. you know, Caleb Caleb's experience was it was his first mass was was a priest putting his hand on his on his leg. And like, oh, oh it was beautiful. First time physical the first time ever. Actually, I thought I thought I think Caleb's Caleb's first mass was in Delaware, and his his experience was Joe Biden sniffing his hair. Was um, he's a, a true Catholic man. Right I was there. I was <laughs> baptized by a cardinal. Were you? Yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. In I, got, I got I got I got sorts I got sorts um, out. Yeah, I, I had a legitimate baptism from the Protestant church, so I never got to get rebaptized officially by Catholic. Like, oh, you're baptized. You, you like, should you know you should you should demand to get rebaptized if you if you really feel like there's a difference in the two. This, this is not a difference. It's just like a, a, a it's just an experience I wanted to be a part of, but um, it's like, the same thing. Demand a do over. Well, you you got the other sacraments. Uh, yeah, yeah no, I think so, and I think and then so. You know, and then I go, you know, you go to college or whatever. And then for a long time, for what I vote, my position with the metaphysical is it's like it's there, but it might not be the most important thing to look into at this time. And now is just the time where it seems where like a lot more people want to talk about it and, um, and, and discuss it. So, so I'm happy to, but I've never, I've always had the, I've always had this sense that there's a spiritual component to things I, um... more than just what we see. In March of um, 2020, I texted Pete, and uh, you know Pete w- went to uh, theology school, whatever you call it, in seminary. Seminary. There you go. And um, so I texted Pete, and I was like, "Hey, man, I'm agnostic, <laughs> but this this is starting to look a lot like Revelation." Mm-hmm. And and he was like, "Yeah, you're not the only person that's seeing that." And my journey, and I was talking to my wife about this. My wife is like extremely atheist, like extremely anti-theist, really. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about this last yesterday. And that I was like, you know, I wouldn't even bother with because I've been going to church for the last few weeks. I was like, I wouldn't even bother with this. But when I look at like the the plans of the globalists and I see what's going on around me. And then I look back at the revelation of John. I'm like, Oh yeah, I want to be on your side. Like, like there's specifically a side I can see that I'm like, I want to be there. Right. And it's why I refuse to call myself a Christian because I still think that I'm like, way too i'm i feel like i'm having to relearn everything like everything 
I grew up Protestant. I grew up Southern Baptist. And I feel like everything I learned as a child is, is just meaningless in that learning it now and looking at it now from the lens that I can see it in means so much more, hmm. you know? And it's like, Oh, I didn't know a damn thing whenever I said I was agnostic. So I always had like these, it's part of the reason I called myself agnostic. I always had like these weird experiences and, and, and like seeing things happen. And I remember my youngest son being born and you might've read it this. I, I think I put it in our uh, group chat at one point. But when my youngest son was born, like 12 hours later, he started vomiting blood. And um, he just continuously vomited blood. Like, it was it was constant. It, it just didn't stop. I remember they thought they had gotten it under control, like, when he was, like, a day old. And they let me hold him for the first time. And he started like vomiting blood all over me. And it was like exorcist type shit. Like it's just projectile vomiting, like out of him. And I'm, I'm watching him do this and I'm like, this kid's going to die. And they're begging me to give them permission to, to give him blood transfusions. He went through the, he went through the amount of blood of, eight infants in a matter of a few days and um, just con constantly being transfused with blood. And on the sixth day, he suddenly stopped. They were never able to figure out why he was vomiting blood, what caused it, nothing. He's never had any health problems since he's 17 years old. Now I just talked to him the other day, 17 years old, no health problems, never had any more than a cold. But for six days after he was born, all he did was vomit blood. I've never been able to mark that up to anything other than something supernatural. Hmm. Like, because when you saw it happening, it was incredibly terrifying. Mm -hmm. And then it just stopped. And the doctors were dumbfounded that it happened and dumbfounded that it stopped. They had no idea, period. Hmm. They were just like, never seen anything like it. And it just stopped. One day it just stopped. Seventh day, he had to go home. And there's something in the pattern of the seven days, number one. And then just the supernatural element of, of being involved in that. So I never considered myself atheist. I always considered myself agnostic. And then after covid hit i was like oh okay i see what's going on here and this is when i started really investigating christianity again and yeah, so i think I there's think i think there's something to seeing that pattern of the kind of um global religion of scientism i got i got involved uh, about 15 years ago, 10, 10, 15 years ago into sort of alternative medicine into like TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I got to dip out. I'm sorry. All right, Caleb. Yeah, right. Later, dude. Um, and 
LB, go get a sandwich. I'm going to dip out after the story. Go ahead. <laughs> I think we're, I think uh, we're about done, aren't we? Like, well, we can keep going, man. We tell me you. I'm. I can't I'm, stay I'm, on here forever, man. I do. I do have things to do. So. Yeah, whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the things that led me to 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 that school of thought was I, you know, I remember being with a naturopath and and having sort of a spiritual moment and coming from a a non-spiritual uh framework to have anything like that opened me up to to wonderment let's say so i started chasing that down and then when i, when I realized that tcm is based around you know um uh, a communist idea of you know that was such as maoist uh propaganda essentially it it reframed me into 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 more realist kind of school it kind of re, almost reinforced that that um that uh anti-theist kind of kind of sensibility all that being said is i think i think there are people who are open to open to wonderment and, and people who are closed to it but the 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 wonderment itself is beautiful like when you when you open yourself to it fully, it's it's both vulnerable and dangerous and beautiful at the same time. Hmm. And I think it speaks to a, to a certain kind of person. And I'm not saying that that's that's better or worse. Um, it's it's just it's just a sensibility. Um, I, I, that's, I, well, I, that's, that's why I think I, that's that's why it's like called that's why it's like practicing a religion, right? Or the practice of medicine. Hey, can y'all I mean, see this? Is that a fire? All right, there's a fire. If you look off to the side of the fire, you see that little orb there. You got to pull it back a little bit. It's you're getting yeah. reflection from your uh, window. Yeah, there you go. Okay, you see that little purple orb there? Yeah. If you look close, you can see like two things in that orb. Mm -hmm. All right. Check this out. Uh, where's the, there it is. So it's further away and there are two things like hovering there. Mm -hmm. That about freaked the fuck out of me. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what the hell that shit is. I don't want nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I've, 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 I've said to myself many, many times, in, I'm, I'm on my, uh, 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 um, LB's like, family. oh, now I know why this motherfucker says stupid, crazy shit. <laughs> no, I, look, I, 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 th I think there's a demon who lives, who lives around this house, you know, and. I, I felt his presence. Like it's like it's 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 again it, to talk to talk secular to him about it, it. It can it can be a psychological element to it. Mm, yeah. But whether it's psychological, whether, whether you can explain it with science or explain it through other means, I don't think it 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 I don't think it diminishes it diminishes its, its reality. The mm. reality is 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 the effect on you. How does it affect you? Well, I think I think it is reality. I mean, I think like if you look at the Type orthodox, if you look at the orthodox view, though, like right, um, 
and and the orthodox view is that the 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 gods of the nations are demons and like this was like very personified and and there's there's a meme that goes around where it's it shows um jordan peterson and it says how it started and then it shows jonathan pajot saying obviously zeus is real and this is how it's going like yeah. there's like a reality around that whenever you start looking into orthodoxy because you start you start getting at least a grip a grip of what that metaphysical is and what that the unseen in the seen world are and how they interact with each other right whether whether you go orthodoxy or catholic or whatever you do the problem a lot of the problem with any religion um especially in the western side is they've been so secularized and materialized and so you're supposed to believe that it's all just symbol and it's all just tradition. And the one thing I've found from the Orthodox that I'm, that really attracts me to the Orthodox is that they don't believe in the symbolism or the tradition. They believe it as literal fact, literal truth. And I'm like, okay, I get that. I can kind of understand the literality between the seen and the unseen world. Whereas here, I've never experienced in Protestantism. Here's, here's the difference. I, I, I call it the boat people, right? Um, it's, it's people who read Noah's Ark and, and, and they get obsessed by the boat. It's like, it's, it's not about the boat. No, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that. But, I'm saying, but if you like listen to Lord of Spirits and you listen to the way that the Orthodox actually interpret this stuff, you're like, oh, okay. They believed that like Zeus or Apollo yeah. or they were beings that were created, you know, and, and that were given license for specific purposes and they were, and, and they turned against God. Okay. Like I can understand that. I can understand where these stories come from now. Like I kind of get that. That makes a little sense to me. The, the Protestant reaction to things like that is very much like, well, these are just symbols. They're they're meant to represent something. Well, what are they meant to represent? If they're not meant to represent e evil beings that that actually incorporate, like if you look at like the story of Cain and Abel, whenever God speaks to Cain, he says sin is crouching at your door. He speaks of it as it's a being. He doesn't speak of it as if it's this abstract thing, right? So, like, how do you understand that being? And, and I think Orthodox offers a better translation of that than Protestantism, at least in my right. opinion. Because 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 the, the ritual the the ritual and reality are one. Right. So exactly. Because because the Orthodoxy places such a high degree of importance on the ritual, it creates the reality that you live in, and those two things can't be separate. They're they're is they're in, they're interwoven. Right, um, and I, I, again, this is what my what attracted me to the whole idea is, is about sacrifice and suffering, and trying to trying to give context to those things within God's love, right? Like, how do you have you know to go to Cain to go to Cain and Abel, the idea of 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 sacrifice? What why why was Abel's sacrifice more noble than Cain's? 
it wasn't the goats it wasn't the livestock it was the intention right, right? it was where his heart was yeah exactly right. so when you when you start to realize that that it's it's what you bring to it it's 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 you right right so, it was well it's, it's like if you look at like uh whenever you go into the new testament and I, i've used this example several times if you look at like the pharisees versus the sumerian woman the sumerian woman had no context as to which to understand what she was being told but she was open to it whereas the pharisees were not open to being informed of anything other than what they had preconceived it's what made paul as a pharisee open because he was open he was like one of the only pharisees that were open which made him a great disciple because he went from basically the dark side to the light side for lack of better terms so maybe it really should be uh maybe it should be uh james Lindsay, friend or pharisee there you go mm. <laughs> love it no more friend or fed we're going to do friend or pharisee from now on <laughs> <laughs> all right all right, boys. All right. that was let's, fun let's, i let's but i am officially going to tap out all right lb it was great seeing you man yeah, yeah. gentlemen tell, always a tell pleasure. me do, do, do you want to go for a bit more or? i don't know what you got what you want to talk about my wife's not going to give me a hard time. I'm just going to feel bad if I don't do stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, I I have to wake up for my daughter at some point, but we're already at 4.15 a.m. my time. Oh, so. Jesus. So we can we can go for a bit longer. Yeah, let's go. Let's go for 15, 20 more minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's uh, make it even, we're even 4.30. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I, I think we're touching on, on good stuff here. Um, I think there's the the crossover to me between Western man and traditional man is what's really captivating my attention now. Mm. Um, it's the buildup between between um, between Evola and and Gerard. That I think for me, you know, I I I I've been trying to examine Gerard, like why I'm I'm drawn to that guy. I and I think a lot of it is is that I need that stepping stone. I'm still still caught. You're still like you're still there's still a part of you that is uh Western and you're still yeah. yeah. That I, I think that is a good point. I, I got this book. Um oh. It's called, it's right there. It's called Thinking Orthodox, right? And um, Eugenia, I, I can't pronounce her. Is it Constantinou? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So um, she does a, a a lecture series on it too. It's like two parts. Like, I think they're an hour and a half, two hours each. And um, she, she's talking about the book. But she focuses a lot on the Orthodox mind and in the way that the Orthodox think, uh, she calls it the phronema or phronema. Yeah. And I haven't read the book yet. I haven't, I haven't dug into it yet. It's one of my next, next one to dig into. Um, but from what I can gather, it's, I mean, the mindset is so different between us and, and that, that Orthodox vision 
of what the world is, right? Um, I'm reading right now, I'm reading Antichrist, the fulfillment of globalization. And whereas it sounds like this crazy, like prophetic kind of book, it's it's GM Davis, who's the last guy that Buck had on his podcast. Um, it's his book, and it's the book they were talking about actually in 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 Buck's last podcast. Um he gets really into the weeds of the history, and he does so in a way that's very easy. It was very easy for me to understand. I, I can't speak for other people because obviously I don't read things and look at th things the same way as you do. But one of the things that I realized whenever I was, I was reading through the history of, of he calls it anti-Christianity and I'm not going to sit here and say he's wrong, but he's basically saying that everything after the schism of 1054 that popped up in the West was a move to anti-Christianity and it moved everything West of orthodoxy into a Gnostic point of view, including the papacy. And so he, um, he basically says that the papacy is a Gnostic institution, um, based upon this, the knowledge of man in, He's he's lying out. He's laying out how the Lutherans and the Protestants like reformed off of that and became even more Gnostic in 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 their in their points of view. I think he has a point. I mean, I I, I don't know the entire history. Like it, it's something I'm looking into, which is why I'm making the jokes about the forgeries because I don't know everything about it. So I just like no. I look look I. I, I I tend to abstain from all of these conversations that usually are 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 are, are between like uh, Andrew and and everyone else because so so my my perspective about, about orthodoxy was it was it was a, the religion of my grandfather and you know I'm 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 ethnically Ukrainian Polish on that side of of the fence. So I'm drawn to that um, for very, very personal reasons. So a lot of the other arguments for or against orthodoxy to me just doesn't matter. It's, it's like, well, look, I'm, I'm in this camp for, for personal reasons. Like, go, go have your argument, right? right. Um, but it's, it's also to me, it's like, and I think this. I, I want to reserve this a little bit to our talk on on on, on Monday, Tuesday, whatever you want to call it. But but I, I think we we well, we, we use this as a launching pad. And sure. <laughs> so, well, hang on. But 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 this, this is a big this is a big thing on my mind. Is that I think we often create uh, arch nemesis out of out of a sense of vainglory more than the existence of an, of an arch nemesis so we we create this oversized uh villain this this enemy to defeat because we want to be the hero and that the ego demands the hero right now in times of war that's appropriate in times of not war it's inappropriate and i've i've 
I have said many, many times on many, many podcasts, we are in time of war. But I'm, but I also might be wrong. So, my my internal question or my my struggle, my vainglorious struggle, is to, is to say, am I constructing a villain to meet to to match up to my ego? You and, know, and 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 because 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 you see that a lot in, in conspiracy theories, kind of circles where where yeah. these things become all powerful and all knowing, and it, it breaches a point of of credibility, where it's like, okay, well, to, for that to be true, then everything we knew we know about human humanity takes a sideline, you know, because we're we're into we're into Saturday morning cartoon villain kind of stuff. One of the um, one of the things that I've really like kind of looked at that's 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 moved me is I, I I've read um, a lot of globalist literature like H.G. Wells or um, you know um, John Galton Darwin or I read Klaus Schwab or I read. Same. Paragana, you know, I read, I read this stuff and I'm trying to figure out what, what their ultimate goal is. And they, without a doubt, they, they do a couple of things that in every, in every book, it, 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 it seems to pop up and they compare man or citizens or the masses or the peoples like depends on how you want to say it or how they say it at this particular point in time to dogs. Like it, it's constant. Like this is something I've always seen. Like I, I, I've like witnessed since I started reading this stuff, it's always their dogs. You know, I think there's a, a moment in um, shaping the future of the fourth industrial revolution where Klaus Schwab says they're little better than house trained dogs, right? Like he, that this language is constantly being touted. And in, in Protestantism, there's this idea that, you have this direct line to God or to Christ and, and you have this direct access and capability. And I don't know, maybe that's true to some degree, but what I've found in orthodoxy is there are people there to help you find that path. Like you're not left to your own devices which is the way Protestantism feels, uh, at least in my experiences. I think that's absolutely necessary because when I look around and I see drag queens giving communion in a Methodist church or Lutherans advertising drag your children to church day and it's a drag queen exhibition, it makes me wonder, like, what are we looking at? And if I take H.G. Wells or any of these guys seriously, 
and they're talking about creating this materialistic, scientistic religion to base culture around so that they can create a global government, then I'm looking at churches and, and religious organizations turn away from the metaphysical and grasp onto the, uh, the materialistic. I heard a guy say, uh, I think it was P Father Peter Hears, I heard say the other day, the problem with the transgender movement isn't the transgender movement. It's because they are trying to find their own identity without Christ and that that with without gripping on to Christ as your um, cornerstone for your identity, then you are transformative in evil ways. And so I look at these things and I'm I'm trying to to process all this and put it all together and i'm looking at what i see in the world versus what the the what I, what the scriptures say what the church fathers have said and i'm i'm realizing that the battle or the war as you put it never slowed it it is it, just constantly amplified piece by piece moment by moment and here we are and we're making decisions. And, yeah. And I we're mean, left I, I, and we're left with nothing else but trying to discover what it was that what whatever the church was that 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 Jesus left to us. And we're trying to figure that out. And all of us are. And I don't care if you're talking about LB or Andrew or you and I or my former youth pastor who's Protestant, like we're all just trying to grasp on to the best recollection of what we can find that Jesus left. So this, this is the state of being that I'm trying, trying to get to. Mm. Um, yeah. Again, my preference for orthodoxy is very personal and that's why the discussions around it to me don't, don't matter. Uh, like it's it's I'm 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 unshakable only because if I've come this far I'm going all the way, right? Um, and that just speaks to, to me. It, my, my one of my best friends Brian when I when I told him of 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 all this stuff he's like, well that makes totally sense for you. <laughs> like he's like, of course you pick orthodoxy. Like you wouldn't just you know be a Methodist or some like some, right some, right 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 some in between yeah. thing. You're 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 going to go to the extreme. And 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 plunge the extreme. So, so that that's me, and I and and that's where I'm tempered in prescribing anything, because I understand that my metric or my process is mine, and not anyone else's. Mm. I think there's a value in having multiple venues. I I it's it's like how I think that Muhammad did talk to a to a to a spiritual source i think that you know uh campbell did speak to a spiritual source for mormonism it may have been may, may not have been god but it was a spiritual source carl young's red um, book yeah yeah all those things come from a divine source hmm. now whether it's god or something else 
or something I don't want to be her heretical, but something almost beyond our concept of God, because our concepts often are are rooted in these sort of materialistic vi versions of love. Well, we right? we uh, we tend to imagine whatever God is in in human form and put our own limitations upon the being which is something i've noticed in talking to anybody of any religious denomination it's it's they they have their own limitations they put on god and it's like wait 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 we're talking about the guy who said let there be light and the sun appeared you know like right. <laughs> it's like i don't know if i can if i can consciously even start to put a limit on what kind of power that is or even calculate it in any reasonable fashion so when it comes to things like that i definitely try not to to do that where i where i run into trouble like all right so like your your family is orthodox like historically um, so well ish so 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 i'll give i'll share you a story my aunt ellen uh who was i i, I asked my aunt ellen one time who throughout my life went to a Roman Catholic church um, but I knew she was Russian Orthodox. I, I asked her like, so Ellen, what, what religion are you? And she's like, well, Russian Orthodox. I'm like, but you go to a Roman Catholic church. She's like, yeah, it's closer. And, and in my atheistic mind, I took that one way. But now, in my divinical mind, like so, so my my last name because right? to her and she's worshiping the same God. Well, it was, is that is I that mean, what I mean? I'm just trying to. I I, I, I no, you you'd have to actually know her for context. But, but okay. my last name, Miranchuk. All right, Miron is a saint in the Orthodox Church. Uh, he's a thrice killed God, a thrice killed saint. Okay. So he's a, he's a saint who stood up to uh, to uh, to someone coming into the church and trying to turn down the church. Uh, he was he was killed three, three killed three times, right? That's 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 Saint Miron. Uh, Chuck, uh, the CHUK is a, is a bit of bastardization. It should be CHUK, but whatever it doesn't matter. Um, but Saint Miron is 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 a case, right? So in my last name is is actually a saint's prerogative which is the undying saint the guy who got, keeps getting you back back up he killed me keeps keep getting back up which which makes a lot of sense to my family <laughs> when he put it put it put it in that context mm -hmm. um so there's there there are things operating there are egregores operating within egregores there there are there are symbols operating within symbols mm. um so to say that i was raised orthodox is is not totally true but i wasn't no but I'm, I'm just saying there's a there's there's a historical reference for you to kind of pivot off of there's, there's, a, there's a touchstone there yeah yeah okay yeah see i'm exact opposite like my um on my on my mom's side like my great-grandparents were on the trail of tears right and so 
uh, on my dad's side as well, the trail of tears. So like that, there was the, there's the English blood in me, which is where the name Salmons comes from. But there was also that native American blood that kind of runs deep, which I, I think I would guess is where I kind of get my rebellious kind of like fuck you side, you know, that the Cherokee, um, in my blood is kind of, kind of thick. My path to orthodox, at at least to this point and again, I'm very hesitant to call myself a Christian or orthodox or anything. Cause, cause you're, you're, you're talking to someone who, who, who went from, anti-theist atheist to essentially operating orthodox within three months like trust me i i i get it (laughs) yeah like i I, i've been i've been kind of fiddling and diving in and and messing with with the literature and this world for since like last october trying to figure it all out um it's it's very difficult for me to kind of submit to that kind of the label, but I, I, what I I see something in the Orthodox church that I haven't seen before in any other church, which makes me even more curious. Right. And so it keeps drawing me by curiosity and, there is some sort of um i don't know i i've tried to explain this to people and i don't know how to explain it it it's like when i walk into an ortho the orthodox church near me my i have a physical experience i don't know what that physical experience is i don't understand what it is it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me but i've been to I, 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 I went to Southern Baptist churches. I went to Bible churches. I've been to Catholic masses. I've been to, um, um, Messianic Jewish, um, services. I've been all over the place. Charismatic churches, um, not Pentecostal, but, um, like the traveling charismatics, I've been to these places trying to figure this stuff out and trying to figure out like what it is that everybody's like so in depth on or, or, or so intent on and so att- attracted to. I didn't experience anything like I did when I, the first time I walked into an Orthodox church, there was something there. There was something going on that I couldn't explain. And I, I, I recognized it immediately. Um, I went once my wife went with me, um, the second time I went, then I didn't go back for months. And then here recently I've started going back again and I'll just, I'll just, all I can say is there is a different experience in this church and there's a different, there's something different that happens to me physically when I walk into this church, as opposed to walking in another church, whereas when I walk into another church, I feel like I'm trying to put on the facade. And when I walk into this church, the facade puts me on, 
I guess, like, I don't no, know. No, I, no, no hey, just, just, just to, to speak to this directly, I think, I think intuition is the language of God. So your intuition, not instinct, not... Yeah, uh, but like I said, it is physical. There, There is no, something but, but, physical. But I don't know how to... I, I, I think intuition is physical. Intuition... Okay isn't just it's sort of an instinct is sort of like a like you know the your hairs on the back of your neck kind of stand kind of thing and intuition is beyond is some sort of marriage between thought and process yeah right where where you feel it i think i, right. I, I think i said this uh with the, when we were, we were talking to courtney is that i'm looking for tactile truth something that you when you feel you go, yeah 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 okay like this this may not be the whole truth, but it's certainly a truth. There's something to this, right? And I want to explore that tactileness, and whatever, and and I'm so I'm trusting in both God and myself as a as a unit of God, as a as a I don't know what you would say, at a compass, yeah, as 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 a as a as I as a vessel. Right. right. So, I, so before I even do these podcasts, I say a prayer. I, 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 I kind of try to empty myself a lot to avoid vainglory and to, to avoid a lot of those, of those, those temptations. Because, because it's not about, you know. I remember when we did, we did the Dave Smith friend or fed. I got all that, all that backlash, and that was I funny. try to. Ex- <laughs> it's weird. Right? It, was, it, was, it was weird to have Dave in respond. I'm like, what? what? Okay. But it was, it, the, the weirdest thing for me was it was that people were responding without watching it. And then when Clint and a few others did their thing, I'm like, I'm like, look, man. Like, I remember when Clint and I were going back and forth in, in, in comments, and I got to a point where I was like, okay, look. I almost feel bad for you because you're missing the point of this. This isn't about an attack. <coughs> this isn't this isn't this isn't a what you think it is. This isn't a trying for numbers or or prestige or anything else or anything else. It's it's an honest call for conversation. Yeah. Um and, and there's and, also and, a tongue in cheek aspect to it too. Oh yeah, no, like there's all this all all the things. Like I get it. I the the whole point. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the whole history of the, of the friend and Fred thing. So, uh, I was on the uh, King Pill Discord. Uh, someone was talking about Jay Dyer. Uh, mentioned Jay Dyer, Jay Dyer as a Fed, which I reacted like, "Well, that's just stupid." But, but whatever, right? Like, if okay, well, if Jay Dyer can be a Fed, then anyone can be a Fed, right? And and then I kind of floated the idea between Caleb and Carlos. And Carlos is like, let's do a show about about uh, about uh, Kurzweil. I'm like, all right, let's do it. And we did it. And then like, oh, that was fun. Carlos Avalar? No, Kurzweil. And that was our first episode. No, 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 no. But you said Caleb and Carlos. So are you talking about Carlos Avalar? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I was just curious. I, yeah. yeah. And then we so we just did a show, and I was like, all right, well, that's that was kind of fun. And then we did uh, we. Did, Jarvin, and then we did uh, Jordan Peterson, and then we did Dave Smith, and the, the Dave Smith one was where everyone, everyone kind of spurred out, but you know all the predictable people. But I, I remember, I remember even doing the Dave Smith one. I was like, I know who's going to spurg out. <laughs> like I, I was, I was kind of mentally prepared. 
but then I just don't know why anybody would even react to it. Like it just didn't make you when I saw it, like, cause I was, I actually, I hadn't been following you. I didn't even know you that well at the time, but I knew of you through like Justin Campbell and LB, like I had heard of you. And so I, uh, whenever I, I ran across it, I was looking at, I was, I was searching for something on YouTube and it, it came up on my screen. And so I jumped in and started listening and I was like, Oh, this is fun. This is goofy. Yeah. You know, like, and then the next day I get on Twitter and I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> you know, <laughs> Dude. So, so we did five hours, uh, that podcast. I, I, I literally went to, went to bed, woke up the next, woke up the next day. Cause I guess I'm on Australian time. And then I saw that Dave had commented on it. I'm like, Oh, okay. And then all, all shit broke loose. And the thing that, that, uh, I think Dave. What, 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 I remember what saying, saying like, "Oh yeah, my number has gone up." He's like, "You're you're welcome." I'm like, no, no, you you've made my my timeline more spurgy, man. I I don't appreciate this. This is not what I want. I don't. I didn't do this show to get attention. And I, I, and I, then I realized that there's a segment of that population that doesn't accept that as an answer. Like right. As as genuine as I am about that about that response, which I am, you know, and you can do with that what you what you will. I'm not looking for reach. I'm looking for impact. the The whole point of this show, in general, the whole point of anything, is to is to is, is to take those ideas. Like what we're doing, have a conversation. Like like examine it from as many sides as possible and maybe it's valuable maybe maybe we, we find a nugget in there right or if nothing else we ha- we have some shit fun we and we just fucking have a and we have, and we have a conversation like yeah I, we I goof off we have fun we yeah, have a conversation I don't, I don't care either way like it doesn't motivate me either way right <laughs> to think about like oh do i get do i get a bump like oh am i getting a, a numbers bump like you know, I, I just I don't I don't care, right? But but to discuss that to some people, I, I I understood in that in that back and forth. I'm like, okay, we're dealing with two different realities, and, yeah. And you're never going to accept my reality because you're you're going to think that I'm just shining you on, yeah. And I'm not like I I I honestly don't care if I get ten views or. Ten thousand. Like the the only the, the only thing I use metrics for really is for gauging. Like, okay, do I pump more money into this? Like, the only reason I would if if I got to a thousand subscribers or whatever, I would just take this to to a private uh, website or, or or whatever, right? Like, I, I would spend I would spend the money and energy to to do something separate. Something something saying, all right, I have I have enough interest or I have enough. Uh, uh, eyes on me that 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 would make it. I, I could cover my cost. Yeah, the the, the currency of podcasts are downloads. So you have to remember that. Like and so I, like either, the, either way. the the people that that put all of their value and their worth into their podcast, that's all they're interested in, and they're not interested in making a difference. They're interested in how many views they get. 
Like, I don't want you watching my podcast if you're getting nothing out of it. I think that's a waste exactly. of your time. No, exactly. It, it, exactly. I mean, I'm, I am only having conversations that I get something out of. Period. Like, it, like I'm not going to talk to your favorite philosopher unless I think your favorite philosopher offers me something, right? And so I won't even reach out and contact a lot of people because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to get anything out of this conversation. They're not going to offer me anything. Well, you know, the, the, the examination is this, right? Like, so, there, so considering Alex Jones's current legal predicament, there's never been an easier time to probably get Alex. Jones. You mean like the Epstein's did uh, with the Clintons? You know, <laughs> did you see that video? Yeah, that yeah. shit was funny as hell. <laughs> but so I so I, here's how I weigh it, right? Mm. Um, so I did I did a general um, a call out, right? I, I included Mark Claire and, and and Buck Johnson, people who I'm interested in having on the podcast who who haven't been on the haven't been on here before. And a lot of people are responding, like, oh yeah, I know they're bigger people and, and whatever. I'm like, I, I don't see I don't see Mark Claire or Buck Johnson as a bigger podcast. I see them as people who I'm interested in talking to because I think they're interesting. Right? Like honestly, with, with you tell me I don't think they would I don't think they would even view it that way. Like no, I, well, I know both of them very well and neither of them would be like, I'm too big to talk to you. Like I just no, no, that's no, exactly. a that's I, a very I, odd thing arrangement to to imagine podcasting as. I don't know who, who these people are that think podcasting is that way. I think I think that and I, I, I even thought this early on was that you need to have, have something to exchange, right? Mm. Uh, that you need to have a platform to exchange because because that up and and this plays into my idea of a humble meta, where up until now the idea was numbers numbers big is good, right? Big number equal good. I guess I just I, I learned from Scott because Scott Horton was one of my first podcast episodes like my first three podcast episodes was my friend uh who's an attorney up in dallas um michael harris and then i had scott horton and then pete those were my first three and by i i, I learned from scott very early that it was like even if i don't know who you are you might have listeners that i don't have and I'm looking to reach those people. And, well, see, and, and my, Scott's my, Scott's point of view on that, I think, is very good and, and very humble. And Scott's just an average dude. He, like, Scott's not a dick in any way. He would just talk to anybody, I think. I, I'm, I might have drunkenly said on the Dave Smith over time that I would punch out uh, uh, Scott Horton, which was a total joke. And... <laughs> Dude, if you try to punch out Scott Horton, me and you are going to have to fight because I love that. And, guy. And, 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 me, and me being drunk. I, 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 I've, I've, I've clarified this on previous podcasts. I just want to be very clear. I no, I get it. I, like, I, I, I get I get drunk and stupid sometimes. Scott um, Scott is the sweetest guy. Like he absolutely the most wonderful person. I don't like it when people talk bad about Scott. And the reason I don't is because Scott didn't talk bad about anybody. 
He's like, foreign policy is a fucking nightmare. We got to do something about it. And that's all he talks about. And then when people attack him, I'm like, the fuck are you attacking a guy? They don't attack anybody. Here's here's my thing. My 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 thing is this is is that we and this is why I I I created friend or fed and then worked backwards because that's often what I do. Mm. Uh, And what I didn't want the show to be was a critique on personality right or or presentation hmm. that's not what i'm i, I don't I, i'm not into a shit fest i think up until now i mean i think even the james Lindsay thing we're in te- we're incredibly fair right the the idea is to get as many diverse uh voices in on something right and to examine it because right i have my i have my 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 positions and they may or may not change but I will certainly want to want to be challenged on them, right? It's it's about challenging priors, right? Take your priors, challenge them. Go, hey, wait, why why do you like this person, right? Right. I'm not saying you shouldn't. Even the Dave Smith thing, right? Um, you know, I'm I'm I was never libertarian. I was I was I I I I, I were at one point saying that I was a I, I caucused with the libertarians and and and, and our anarchists because like I was like, well, you know until there's until there's something else um so i I was never a pro dave smith pro michael malice pro any of that stuff but i listened to a lot of this stuff because i was like i i like new voices i like something fresh i like something that i don't that i don't know what's coming next uh that i think is valuable and then my criticism to to both those guys is when it becomes predictable like i know what you're gonna say like yeah i get it right yeah and I'm, again it's it's, it's not I'm, I'm not asking everyone to adopt my critique it's just that's my critique right um you become not- predictable like uh, yeah and like with dave smith like the whole thing with him is like i think dave is an honest guy now i have a bias and and but i i still think he's an honest guy and i think he's a good dude and i think he means well uh, but that doesn't mean that the actions he's taken are the best actions, right? I so, think if you if if you view the LPMC as an independent action, especially when he's when well, he's Michael Heiss is definitely a Fed. Just kidding, Michael. Yeah, but I mean, but but Dave's come out and said I am the LPMC, right? So okay, Dave. well, he said I am the LP. He didn't say I'm the LPMC. Well, okay, sorry. He's he's the LP, but the LPMC is the LP. So. He, Michael Heiss is the LPMC, and and that's why whatever. I was making a joke about it, Michael Heiss. Because no, but 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 I, I get the joke, but I, but I think it's true. Eric, right? Eric Sawyer is definitely a Fed. Eric, if, if, if you're if, listening, Eric, you should be listening. You're a fuck Fed. You, Eric. Fuck you, Eric. <laughs> uh, good. I don't, I don't even. Know. I don't even know. <laughs> good friend of mine. I don't worry about it. <laughs> but but I'm serious. But it's, I know a lot of those guys, and and like I get what you're saying. Um sometimes you're some like the whole friend or fed thing is really interesting the way that you have uh framed it honestly because sometimes you were working against your best interest and that's that's an interesting way of looking at things i think that's what you're getting at too like whenever i listen to what you're doing i'm like oh okay you know he's not saying the dude's literally working for dc or the cia what he's saying is that you could be unknowingly 
undercutting your own position. Well, because 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 I think the strength of the position is this, and this is why I got from from being an atheist to to orthodox. Mm. Is in that transference of going, okay, I was convinced of reality. I was mm. convinced that atheism and anti-theism was true. I was a die-in-the-wool Chris Hitchens model. Like Chris Hitchens was my model. I, I actually I want to do a Chris Hitchens friend, friend or fed just to, to address that. Um, I was there, man. I was I was I was in I was in it to win it. I'm not I'm no and, good on that one. I don't I'm not familiar with the guy or his thoughts. Well, so I, I don't but, I wouldn't be any then, good on that one. To to go from that to this is a reformate is a reformating uh, reformation of 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 not just belief but f- of reality. So right. it's like okay. So if I can invert that, then maybe my what I what I thought about Dave Smith or Michael Mouse, who I who I follow, who I like, who I, who I, I, I I've championed. You know all these people, and, and again, it's it's not a, it's not. I'm not saying anything bad about them. It's simply like, well, hang on. Why do you believe that? Why do you why do you think that? You know, should you believe that? Should you continue to believe that? I don't know, right? I, I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not trying to make that up for you. I'm just asking the question: is 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 that is that matching up to your to your current reality? Uh, <clears throat> And you know, you know, with Tucker Carlson, I I'm not a big Tucker Carlson fan, but but I also realize that he's got a contribution to the space, right? You know, Jim Zinzi, I don't like the guy, but yeah, I think he's a Fed, but I'm willing to at least entertain the notion that he's a friend and have people talk about it, right? And it may not be, it not may, may not sway me. I can sway someone else like that's I, i'm okay with that like um you know I, i'm i'm not a um i've divorced myself from 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 results i'm i'm now into process and so yeah. it's all process for me yeah <clears throat> yeah I, i'm not convinced one way or the other with james Lindsay. there are there are times um i i hear some uh, i see like some of the stuff he's putting out and i'm like oh okay like I'm going to get something out of this. And then there's some times where I'm like, Hey, I don't know about this. I don't, I don't think any of this sounds right. So I think like, like I said earlier, I think James Lindsay is a, a kind of a archetypal kind of character for this friend or fed because he can, you can go either way on him. either and, way and still, be, and still be right. And that's, yeah, that's a weird thing, right? Right, that, right, right. It's that you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, it, well, I, I think and, the thing with James Lindsay, man, I, I, I really it, just from talking about talking to Courtney about him and and kind of getting uh, insight on who he is because Courtney has spent time with him and yeah. speaking with him and knows him. I think what what we see is a person that is very one dimensional in his thinking he's very focused on what he does and what he does well and doesn't look outside to see what's happening around him very often so it can it can come across very easily 
that he is working in opposition because he's traveling down one specific path that crosses many other paths. Yeah. Again, because this is my show, it has my bias. So because I'm, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I am, I'm near reactionary, but I'm closest to the near. I, uh, I think Caleb once called me near reactionary. I, I, I think of the of of this little group, whatever it is, I'm the the most near reactionary member of them, um, and that's not a yay me. It's just it's it's just it's just a, a it just is fact. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so when James took aim at the near reactionary in general, I. I probably uh, there's 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 part of my bias. Uh, see, I didn't he, I didn't see that. Like all I've ever seen him do is on Marxism, and I think his work on Marxism is pretty good. Like from what I can gather, uh, I, right? But but also, and, and and again, from my perspective, it's like it's like yeah, it's pretty good. But also, other people have been doing that as well. My question always with, with, with James is, is that if James didn't exist, would I still have my current beliefs? I would say yes, because I almost didn't get any of my beliefs from James, right? Like, yeah, I mean, that's very, very anecdotal, though. Like, how many? Yeah, how no, many? Very there, I, I mean, could there are there people out there that have gone from far left to right because of James? very possible i don't i don't I, know I don't, I don't doubt at all i i don't doubt i don't doubt at all that there are many people in the especially in do the you do, do you get something when you when you watch one of his podcasts like i i one of my favorites that he ever did was on uh gramsci um mm-hmm. did you ever watch that yeah i I've i got watched... a lot out of that like i i learned stuff in that podcast and that like that's kind of the way i judge people is like are you putting out information that is helping me learn something christ i, I hate to see how you're gonna judge me in the end then Tom. no I, I, <laughs> I love you man you're you're a good dude yeah, we're, we're trying to do god's god's work um yeah i i i I'm, I, I find I always build backwards from things. Mm. It might be to my detriment. Um, Probably. But even the, We're but all even the, our wor- own worst enemies. Yeah, but even the friend or fed thing, which came out of, out of instinct or in, in, intuition, I would say, um, the build backwards from that is, is sort of like, I don't want to build backwards into, into a meaning that, that, into a false meaning. You know, um, I think it's it needs to stand stand on its own if it's going to stand stand at all. Um, I think you should do this for a complete year and then do Jason friend or fed and then just end it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if I can get like more than one year out of it. But yeah, I, I, I'm that was my question to the group for even for this one, where I was like, I don't even know. I wanted to start playing around with the concept of it because we, we we always like talk about the subject and then go on to something else. Um, and I was like, well, let's. I want I want to know if I could actually put the put the cart in front of the horse and start talking about individualism and then maybe talk about something else 
after that. Mm. Um, but we end up just doing the standard thing, which I think is which is fine. I, there's there's a lot of people to talk about. I think you know Joe Rogan, Matt Walsh, Elon Musk. There's a there's a lot to talk about there, though, man. There's there's such a such a distinct line of thought that you you just kind of have to dig in and just kind of work through things and 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 uh, you know I'll just re restate that like lb is i consider a really good friend and i don't have any qualms with lb well it's just i look at things from a completely different perspective than he does right mm. and and so whenever like i got on and he's talking individualism i was like oh hell yeah this is my jam like let's go baby <laughs> you know it, that, that, was it, my, that was my influence but yeah yeah, and, and part of it, you know, part of it on my my side is a joke, like just poking at LB. But at the other, on the other end, there are different ways to look at these things, and and so I, I but but like I, there's not a person I prefer to talk to in depth about like these types of ideas than LB. He's one of the most fun people to talk to about these things. Oh, look, look I, he's he's. He's been part of this whole friend of friend things since the beginning. I, I, uh, I, yeah, I look. My my big thing is I'm very honored to be even part of this conversation as sort of a, as as like the new guy in this and someone who's, who who kind of stumbled into it without any any, any, any intentions. Right. Um. I'm very I'm very uh, honored to be part of the conversation. Because I think this is where things are happening. Um, well, and and you learn as time goes on, like how to say things differently and how to express yourself a little bit better, and it just it just becomes more natural to you to to do these things because this is what you're what are you doing to all the time. What, what no, I'm say? just saying this is just the like everybody everybody goes through this process of of trying to figure this stuff out. Like, and, and so if somebody takes you at a context or doesn't understand what you're saying, it's probably not because you're wrong. Most of the time it's probably because maybe you didn't communicate it right. You know, like, oh, yeah, I did or, it, or, man. I I've been, I've been doing this for since 2018, like September, 2018, I started my podcast and I still find ways that I have to improve because I'm like, oh shit, people didn't understand what I was saying here. People didn't understand, or, or sh I said this and I meant to say this, or you know, it's just like, okay, you just work through it and try to figure it out. This is not natural to do what we're doing right now, you know. It, well, like to have the conversation is one thing, but to have the conversation and then let everybody hear it—that's another. Thing. Yeah, and 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 to be as as natural as possible. The 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 only thing that I'm modeling from Joe Rogan, uh, who I think is the sort of the unsaid absolute model for a lot of this stuff, um, is I'm looking for authenticity. Like I think authenticity is is the is the key to it, and it's a weird where it's a weird workaround, right? Because you have to be inauthentic to be become become, become authentic, but 
That's weird, you know, man. Because like I've never like tried to compare myself or my podcast to anybody else, and I've oh, always no, no, no. I've, I've always well what, what I was gonna say is I've always said I want you to come away from the podcast knowing who I am. Yeah, yeah. No, when when, and, when, when I when I say that the, when I when I, when I talk about Joe Rogan, it's, it's not. I'm like I'm not trying to be like Joe Rogan. I'm looking at no, no, no. You're trying to learn things from him. I've just never done that. What I'm saying yeah. is, I've just always jumped on the microphone and just started talking to people. It's just the way I talk to people. This is just the way I am. It's something I talk to Buck about extensively. It, it's like I want I want you to be able to meet me at Childerberg and be like, oh yeah, that's the same guy I heard on the podcast. No, but that, that's, that's that's my point. I'm not trying to learn something from Rogan. I'm, I'm, I watch Rogan a lot. And then my realization is like, oh, okay, there's that thing, right? There's a, so Rogan does this thing and Rogan does this thing really, really well. Um, and I actually think it might be false, but it's, it still reads, right? Uh, and, and when, when, Mark and I started doing the podcast. It was basically just trying to encapsulate our conversations that we were having, anyways, right on a podcast form. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and the first thing you're 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 uh, the first thing that you, that you come in contact with is 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 the screen or the mic. It's it's it, it makes you feel distance. It's it, it creates an, it creates a, this othering. Mm. And my whole my whole process towards that is is trying to get rid of that othering, right? Uh, I want yeah. I want it to be as natural as possible. I don't want there to be a jingle. I don't want there to be a a whizzle, wazzle, whatever. I want I want this to feel like I'm I, I was I was a bartender. I want to be this. I want this to be over the bar conversation over beers. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah, as much as possible. Yeah, and, and see, that's my thing. Is like I'm I'm a blue collar guy. I don't want anybody to get any other impressions about me. <laughs> like that's what I am. I'm a truck driver, man. I'm nothing. I'm I, like all I'm doing is inviting people to talk to me. That's all I do, you know. Yeah. And then I just talk with them, and I'm like, okay, so let's have this conversation about this subject. And I read so I learn things, and I've. You know, when I first started doing this, it was actually really uncomfortable because um, it wasn't the putting the my voice out, but it, I still deal with this quite a bit. Is I feel like I'm I'm stupid compared to the people I'm talking to. You know, like I'm just not worthy of having these conversations. But as time has gone on, and I've had conversations with certain people, like like R Michael Rechtenwald, and I bring something up to a NYU professor, and he's like, "I've never heard that. I got to look into it." And I'm like, "Oh, shit! I know something an NYU professor doesn't know." <laughs> like, you know, like these things like make it more comfortable to have the conversations. Like, you learn, like, oh. I'm me doing all this work and reading all these books and getting into all this stuff is paying off. And it's, it's making the conversation more valuable for me, the guest and the audience all, all at the same time. I mean, I, I think I, I, my suspicion is that, you know, 
you are the model that the establishment didn't want. Like they didn't expect this. They're like, well, we'll give the internet to everybody. We'll give this knowledge to everyone. They're not going to use it. And then there's just smart people, because because I think that you know from from the atheist school, you'd always hear like, well, why would God talk give us all this knowledge to like dumb sheep herders? I'm like, why why wouldn't he? <laughs> like, right. first of all, first of all, sheep herders aren't dumb. Like they're the farthest from dumb possible. And if you want to have someone to carry forth your message intergenerational, why wouldn't you talk to sheep herders? Like, why the fuck would you talk to academics for? You you just disagree over some some, some polemic or, you know, oh, I don't like, I don't like the coma. I don't, I don't, yeah. Just, yeah. You know, like the sheep herders like, yep, cool. Yep. That makes sense. Uh, uh, you know. Gotcha, bro. Yeah. <laughs> we'll put it into yeah. practice. Yeah, my <laughs> sheep. Uh, I, I, I gained ten sheep from that from that practice. I'm, I'm good. Yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no. It, and it's that's like something that that makes me laugh is when they're like, when I when I do hear people say like, truck drivers are stupid. You know, I mean, because obviously I have a lot of friends that are truck drivers, and I'm just like, okay, dude. Like, I want to see you take a 14 degree fucking mountain at fucking 70 miles an hour around a 60 degree curve. Let's just, let's just see how stupid you are. You know, like, can you, can you put calculate in your mind what you have to do to do this? Like, no, you have to be trained to do these things. Like your, your idea of ignorance or stupidity or knowledge is based solely upon your own, you know, preconceived notions of what these things mean. And so everyone thinks plumbers are stupid until your fucking toilet backs up. Yeah. Well, until you meet John Hartman. Right. And then they're, then the fucking prophet like, Oh, Oh, thank God. Oh, Oh, you, you did this amazing thing. Like, yeah, yeah. That's the second time I brought up John on, on this podcast. You know, John? I do not. John John is brilliant. Great guy. Like, he's a plumber by trade. But he's also a painter. And if I want to talk to somebody about Carl Jung, he's the guy I get on my podcast. My, my grandfather was a, uh, a polyglot. You know, he spoke seven languages, uh, worked, you know, three different trades, um, did, never graduated past fifth grade. Uh, you know, all the, all these things. And I remember one of, the, one of the best piece of advice he gave to me was he's like, it's not what you do, it's how you do it, right? It's, it's, it's how you carry yourself, what you, how you carry yourself through a trade is what matters. I remember, I remember him. I remember my grandfather. So, in in the house we grew up in, there's a school uh, just past our backyard, and my grandfather used to race pigeons back in the day, mm. and he would go through the garbages to pick up um, uh, bread from the discarded lunches mm. and bring them back to our house, and in, in the in his downstairs basement. With this big block with a with a with a cutting board, just cut up cut up the bread into small little cubes just to feed the pigeons. And one of the things I remember from that is it being humbling and deliberate at the same mm-hmm. time. 
he didn't have to do that right you know we had money he could have bought bread right but he chose to recycle he he didn't have to sit down there and cut up the bread he could even he could could have even bought bread cubes but he or he could have just torn pieces off and yeah but he did it for a purpose he did it for a purpose and a reason and there was a and there was a methodical reasoning behind it that superseded the the act itself it all these things were conjoined right um and I'll, I'll, ne- I'll never forget that like it's to me that's that's foundational you know um my uh my step-grandfather um <clears throat> he used to sit out on it on his at his at the window whenever i was a kid and he would sit at the window and he would watch the squirrels in the backyard and I always thought it was crazy. He would just sit there and watch the squirrels. And they would walk and they'd come up to the window and they'd be eating, you know, bird seed off the windowsill and whatever <laughs> else he had put out there. And I always thought it was nuts. And I remember one summer going to visit my grandma and him. And he's sitting there at the window with his hand out the window, and the window wide open, and the squirrels were eating out of his hand. And I was like, hmm. So, yeah, it's like you're saying. There's there's a system. They, they did it for a reason. It was like, okay, we're just going to ease you into this. And there's something there that our, gener- our, our world is missing. It's, I, I think it's part of the reason why whenever I'm home, it's, I just want to sit outside. I don't want to do anything else. I just want to sit outside and enjoy watching the chickens and the ducks and y'all just do y'all's thing. I just want to watch y'all, you know, and just appreciate you. you. It's amazing, right? So here's a, here's a residual. Uh, I remember my my grandfather sitting on the back porch, uh, carving an apple, Mm. taking the skin off an apple. And I remember that as far back as I can remember without a connotation to why he did that. And now that I have a daughter who I realize when you give her an apple slice, she'll eat the 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 apple fruit, but not the skin because it's, it's hard to chew, right? Mm. So I've started to peel apples in the exact same way. And there's this, um, there's this beautiful symmetry. Mm. Well, I think, man, I think we should stop because I need to yeah. get off here. <laughs> yeah, I, I, don't, I don't get we're a teary. Like, and, dude, yeah. we're getting six hours, bro. We beat the we Dave broke, Smith one. <laughs> we broke a record. Uh, we're going to see you on Tuesday or Monday or whatever. Monday. Uh, my, my my Monday, your Tuesday. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, and we'll, we'll dig into a lot of, lot of stuff. Oh, my plugs. Oh, thank you. Um, libertarianinstitute.org forward slash year dash zero forward slash that's the best place to find me i always want y'all to go to libertarianinstitute.org because there's a lot of great podcasters and writers there at the libertarian institute so i appreciate you letting me do that oh man Uh, i appreciate being on i i honestly tom uh you know i didn't really know your stuff that much before we started talking but it's like I, I, I value instant connections. There's a few people like Caleb 